Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. I hope you all are doing very well. I hope you've had a fantastic week. I hope the weekend is going to go accordingly. I hope you have a lot of great plans. A lot going on in the media, a lot to address, a lot to establish. A huge, big guest in attendance tonight. I want to introduce our first guest, uh, who is with us right now. He has lived a life like no other. I want to read off his resume because you all need to hear this. He is a commentator. He is a Fortune 500 sales executive. He's also a Hollywood actor, and he has eight books out You know, throughout the years. This guy has written a lot of books. His new book is Tyranny of the Minority, How the Left is Destroying America. Ed Bredeau, how are you, my friend? Welcome. I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, first and foremost, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of tell us how it all started for you. Tell us, you know, the the upbringing. Just you know how you've been a jack of all trades and how you've achieved so much success. And I mean, I'll tell you, man, this is it's all around, man. You you've done a lot. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, which is a feat in itself. But yeah. What I learned is that uh, for me. I, I have to I have to go where my heart is. Yeah. And if something isn't working in my life, I change it. So I have transitioned through a series of careers. And I, I, each one has been exciting. I've learned something and it's taken me to the next level. And uh, the next level today is the Rory Sauter show. I love it. I love it. And so talk, tell us about this. So let's start your Hollywood acting career. Tell everybody how that kind of started for you. What, what got you into that? You know, how you made that contact. And then obviously you, you get in one, you get in one film or you get in one, you know, scenario and then it kind of evolves from there and uh, kind of, yeah, kind of explain that. Well, I, I was a, an executive in, in the corporate world, Fortune 500 company. Yeah. And I was bored, frankly. Yeah. And uh, I, I, one day I locked myself in my office yeah. and I said to myself, what if I had six months to live? Right. How do I want to spend that time? And the first right. thing I realized, I didn't want to do it there. So I thought, okay, what would you like to do? Well, I, I spent about six months thinking about it. And it occurred to me that I always thought it would be fun to be an actor. So I went down to Greenwich Village and I signed up with Lee Strasberg, a famous acting teacher. Of course. And uh, a year later, I was doing the lead in a movie in South America. That's that's how it happened. That's Dude, that's amazing. And so how, how that experience, I mean, going from being involved with a Fortune 500 company and being the executive, then transitioning to that Hollywood phase of your life, kind of explain to the audience the, the, how the dynamics changed. I mean, you, you totally went down a, a, a totally different road, which, you know, it, it's exciting and it's, and it's, you know, it's full of new, new fun. All my friends thought I'd lost my mind. My family, they thought I went crazy. But yeah. it was the only thing I ever did. And it got me out of the conservative nine to five thinking. Uh, it opened my mind to all possibilities. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I was in show business for 12 years. Mm -hmm. Finally, I, I moved on. But it was show business that gave me the, the ability to think out of the box. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's been a real... A real treasure for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And and your time in show business, your time in Hollywood, how would you describe it, you know, overall? I mean, obviously, you know, the politics are a little backwards. It's there is cult-minded mentalities, but there are also some good people in Hollywood. But overall, how would you, you know, explain to everybody, you know, how how you, you know, uh, saw things? Yeah, it was incredibly exciting. Yes. I to do things that people just dream about. I got to meet people, hang out with people that you know you, you dream about. And uh, it, the creative part was what I loved, being right. an actor, yeah, trying on different roles, uh, working you know with great actors. That was really terrific. I didn't like the business part of it because uh, it's totally crazy. I, I mean, yeah. I understand what happened to Will Smith at the Oscars because the business can drive you crazy. I think it drove him crazy. And, and, and let, let, it started to drive me crazy, and that's when I got out of it. But yeah, and then, I'm delighted. I'm just grateful that I had the chance to do it. It changed my life, and you know, you move on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit because I feel like the industry can absolutely take a toll on your, um, you know, your your psychosis, your your mindset. You know, it can drive you into weird places and funks that oh. are unimaginable. I mean, a lot of these people have to go to therapy. You know, what Will Smith they did. Have to go to therapy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, in reality, it, it's a lot of people struggle in that lifestyle. But there are those there are those actors and musicians that properly discipline themselves and are actually able to function in a great way. So it's all about how you go about the business. Don't you agree? I mean, I'm, yeah. you, it seems like you, it seems like you did it very well. You did it the right way. Yeah, Ron Howard is an example of somebody I work with who really has his head on. And it's amazing because he started out as a child actor, which can be devastating, but he is very level-headed and it hasn't, it hasn't destroyed him. He's, he's managed to maintain his integrity. But I, in my experience, that was unusual. Right. Most of the actors I met were really in trouble uh, up here. Right. Right. Say, sorry? I said, I'm sorry to, to have to say that. But I, I think it's true. I think that uh, the business, because actors are at the bottom of the food chain. And, and, and how, how many, when you were starring in movies and, and starring in shows and doing you know, these various projects in showbiz. How many projects total? How many projects total? Yeah. Oh, a lot. In the, in the 12 years. Many, many films. Uh, I did over 100 TV commercials. Um, I did industrial films, uh, a lot of uh, theater in New York. I, I did all kinds of, you know, American films, European films, um, a variety of things. And you were mentioning about some actors that have kind of lost it that you were familiar with. Don't name names, but can you give it? Can you say what movies they were in? Uh, or would that give it away? I, as I said, the majority of the actors I met were, you know, uh, it's it's there's there's a a certain mentality. Arthur Miller, who wrote Death of a Salesman, yeah. said that there are some people in this world who don't have all their marbles. And they're called actors, and that seems to be the way it is. But you know, you, actors are are you're dealing with a very creative 
uh, environment, and and it's very hard to maintain a level head when you're you're dealing in all with ethereal subjects and and people are coming down on you all the time and making you feel like you're inferior. It's very very hard to cope with. But on the other hand, it's wonderful. As I said, the the creative aspect of it, uh, just terrific. And what I found that surprised me, I what I like doing best, frankly, was was working on stage, live theater. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, yeah. Films can be exciting, but most of the time you're just sitting around waiting for somebody to to call you on the set, and it can be very very boring. But live theater is the actor's medium, and you're out there for two hours on stage, wow, with a live audience. Uh, I have never felt more alive. Than, than when I was in New York uh, doing stage productions. And, you know, who, who, is, who is the biggest, you know, star in your eyes that you, you've ever worked with, that you were inspired by, that you really loved being around? Like, tell oh, us that. Like, like Patrick Swayze. Oh, um, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, it, goes, it goes as far back as that. You were working with guys like Swayze? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, I wow. remember Swayze when he started out. You know, he started out, they they didn't think he knew what he was doing. Right. And uh, they gave him a hard time. That's when I met him. But uh, he was a really great guy. We got along very well. He and I, he was very level-headed, and I think they destroyed him. Uh, yeah. Drugs and all the rest of it, it was a shame. Because he started out, you know, he was a nice kid from Texas. Yeah. And, and they messed with his head. And, and who, who else? Give me some other names that you really like. Oh, Ron Howard. Howard. Someone who I have a lot of respect for. Yeah. Um, uh, I worked with Buddy Epson, yeah. loved man, very generous actor. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I could. I could. You could, you could go. You could go on and on. What's What's the project you're most proudest of? The project I'm most proud of. Yeah. The, in, in terms of your 12 years in in Hollywood. Well, I did a theatrical production of the film Laura. Remember Laura with Dana Andrews and Gene Tierney? Sounds familiar. Is that an old classic? We did the stage version of that in New York. I I did the lead in that. I'm very proud of that. Um, And I did some some film work, some small films that were, uh, where I got to play some interesting roles. And uh, just, it was very, very, um, not just enjoyable, but, but, Engrossing, and uh, I, I felt that I that I I grew from these doing these parts. So there was some great, great opportunities. Yeah, and you know, also you know, t- talking about you know this whole incident that happened at the Oscars the other night. You know, I, I I'm one of those people that I, I I'm not naive and I'm not gullible. You know, I I. I I go back and forth in, in regards to whether that was a real scenario or whether it was a staged situation, just because the Oscars ratings in the last couple of years haven't been the best. They have, they have sunk quite a bit. And, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of suspicious, I believe, um, you know, theories behind this, you know, he's, there's no charges getting pressed. Um, you know, there was laughing involved. I, Jada Pinkett was even laughing afterwards. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, you know, I, it, 
it very well, I, I'm leaning towards it's real, but you never know with Hollywood. But that just, just in, you know, it's crazy. But what do you think? I think it was real. You do? Very real. And they tried to censor it. I didn't watch the Oscars. I watched the videos of it afterwards. But I was just talking to someone yesterday who said when she watched the Oscars, they cut out the part where uh, Will Smith was cursing and saying, keep my wife's name out of your mouth. You know, they, they didn't show that on the Oscars. They, uh, because I think they were, I think they were all in shock when it happened. So, uh, no, I, I, I think it was all very real. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, 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 the way it was handled, you know, let, let I, you know, I believe it's real too, but you know, I, that's what I lean more towards real than not real, but totally classless, really, I believe dense Will Smith's credibility and his back, you know, just, just his background forever. I don't, I don't think people are ever going to forget that. I, I think this has really uh, set a bad image and, and president for young people. Um, I, I, you know, people idolize this guy. He's got a giant following. He's one of the biggest stars in the African-American community. Um, and we already know violence is a real problem there. So it's, it's one of those scenarios that, um, is not, it's not good. And Chris Rock, you know, making a joke, comedians, you know, uh, have to be skeptical about what they, what they say and what they do without, you know, something like this happening. I feel, I feel like comedy clubs have to worry for their safety in the future. I mean, this is, it's not good. I mean, you know, it's one thing to say F off to somebody. It's another thing to, uh, you know, approach the stage. That's crazy. Well, I, I think we have a lot of violence in our society. Yeah. And fortunately, that violence has now creeped into the entertainment industry. And yeah. That's what Will Smith brought in. And it's not good. It's not good. Hollywood is having enough problems. Nobody goes to the movies. When I go to the movies, there's nobody there. Nobody goes to movies. Right. Like, I, I haven't been to the theater in two years. Yeah. So they don't need, you know, they don't need that kind of bad publicity. And it's very, very yeah. bad for the industry. Were you shocked? Was I shocked? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't, I still can't believe it. I still can't believe it happened on television. That, that he and would you know, you know what I don't, you know what I don't like about this is that Chris Rock is a very tiny man. He's not a, he's not a, I don't look at him as an alpha or a macho guy. He's an easy target. Will Smith would have not, would have not pulled that with somebody like The Rock or somebody like Mike Tyson, you know, Will Smith, you know, in my opinion, in a lot of ways is a beta male. I mean, he, he would not stand up to some of these tough macho men, you know, and imagine if somebody like Mel Gibson or Ben Affleck or some white guy would have done that the other night. Imagine the outrage from the media, but since it's Will Smith, a lot of, cr lot, a lot of crickets, not, I mean, there are people giving him a hard time for it, but there's also a lot of people that are like, Oh, I understand why he did it. But if a white person did it, I guarantee you the reaction from all cylinders would be different. I agree with you completely. And there's no excuse. You can't say, well, he had motivation, blah, blah, blah. There's no excuse for that. Right. You have a problem, you deal with it with your psychiatrist. You're right. You don't do it on the stage at the right. office. But I think that's indicative of the whole problem with Hollywood is this woke. Hollywood has gone woke. And, and, and this this political uh, leftist, extreme political point of view has taken over. 
And I, I know people in Hollywood are afraid to say what they really believe because they, they're afraid they'll never work again. And they're just, they're just absolutely uh, taken over show business. No, absolutely. It's so true. No, and you think about the indoctrination and, and the cult-minded individuals, and it's it's like if, if they don't think like them, you know, in Hollywood, then they have to keep their mouth shut. You notice how the people that say, you know, they're not going to comment on who they voted for, usually that means they did not vote for the, the typical candidate that Hollywood would typically go for. Yeah, they're intimidated. Right. And the can and the canceling of different beliefs, it never used to be like that back in the day. People in Hollywood used to have civil discourse. You know, look at the 80s, look at the 90s, look at the 70s. You know, there were a lot of Hollywood actors that supported conservatives and there was never much of an issue. Yeah, but politics was not a big thing then. True. Okay. True. And I and I think social media has really taken this to a new level because yeah. you, get, you allow all these other people to have opinions and you allow all these other people with these echo chambers and it just continues and it's a rapid cycle and it's just like a buildup and a buildup. But that's true in the, in the society as a whole, not yeah. just Hollywood. Cause we, cause we remember back in the day, there were only a few channels you'd get your news from, you know, it was, it was limited, you know, it was more accurate. It was more fair. There wasn't as much of an agenda as there is now with how advanced our, our society has become without crazy and trust the media. We need a media that we can trust, and we don't have it. And we've got to get it because it's killing it's killing our our country, the media. In my opinion, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know, and, and I want I want to you know shift topics. You know, this this Hollywood thing we could talk about all day. I know I'm on a limited time with you, but let's talk about your time in the military. I know you have an amazing background in the military. You spent some time there. Talk about that. Yes, I, I was in the Marine Corps. I was a lieutenant. And um, thank you for your service. I'm sorry. Thank oh, you for your service. You're welcome. Um, I was very fortunate to survive the whole thing. Uh, so many of the guys I trained with got killed. Uh, but it was, for me, it was a tremendous, it, it taught me self discipline. Yes. It taught me, it showed me how tough I can be. Yes. I don't mean externally tough. I mean, in, internally tough in here right and it taught me that there's nothing i can't do if i put my mind to it right that has that has been a uh, an asset throughout my life so i uh, i and the thing actually the thing i'm most proud of of all the things i've done uh the thing i'm the most proud of is is getting through officer candidate school in the marine corps and and being commissioned that was for me very tough because i'm not I'm not a, uh, you know, one of these guys that goes along. I, I, I'm a, an independent thinker. I'm a, I'm a free spirit. Yeah. So for me, it was very tough to cope with that, but I coped with it and I did it successfully. And I'm very proud of that to this day. I, lo I love that. And, you know, how, how many years did you spend um, overseas? Uh, I didn't go overseas. I, this is a whole other discussion, but I was just very lucky. How long were you? How long did you serve for? A couple of years. And how? Let me ask you what you make of what's going on right now with the Biden administration and the foreign policy disaster. And I mean, we could talk about Afghanistan. We could talk about Ukraine. We could talk about Russia. 
We could talk about China. We could talk about North Korea. I mean, it's going to be World War III soon enough. I mean, it's just a matter of time. I don't believe that. I don't. I don't think we're going to have World War III. What do you think is going to happen? I, somehow they're going to they're going to work it out. They're going to make some sort of a deal. Um, I just I just think all of this nuclear saber rattling is is uh, something that is being fomented by the press. Right. Uh, as far as the Biden administration. Uh, we are not being served well. Uh, if you take whatever the issue is, and you can count on Biden to make the wrong decision, uh, he's messing. I think Obama tried to mess thing. He tried to destroy the country for eight years. Uh, we were fortunate to have Trump for four years, and I think he was able to reverse uh, most of the neg negative things that Obama did. Yeah. And that's why I'm optimistic now. I think that if we can get back the House and the Senate in November, and if we can get Trump or somebody like him into the White House in 2024, I think we're going to be okay. If we don't, then we're, we're screwed. No, absolutely. And no, I agree. And, um, you know, going, going into something else, I want to shift topics because I, I got to let you go here in a second. How do we get back? Actually, I'll save that one for you. I'll save that one for the very last question. Tell us about your your life and experience in the Fortune 500 business. You know, as an executive, tell us what your day to day operations were. Tell us how you you know all that good stuff. Well, I, I was in sales. Yeah, and um, I love the creative process of selling. Yes, I love the creative process of yes. acting. But to be able to go out and to to uh, go to a big company and say, look, I've got an idea that you haven't thought of. And here's what you can do. Here's how you will benefit from it. So sign here and we'll take care of it for you. That was really exciting to get people to go along with me and to, yeah. to sign. That, that was an exciting creative process. What I didn't like was the, the um, bureaucratic aspect of it. And the same thing with the Marine Corps. I don't do well in bureaucracies. I don't like the the uh, you know the bureaucratic mindset, and that eventually drove me out of out of the the business world into show business. Yeah, and you know, and, and I want to also before I let you go, let's talk about these books, man. You just wrote a new book. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, you have written eight books in your life. Yep, here's journey of the minority. Everybody yeah. should read this. I explain what's going on in the United States right now. And, and how do you write eight books? I mean, I can't, I can't even write one. I'm still working on a, you know, my first few chapters. It's probably going to take me a few years, but I'll tell you, that's, that, that's something, man. That's, that's quite something, eight books. In my experience, the first one was the hardest. Yeah. But once I learned how to do it, now it's easy. Yeah. For me, for me it's all about organization. If I have my, my thoughts organized, and I, and I know what I want to say. Mm -hmm. I can sit down and do it. And, and you know, I, I I wrote. I think I wrote this book in about. Uh, it took me about two months to write this book. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Man, dude, that I mean, that's serious concentration. That's real. Now, when I I wrote, it took uh, two months. It took me maybe another six months to to uh, edit it and and smooth it out and all of that, but. That's the that's easy. That's the easy part. You know, getting hey. out there. Um, once I get started, I just go. And and uh, as I said, 
it's it's been after the first one you know you learn how to do something and and it's not so tough once once you learn uh the rules of the road it's true it's absolutely true and you, you talked about your latest book it's it you know kind of uh, discusses and, and, you know, addresses the current issues we're facing as a nation. What's the biggest thing you want the audience to take away from your book? The biggest thing I want the audience to take away is to believe in the values that we call American values, respect for the individual, the rule of law, the constitution, uh, private property. These things are under attack right now. Absolutely. And we have to defend them. Because if we lose it, we lose everything. And the most important of them is freedom of speech. Yeah. And the way they're teaching kids now at, at our Ivy League institutions, they're teaching the kids to lose respect for the yeah. freedom of speech. Yeah. Which scares the hell out of me. And that's got to stop. It's really yeah. got to stop. And how do we get back to making, you know, uh, movies in Hollywood with conservative values? And, you know, Hollywood is so bad with with their agenda and evil with the virtue signaling with trying to indoctrinate all these different you know lgbtq characters into disney movies trying to teach kids trying to teach kindergartners about sex you know i mean all this stuff that they should not be learning until they're much older you know it's it's really a a sick time and you know there 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 really needs to be more um films with meaning and purpose uh that are produced and, and directed and i see a lot of toxic stuff coming out lately of hollywood well i think the time for hollywood may be over really yeah if you look back at opera you know in the, in the 19th century tremendous opera composers and and now nobody writes any decent opera there were even the broadway plays the broadway stage uh broadway plays in the 20s the 30s the 40s some yeah. really great stuff yeah. Uh, now nobody writes anything. It's a, it's like it, each one of these art forms goes through a a period of a lifespan. Yeah, I think the same is true now of Hollywood. Right. Uh, they're not making good movies, in my opinion. We yeah. hardly ever go to the movies because the stuff is awful. Yeah. So I I think that uh, uh, we have to stop looking at Hollywood for our uh, to maintain our values. Yeah. And look elsewhere. We got to find another way of maintaining our values and that's what i always liked about what i love about donald trump donald trump believes in the values that i believe in conservative yeah. values agreed values and and we don't we don't need hollywood to teach us those things no agreed and if, they, if they're off the mark if they've gone off the rails so much the worse for them Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, 100%. And um, I, I really, I really want to thank you. Thank you for coming on tonight. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. Well, I'm on the internet, all over the internet. Uh, my books are available at Amazon. And uh, my website is uh, my last name, B-R-O-D-O-W.com. Perfect. And, and I want to ask you the last question. Bruce Willis, very sad news. I feel to so bad for him and his family. One of yeah. my favorite actors of all time, a yeah. true conservative, a true patriot. Um, I just, it, it's really, really a, 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 sh a shitty scenario, you know, 67 yeah. years old, still a fairly young guy. And yeah. 
to hang it up at this point in his career, it, it's devastating in my opinion because I really think Bruce is one of the good ones. I have always thought that. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's extremely sad. Yeah. And uh, my good thoughts uh, go out to him. I hope, you know, yeah. hope he does okay, but it's rough. For sure, for sure. Well, Ed, it's really a pleasure. Let's get you back here very soon. I could talk to you probably about stories all day, all day. And um, man, but really though, thank you. And I, and I will definitely get in contact with you. Let's get you back on the pro program probably in the next few weeks. Terrific. Thank you, Ed. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us right now. Um, actually, guys, I'm going to take a 30-second break. Stay with me. We will be right back. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coming to you live, coast to coast, worldwide. I do want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us right now. We have Dr. Uh, he has a PhD. He is a genius in the pharmaceutical world. He has <laughs> uh, a bunch of new projects going on. He's got an amazing resume. Robert Doerr joins the show. Uh, Robert, your first time on the Rory Sauter Show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of tell us how it all started for you, kind of your upbringing, how you got into all this. And uh, yeah, man, it's good stuff. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, this all started back in the late 1970s. Uh, even before I had my PhD, I was a pharmacist. And I, I uh, met some chemists at the University of Arizona who were working on a super potent form of alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone. Yeah. Alpha MSH is the molecule that causes tanning. And they figured out a way to make it 1,000-fold more potent than the native hormone. And uh, we eventually got a grant, a five-year grant, uh, to develop it, did the first in human trials. 
showed that despite the critics, uh, humans could respond to it and did indeed tan. And there are now three molecules in this category of melanotropins on the market. And that's why we named the book Sex, Diet, and Tanning. One, one of the melanotropins is a sexual stimulant in both men and women. Another causes, uh, reduces obesity in children with a, a rare form of uh, genetic obesity. And our drug, afamelanotide, is used to treat severe light sensitivity in individuals with a hemoglobin disorder called uh, EPP. Wow. Wow. And, and you, you know, you have a long history in the medical field. You are the uh, professor. Um, you're the professor of emeritus medical pharmacology at the UA College of Medicine in Tucson. You're a pharmacist with a PhD in medical uh, pharmacology. You spent much of your career with the UA team studying the effects of sunlight of the human body and was one of the scientific founders of Meliton. Meliton the Meloton Corporation, which Melanotan, yeah, yeah, Melanotan. So, so your your background on this, what what is the most obviously the biggest dangers here? What what do people have to look out for? Well, I, I think people have to understand that the way we tan normally is yeah. by, by developing DNA damage in skin cells, and that DNA damage gets transmitted to the melanocytes to make melanin. Right. So what our drug does is it bypasses the need for DNA damage to induce tanning. Wow, wow, and, and, I, and I know you have this biotechnology company. How, how is everything going with, with that and everything? Well, we could never get the drug developed in the United States because there were worries that it could be uh, causing uh, melanomas and Eventually, the company morphed into Robert, Australia. you disappeared. Go ahead. You disappeared. Your, your, your video disappeared. Oh. Let me, let's get you back. Let's, let's fix it and let's get you back. Uh, I do want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us right now. We have successful businessman. He owns uh, a very successful bank. I, I believe it's called signature bank correct me if i'm wrong scott I'm shea scott shea out of uh new york city uh scott you've also uh have written books in the past and uh you've done you've done a lot of different things but how's everything going i had you on the show a couple years ago when i did radio but this is your first time on my tv program but good to have you here it is good to be here thank you for having me rory thank and, you uh, man. I am chairman and co-founder i i wish i owned the whole bank but i don't can't say that <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, well, that's still a high enough title. That's very impressive. But tell us, um, you know, obviously it's been a while. So kind of give us a resume and background and kind of how it all started for you, how you got to where you are, you know, the different projects and stuff you, you've worked on and been through. Sure. So I grew up in Chicago, I was son of a Holocaust survivor and um, first one on either side of my family to go to college. Yeah. Uh, I went to Northwestern University. Uh, they took me, it was really my first uh, choice. Um, yeah. I had one backup school. I just somehow fell in love with the place. And then I came to New York with the Solomon Brothers in the days of 
um, the in the days of um, of uh, liars poker and all of that. Okay. Um, I actually taught one little part of the uh, the um, the uh, training class that's depicted in Michael Lewis's famous book. Um, oh, so wow. that was a hoot. And wow. um, then after a while, I joined Lou Ranieri, ended up uh, being involved in private equity, and then had this crazy idea to start a bank in New York. Uh, and then I convinced two co-founders to do it. And we started Signature Bank from scratch. Um, no deposits, no nothing. And today we're $118 billion bank. So uh, Amazing. But, but my And my passion with that is writing. So I've written three books, as you've mentioned. Yeah. Um, uh, I wrote a book on the American Jewish community. It was my first book. Then I wrote a book on generally called, that was called, and that's when we spoke the last time, In Good Faith, Questioning Religion and Atheism, where I talked about and read all of the um, all of the famous atheist or authors, the so-called four men, it's the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, yeah. Uh, Richard Dawkins, Daniel Dennett, um, Christopher Hitchens, um, Sam Harris. And that's when we last saw each other. And I've written a new book, which I didn't intend to write, called nice. Conspiracy You, a case study, nice. which explains how conspiracies are masquerading a scholarship in universities across the country. Wow, dude, that's very, very impressive. And, you know, I want to um, ask you, you know, let, let, I kind of, I want to back up just a little bit, you know, getting into this whole banking industry, you know, tell everybody how, how that works, you know, just the, the, the steps that you, that you took. I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, it's very limited and, you know, in terms of people owning banks, I mean, you're very, you're very fortunate and you're a hard worker too. I can tell, I can tell you, you, surrounded yourself with the right people you know you started from the bottom and you you got to the very top it's it's quite the story well my parents are one of the things that uh, my parents said actually my mother said that uh uh you can rest when you're six feet under there'll be plenty of time to rest right um yeah so you know we've got we're on this planet we're on this world and yeah. you know we i think we're all trying to make we we're trying to make a difference and um yeah, I really consider myself sort of a mission-driven person. So, right, um, that's a that's a that's a drive. But in terms of starting the bank from scratch, um, yeah. you know, in all candor, if we started talking now and talked through the next eighteen of your shows, I wouldn't be done. I mean, we had wow. all applied to nineteen different agencies, groups: Federal Reserve, New York State Department yeah. of Banking. Um, federal FDIC, every insurance regulator you could think of, every every sort of any regulator you can think of. I'm not exaggerating with the 19 different. We had them right now. Some of them weren't so hard, but some yeah. of them were incredibly hard. And then we had, of course, raise the money, um, decide what um, back offices, you know, back back offices, what systems we were going to use. Um, yeah. It was we we worked fourteen months before we actually opened the bank. Oh wow! Before we actually couldn't have done any sooner, frankly. And so I know what you told me that you know what the bank is valued at today. How how long 
did it guys how long have you had the bank for so we started we opened our doors may 1st 2001 oh wow uh, just not long before the before 9 11. and oh, yeah. we're actually the fastest growing bank i think in the united states maybe ever congratulations um, no acquisitions these are all been people every single client of the bank has come into the door we've never done an acquisition so it's not like people who were you know clients of first national bank of chicago found themselves clients at chase right it's, and how many how many customers at this point clients we have no we are we consider everyone a client Cli yeah how many so clients? we don't give out that number but i'm <laughs> sure it's quite a bit and it's a big I wanna, number i want to get you into get into some you know um just info here uh what are your thoughts on raising interest rates you know we're going to see that quite a bit this year i want to know how you feel that might affect the economy obviously the housing uh scenario the stock market you know gas prices um inflation's obviously going to be affected it's already the worst right now since 1982. uh on average a u.s household this year is going to pay 50 $5,200 more than last year, which is like an average of, I think, 400 and something a month. So what are your, what are your thoughts on all this? And I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous right now. We've never seen times like this. Well, there's a lot in that question. It's a, it's yeah. a 22 part question. Right. Um, I kind of, so I'll just pick some parts to answer. Yeah, I kind of went everywhere <laughs> with that one. Sorry. Um, so inflation i've been saying for about a year is intransitory i mean we've got there's nothing the fed or the government can do to fix the supply chain right the supply chain issues that we have it just it it's not it, we have serious supply chain issues um everybody who buys anything knows that mm -hmm. um and that's related to from from books to plaques to um electra to e to e to e vehicles mm -hmm. um and that's gonna you know that's gonna be a positive you know positive i mean it's gonna help make inflation um we have a labor shortage we have we have fewer people in the labor force than we did pre-covid which is you know ridiculous because normally labor force grows and now we still haven't gotten back to where we were mm. um so that's a problem and unfortunately I don't see policies coming out of Washington. There's a fair amount of finger pointing that are going to really fix things. I mean, releasing oil from or releasing a million barrels a day, actually from the oil reserves, I actually think is not a good thing to do. What if we really did have a serious problem to use the oil that we've got saved mm -hmm. for economic purposes is not wise because we could really need that oil one day. Um, yeah for you know for 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 national security for life and safety and it should really be used for that maybe every so often we should test that it's there you know and we can access it but um now in terms of rates i think the important thing for your listeners to think about is something that might sound arcane right but it's actually the difference between let's say the three-month rate and the two-year rate which shows you what the market thinks about how the fed is going to increase and usually people have like a two-year outlook where they feel like they can see you know where the fed is going and mm -hmm. then two-year to the 10-year rate both of those are coming close to inverting that mm -hmm. means 
that the two the shorter rate is getting to the point where it's higher than the longer rate mm-hmm. and that tends to be an excellent predictor of um of um a recession uh it doesn't work all the time but it does work most of the time uh, it right. works like on six out of seven cases right. so the market is just close to there and it probably will invert soon and that's telling you that there'll be a recession where yeah. the fed is going to have to cut rates in the future back down and that, that's what an inverted really tells you that's so in terms of the economy that is an impact on housing obviously because if people if there's a recession that means fewer jobs um higher rates and i really worry that with high inflation um you know we have a chance of stagflation and it's also tougher for individuals because high inflation i'll I'll stop with this high inflation tends to inflate tax revenues the government is now taking in much more in tax revenue something like 30 percent more in tax revenues than they were a couple of years ago right because all the brackets and ever all the income tax brackets get inflated up it's a yeah. serious problem and you know what's really frightening i just read something you know a report yesterday joe biden wants to spend 73 trillion over the next decade i mean aren't we in enough debt aren't we in enough trouble i mean this how can we sustain all of this madness? And I, I just, you know, I, I'm just beside myself. And we're sending, we're sending all this money, you know, to different countries, and we're not even addressing the the problems domestically. I mean, there there are so many issues financially in this country, and um, you know, a war is definitely not going to help any scenarios that are that are cur- that are currently, you know, facing our nation. Well, it's also a big question. Um, so look, I would say this. Um, we do have a higher debt level, debt yeah. to GDP than we've had other than at war, when we're in a war, not when yeah. someone else is in a war, like um, World War II. Um, right. Frequently in history, the way that debt levels end up being reduced is by inflation. So if you have a 7% inflation rate these days, and 2% financing of the the treasury the the, the um you know the, the treasury debt which is about right so the debt is actually shrinking and actually in the first quarter on a real basis the debt of the united states shrunk as a percentage of gdp um but which is so it's it's good for that but bad for everything else inflation is not good it's not good for anybody but the government. And and what 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 do you see like with the the war going on? That what what transpiring with you know Putin using now he's only accepting rubble starting April first from unfriendly countries, and we know what that means. We know we know what a lot of this means. But I'm just wondering if this you know th- there there's a whole. I mean, we, we've heard it from Biden's mouth. We've heard it from the World Economic Forum about a social credit score, about, you know, a new world order, more globalism, you know, more more things that are like food supply shortages are coming soon, like never seen before. I mean, how do you, in an from an economical standpoint, do you really think things are going to get pretty bad before they get better? 
Well, look, I think, um, I think what I said about the supply chains very serious. I yes. and the food, obviously, Ukraine is known as the breadbasket of the of Europe. Yes, um, Russia exports a lot of agricultural products as well, which are now not going to be um, bought. Um, so because of various because of various boycotts, so. I think we are living in very different times. Um, unfortunately, we haven't had um, the leadership. You know, we just haven't had the leadership at this. You know, and frankly, we we in the United States are not are electing leaders. And I would even go so far as to say on both sides that are more interested in politics than in the long-term good of the United States. The one thing that I think that is different right now and that worries me dramatically mm -hmm. um, and deeply is that we had a tradition in the United States, if you excise the last you know X number of years, where the leadership put, in the end, the leadership put the interest of the United States ahead of political interest, even if it caused them to lose, even if it was short term and people were joined together. Now, unfortunately, we've descended into tribalism in this country yes. where people don't even want to talk to each other. Right. I mean, I'm going to have to end in a moment, but I just want to, because I have an event I have to attend. No, I, I, I just want to say uh, in a certain kind of way, it's uh, it's a segue to my new book, Conspiracy You, because yeah. this demonization and tribalization and delegitimization of the other side being told what to think and not how to think really is emanating from campuses. Right. And that's what stunned me. And that's why I wrote the book is that it used to be people went to college to become critical thinkers. Yeah. Now that's gone. They're being taught yeah. what to think. And they're actually, people are not coming out smarter than they were. Right. But they're coming out more polarized. And that has infected society. Yeah. And I that's why I took all of my free time for 20 months writing this book. And it really yeah. gets to the core of what you're saying. You're absolutely right. Indoctrination is a it's it's an epidemic at these universities. And you know, it's a very sick thing. And I, I keep saying more trade schools, you know, have people yeah. go to trade school, come out ready to go to their career instead of all these, you know, I'm not I'm not saying universities are are degrees are all worthless, but a lot of them are worthless. And then these people can't find a job and they're wow. stuck paying off student debt the rest of their life. And I've always said, isn't it interesting how it's so easy to get a student loan, but to get a personal loan, it's extremely difficult for, for many people, which is which is fascinating. And I, I want to ask you before you go, because I know you have to go, are you worried about the, the value of the dollar? Because um, so many people are going into crypto, people are going into different realms of digital currency. Do you worry about the dollar with this, what's going on with China, what's going on with Russia, what's going on with Ukraine? Um you know, suffering badly and, and, you know, pretty much going back to the gold standard. Do you see something like this transpiring? No, actually, I would say this. The dollar could be, could be, uh, it could suffer inflation, which will lower its value. But if anything, this crisis has proven that there is no alternative international finance system to the dollar. The yuan, nobody really trusted the, the yuan or the digital yuan. 
the rub the 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 ruble is not even on the table anymore and if anything people even in the euro and the like are the euro is showing some weakness because people are recognizing that the dollar-based system like it or hate it is for now the system and then i'm going to have to run but i right. wanted to right. say conspiracy have, have, you it's in the simon and schuster catalog um it's available anywhere audible kindle it's my new book and yep. uh, it's my shameless plug please read it all righty and scott let's get you back soon because i love talking to you i could talk to you all day about so many things you're an amazing guest with amazing insight and i'm i'm rooting for you every step of the way keep up the great work my friend thank you good things to you all right Bye -bye. take care we'll talk soon uh, everybody, we'll be right back with Stephen Halbrook. Stay with us. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live. Um, I do want to get to our next guest real quick. Um, I believe he's with us right now. We have Stephen Halbrook with us. He is the senior, um, 
I, I had, I, I was reading your thing just a second ago. I was very impressed, uh, Stephen, with your, with your background. But welcome to the show. I'm very glad to have you here. Um, you are a Second uh, Amendment expert. You are also the senior fellow at the Independent Institute and the new author of The Right to Bear Arms, The Constitutional Right of the People, A Privilege of the Ruling Class. Welcome, your first time on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, give us a background, how it all started for you, all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, I've seen law since 1988. I've argued some farm law cases and won them in the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, my latest book, as you said, is The Right to Bear Arms. It's subtitled A Constitutional Right of the People or a Privilege of the Ruling Class. And I have several other Second Amendment books. Uh, if you want to take a look at my site, it's Stephen Holbrook. I love it. I love it. And Stephen, kind of tell us, you know, this new book, what do you want people to take away from it the most? Like, what do you, what's the overall kind of scenario? Well, so the Second Amendment provides in part that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be Absolutely. infringed. And we have six states that completely deny the right to bear arms. To bear arms means to so there's a case pending in the U.S. Supreme Court right now. Uh, by coincidence, the book came out just before the Supreme Court agreed to hear. Uh, the, the book traces the right of, of free people to bear arms going back to medieval England. And we end up with our own American Revolution. And um, because of that exercise of that right, starting at Lexington and Concord, we won independence. Uh, we adopted the Second Amendment, and we go up to current times, and we have New York and California and the other usual saying that, you know, you don't have a right to bear arms. And so the case in the Supreme Court is about that. And in those states, um, the government decides whether you can exercise that right. So what happens in New York City is that to carry a handgun, because it's your constitutional right, you want to protect yourself. Uh, you don't get the permit unless you're like a celebrity, a billionaire, or you pay the right bribes. Um, there were some New York City police officials who got in, uh, in the last few years for basically selling permits. They got money, they got prostitutes, they got uh, trips to the Caribbean, baseball games, you name it. I mean, what could be wrong with that? But when you have what's called a may issue licensing regime, um, you, you have, it lends itself to corruption. Uh, if you have a system where either constitutional carry, where you simply have a right to get your gun without a permit, or if you're in, in a state that doesn't have that, but, but they have requirements like training, you can do your training, then you can get your permit and away you go. So we've got 44 states using the right and six states that don't. I expect yeah. there'll be a Supreme Court decision this June. Yeah, and I notice a lot of states are taking action with with voting uh, for the concealed the concealed carry scenario. Like more legislation keeps getting passed, you know. I, and I think that's important, you know, the, on because the, on the federal level, let's face it, what Biden wants to do with gun rights is absolutely ridiculous. The left, it, it it's no it's no you know uh, false false fact that the left wants to take away our guns. I mean, 
you know, they, they try to downplay it. They try to minimize it. They try to, you, you know, use other sort of uh, scenarios where, the, where, the, where they say, oh, that's, that's not the case. Oh, but it is the case. I mean, they want to do what a lot of these other countries do so they can have total power and citizens are not allowed to defend themselves. But criminals, we all know, don't follow laws. So criminals are going to do what they're going to do regardless. Yeah, um, you might, in your, your view, want to take a look at my op-ed from yesterday published in the Washington Times about Ukraine. I mean, there I mean, you have perfect, a society where... Stephen, there's a perfect example. Look at, look at what yeah, they I mean, had to do. Citizens had to start fighting in the streets with guns, and now, now certain Democrats are like, oh, okay, I understand. Right. Well, it took you long enough. Yeah. And those are the kind, very kind of guns they want to take away from American citizens. We're talking about the AK-47, the AR-15, and rifles of that type. It's an interesting history. Ukraine got out of the Soviet Union in 1991 when it broke. Uh, in 2008, they were debating whether to have a constitutional amendment like the second. In fact, I wrote a law review article published in, in Ukraine on that very subject. And then all of a sudden they get invaded in 2014 and the Crimea is seized. And um, they, they've been basically bothered by the Russians ever since. And so uh, now you've got a situation where they're, they're fighting in the streets. And so what's going to happen? Uh, we've seen the same scenario before. I did a book called uh, Gun Control in Nazi-Occupied France. Uh, France was overrun. They put up posters. You have to turn in your guns within 24 hours or we shoot you which is exactly what they did. France had limited gun registration. And so it was easy to look at the registration records. So there's one of these uh, international groups that complained a few years ago that uh, Ukraine had a lot of undocumented gun owners. I, I really love that. I mean, if, if your registrations are in the police stations in Ukrainian cities surrounded by the Russians, I hope they burn those records really quick. I, I'd love to be an undocumented gun owner if I was in that country instead of a documented gun owner. So um, yeah. it, it's got a lot of lessons. And yeah, like you said, the, the liberals say, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's hurrah for the Ukrainians. Let them use arms to resist. And what I'm thinking is uh, let Kiev be the Stalingrad of, of the Russians. I mean, let, let them get defeated there on the ground, snipers and guerrilla fights. No, absolutely. No, and, and, and here, here's, here's what's interesting. It's the, the Democrats, they care more about what goes on over there than, than our own citizens in terms of the whole Second Amendment thing. It's like, oh, they understand what's going on in Ukraine, but, oh, America? No, no, you're, you know, they're, they're so anti. It's ridiculous. It's just like, what, where, where have we come as a society? I mean, people are so backwards. Well, they, they want power, they want control, they want to create an authoritarian, elitist state. And yeah. the way you, you do that is by disarming the people. That's the, the iron law of history. James Madison talked about it in the Federalist Papers. He said that here we trust the people with arms, and in the European countries where they have monarchs, they don't. And right. it's all about power. The Democrats want it to death. They want to tell you what to eat, what to drink. Uh, they want to turn you into ideological weirdos in so many ways. And, and they, they want to kidnap your children. I mean, uh, if you have a lot of gun owners, tyranny, if you have a helpless population and the, pay, the federal payroll, 
then you can manipulate them. It's true. It's true. And how do you see everything going down over over with Ukraine and Russia? I mean, what 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 do you you know, I know you've been looking at it closely, but uh, your overall thoughts on that. I hope the Ukrainians just keep fighting. Um, I mean, they've got so much to be proud of. The women and children, the ones who could got out um, and the men were required to stay and they should stay. They're shooting until the Russians leave. If they want to reach some kind of accommodation for some kind of peaceful settlement, that's up to them. Yeah. But in the meantime, the Russians have no business doing there, uh, being there. But they want to be part of Mother Russia. In the 30s, Stalin created artificial mass in there. There must have been between 6 and 12 million people who starved to death because all the, the food supplies were stolen from the peasants and taken to the cities in Russia. And, and it was a purposeful policy to kill all these people. It was a holocaust. And so why would you want to be part of that? And so I, I think it, I'm hoping and praying it's going to end well for the Ukrainians. Yeah, no, I hear, I hear you. I hear you. Um, last thing I want to ask you before I let you go. Um, what, what are some of the latest things you got going on at the Institute that you're working on? Well, one project I'm working on is the so-called assault weapon issue. Um, I, I call the AR-15 America's Right. It's owned by millions and millions of law-abiding Americans for lawful purposes. Exactly. exactly and when the, le- when the left makes a big deal out of it, it's nothing but hysteria. It's nothing but a talking point. It's nothing but an agenda driven, you know, situation. We all know there's no difference. They, they just like to label things just to capitalize on their on their politics. It's ridiculous. Sorry to cut you off, but keep going. Well, you know, Joe Biden says get a shotgun, get a double barrel shotgun and shoot up in the air. If you hear somebody outside, I mean, you could get yourself arrested quick for that. Um, but I mean, this country was founded on not just the right to bear arms, but even wired to bear militia arms. Right. And if you go back to, they had muskets, they had rifles, which could could shoot at long distances very accurately and uh, shoot British officers in the in the revolution. Yeah. yeah. And so we're talking about arms. They're really not pea shooters, and they're not like. Uh, non-devices, and that's what American citizens have a right to keep and bear. Uh, I also think that we need to do more in terms of um, recognizing the legal rights of our citizens to resist rioters, uh, arsonists, looters. Uh, In their 2020, you had the country overrun by criminals of all kinds under the guise of so-called Black Lives Matter. Um, Kenosha, Wisconsin is a a, a ideal place to talk about. You have the, the Rittenhouse trial and, and thank, thankfully the not guilty verdicts. I mean, he was assaulted by three different criminals who he shot. None of them were black. Uh, and th- they were people who he was defending himself from. And the, the sheriff in Kenosha didn't want any help from law-abiding citizens. But I'm convinced that at least those who did go out with their rifles, uh, kept some some of the arson from from taking place. I mean, the place was burned down bad enough. So I think that we need back to the idea that that rioters and looters rights over law abiding people and, and they have a right to use uh, deadly force to where somebody's trying to right. burn your shop down and you're in it. That That's potentially an attempted murder. So that's another 
legal issue we need to get back to our roots on. Absolutely. No, I, I, absolutely. And, and, and tell everybody um, where they can find you, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. So um, my website, stephenhallberg.com is the best place. It's got all of my books listed. Um, I've got books on the Second Amendment, on gun control in Nazi Germany, uh, and like topics of the same type. And um, that's basically it. I, I'm not as uh, techie as, as most people today. Uh, but if you just go to the website, you'll find everything you need to know about me and my background. Perfect. And, you know, last question before I let you go. What do you see as the future for the Second Amendment? Do you think we're going to be dealing with an uphill battle or do you think things are going to get more re relaxed and things will get easier over time? I mean, how how do you see things transpiring? Yeah, I think I'm very optimistic about Second Amendment rights. We have record numbers of first time gun buyers ever. And that came yeah. about because of That's COVID true. and because of the riots in 2020 and, and, and Joe Biden getting elected. And, and uh, right. so we have all those new constituents for Second Amendment rights. We'll continue yeah. to have authoritarians trying to deprive us of those rights. But as more and more people guns, more and more people are going to not want to go to prison because they're gun owners. And so our side is growing. And if you have those who want to ban guns, they, they have these theories about, oh, well, why don't we incarcerate law-abiding people and that therefore we're going to do something about violent crime. And of course, that has nothing to do with violent crime. Crime involves violent criminals who need to be punished. They need to be incarcerated. We need bail. You know, we, we need prosecutions. We don't need these uh, prosecutors who are, act like defense attorneys. So um, there you have it. I mean, we, we need to get back to basics in this country. Absolutely. 100%. Um, very well said. Stephen, let's get you back here very soon. I love having conversations with you. And um, always a pleasure, my friend. My, my pleasure too, Rory. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank uh -huh. you. We'll bye be bye. right back with uh, Julio Rivera. Stay with us.
And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live. I do want to introduce right now, we have with us, we have political columnist, political commentator. He's been doing a lot of big things in politics right now. You've probably seen him on a lot of big media channels. Julio Rivera, first time on the show. Welcome, buddy. Happy to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of give us a bio, a background, how it all started for you, how you got to where you are, all that fun stuff. You know, it's funny. Um, I came into politics and first off, thank you so much for having me, Rory. We've been trying to work this out for a while and we keep yeah. missing each other. Yeah, um, but it, it was interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it, it was kind of interesting. I, I started um, after a career in the, not a career, but I, I had an enlistment in the United States Navy. Thank I kind of got into um, the collections uh, industry in um, the private sector. So yeah. I was working in debt collection, um, and I, I worked in debt collection actually from 1998 to about 2016. What wound up happening was um, during the Obama administration, uh, due to the Dodd-Frank legislation, the creation of the financial, uh, the, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they really started coming after the industry that I was in. So yeah. when you couple that with the fact that Obama was a terrible president and he was wasting money um, you know, I think at a higher rate, uh, you know, as far as the national debt was growing, a uh, deficit, uh, the deficit was flying out of control. There was a lot of things that were that was going on. So that coupled with the fact that his administration was seemingly going against the industry that I was in. I mean, this was, you know, I literally um, the, the last collection agency that I worked at for seven years, I wound up buying from the owner. So this was like a life and death thing, like once they really started going after uh, the industry very difficult, you know, in, in a very hard way. So as a result of that, I became a political activist and, and I started to initially was just being very anti Obama, anti regulators, anti high tax and spend politicians. But then um, as we came into um, the 2010 uh, midterm, you know, I kind of got into the Tea Party movement, um, you know, obviously um, when 2013 and stuff rolled around after Mitt Romney lost, which was he was a terrible candidate. Um, but as we started moving towards 2016, I started identifying candidates that I wanted to stand behind and back. Um, so I became a real big supporter of Ted Cruz. And during that time, a lot of people took notice of me in media. And I think one of the big pushes that it was probably the biggest break that I got was um, I caught the attention of Chris Ruddy of Newsmax. And he asked me directly, he contacted me and asked me directly if I wanted to start appearing on the network, um, basically doing uh, like, you know, a functioning as like a surrogate for Ted Cruz, because I was working for the campaign. I had ran as a delegate. I was working closely with Steve Lonigan on the efforts in, you know, uh, New Hampshire and Nevada and things like that. And then it was one of those things I thought it was just going to be for the election season. I was going to be on TV a couple of times, but you know, almost six and a half years later and, and yeah. hundreds of appearances on, you know, Newsmax, One American News, Fox News, uh, RT, rest in peace, because RT no longer exists, uh, RT America, that is, and, and a bunch of other different networks, um, you know, and, I've, and then I became a columnist and I've been really actually over the past several years, my concentration, uh, which I've been focused on the most, because I think it's really the important issue of our time, Rory, is uh, the issue of cybersecurity and and military uh, hacking by state-sponsored terror groups? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, it's fascinating, Julio, how you 
you know, we're, we're just doing that, you know, because you were trying to stand up for America and just trying to utilize your voice and really get, you know, get yourself out there. And then it turned into this whole lifelong career, you know, it, it really, it's amazing how life works, man. It's amazing the blessings that we get from God and, you know, that it, it's just, it, it's, it's really just, it's an awesome feeling. And yeah. And, and tell us, so tell us, so you got approached by Newsmax and then all these different things and you've been doing this six and a half years. And I see, I see you on appearances all the time. You're always doing stuff, man. Yeah. You know, and it's funny too, this has actually led to um, not only a career, but so a many doors open. Yeah. 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 And like now actually um, a lot of people aren't aware of this, but actually I, I live in Eastern Europe now. We want Yeah. To, I saw uh, that you're in Bulgaria. Yes, yes. I wound That's up cool, man. Life. How is it over there? I bet it's fantastic. It is. It's a very nice place to live. Um, and it, for business reasons, there's a lot of people who are very skilled. I did create Reactionary Times, which is a media outlet. Uh, your yeah. viewers can see uh, www.reactionarytimes.com. Yeah, I love, I love um, it. Yeah, it's it's really good. I've been on there. I've been on there quite a bit. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a great website. And we created Reactionary Times TV. And another vehicle, a uh, television vehicle, Rivera Nation. We produce all that uh, video content from here. We have a studio in Plovdiv, Bulgaria. And uh, we create content uh, that we put out on the website or you can catch our, our Vimeo. We actually wound up in that whole big purge of sites from YouTube um, a couple of years ago. We wound up actually um, the censorship, uh, you know, powers that be actually got to us. And they, they took away our Reactionary Times uh, YouTube channel, actually. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you something, you know, you, YouTube is awful. I mean, the last couple shows of mine, they took down and they just kept taking stuff down. And I just said, hell with YouTube. I mean, I, I got rid of my account for the time being until they get this censor stuff under control. What's the point? I mean, they're telling me I'm on my second strike. The next time I talk about the election being stolen, or if I talk about COVID vaccines, they're they're getting rid of my account. I don't want to play by these rules. And ever since Google bought them, they went downhill and they went to the dark side. And you know, you talk about Vimeo. I just read a report last week. They pretty much are now selling out to big time money. So I mean, when when big time dark money gets a hold of these platforms, it's pretty much over. I mean, it's pretty much over yeah. for us having any sort of voice of reason. They're going to dictate, they're going to control, they're going to skew the algorithm to their advantage. And that's exactly what they do. Yeah, we definitely need to remake uh, the Communications Decency Act, uh, Section 230. Um, you know, that's the thing that we've been uh, hearing a lot of people talking about. Uh, obviously, one of the senators that's kind of stood out in the forefront of that has Josh been Hawley. Uh, John Hawley. Yeah, I love Hawley, man. I would love for him to be president one day. I have mm -hmm. said, I think the most loyal, devoted uh, conservative in Washington right now in terms of consistency and in terms of just I just believe patriotism is Holly is the greatest we have right now. I think he's better than anybody there. Him and Rand Paul are my two favorites as you know, currently, I think there are others that are doing a good job, but I, I'm not a big, not, I'm not as big a fan of those people as I am of the two I just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Hawley is, is the tops. I really, really do like him. I think he's always on the right side of, of every issue so far. I mean, he's a very young Senator. 
Um, you know, he's, I think to me, he becomes kind of a little bit of a dark horse candidate, um, not necessarily for the presidency in 2024, but because of all the problems, if you look at, um, you know, President Trump and all the issues that he's had with social media, you know, specifically getting his Twitter taken away, um, you know, fake news saying that he was uh, inciting on January 6th when he specifically went through the trouble, Rory, of using the, the phrase peaceful protest that day, but they yep. took away his Twitter. He would make a good vice presidential candidate, I think, on a ticket with somebody like President Trump because he could lead legislatively, um, you know, as we try to remake uh, social media back into a free speech uh, haven. You know, yeah. that's what social media is, is supposed to be, you right. know, uh, and really they need to do some things legislatively to change the Communications Decency Act at the very least. Yeah. And Julio, I was just floating around this idea the other day, you know, and I don't think enough people are talking about this. And I think it's a brilliant concept. You know, we're, we're hearing about Elon Musk possibly creating his own social media platform. And, and look at the times where we're where we're in. You know, technology is more evolved than ever before. Technology is the future. We're going to be doing everything with technology. And Elon Musk is a Trump fan. At this point, he is. Um, why not have Elon Musk as your vice president? And Because Elon has expressed interest in being president one day. Why not have Elon as the vice? And I think Elon takes over after. I mean, never, you never know. I mean, I know Ron DeSantis is on the table, but I think he's going to remain governor. I don't think he'll take the vice president position. I think he'll finish his term as governor. Uh, there's some other uh, people that have been floating around. But what do you think of Elon Musk? Yeah, I, I like Elon Musk. Um, there's a couple of things that, you know, the only thing I will say is that um, at times I think the, the American taxpayer has funded some of his more spectacular failures. I know we always hear about his achievements, right. um, but, you know, you have to fail a hundred times before you, you get something to actually go right. And at times that has been funded by the American taxpayer, which, you know, I'm, I'm, it's kind of a, a kind of a gray area there. But no, I, I personally... I personally do like uh, Elon Musk a lot. I think he's a bright guy. I think he's an out-of-the-box thinker. I think he would make uh, potentially a spectacular president um, if given the opportunity to do so. I think that, um, you know, the America is lucky right now that the GOP has a lot of really good rising stars. We have our stalwarts that are always around. You know, we have our Rand Pauls. We have our Ted Cruz's. We have our Mike Lee's and people like that. But, you know, obviously we have President Trump. We have DeSantis rising. And if, you know, let's say Elon Musk was to join the GOP and try to run for the Republican nomination, let's say in, in 2032 or 2028 or something like that, that would be a very, very interesting out of the box uh, nominee, uh, you know, for the GOP. I, I actually would like to see that. I think, you know, just getting the best people in the primary, I think, is, is only to the benefit of the American people. And I feel like Elon I feel like that could bring a lot of people from different from the opposite side of the aisle because I think Elon is a person that you know I mean it's not I mean there are people that have gotten mad at him for some of his political views as of lately especially people on the left but I still think there's so many uh, people regardless of political affiliation that would really uh, I I think him on the ticket as vice president would help Trump's situation significantly. Yeah, definitely. He would definitely be good at pulling that independent voter, that undecided voter, that centrist. Uh, you know, the one thing people, you know, the, the 
people forget this, but you know, the Republicans, the hardcore Republicans in the base, the conservative base and the uh, liberal base and the far left liberal progressives, those are the people that, you know, those votes are pretty sure. You always know you're going to get those. The, the elections are decided mostly by the undecided voters or centrists, you know, people that may vote for either party, depending on whether or not they like the candidate. And I think Elon Musk would be particularly attractive to undecided or independent voters. No, absolutely. No, I agree. Julio, um, stay with us. I do want to take a quick break. We'll be right back in one minute. Stay with us. All right. And we are back with Julio Rivera coming to you live from the Rory Sodder show. Uh, Julio, so I want to ask you this. What are your thoughts on President Trump suing Hillary Clinton over the fake dossier along with the the, uh, the FEC suing the DNC and Hillary Clinton over the fake dossier? Isn't it interesting how this is all coming out now and how for the longest time the media was like, Operation Mockingbird. They just they keep repeating the same thing, the same thing, calling us all conspiracy theorists, calling us all liars, saying we're full of shit. And then we're we're all proven right, whether it's the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, the Biden crime family. I could go on and on and on. And Trump was right all along. Yeah, you know, the unfortunate thing um is that this these things weren't allowed to sort of come out during the campaign season. Um, it's, I think what happens is that these uh, media outlets eventually have to come to the realization or they come to the realization that they have to tell a certain amount of truth. Otherwise, they're going to lose all their legitimacy. Right. The problem is that they do it after the fact. You know, the Hunter Biden laptop, I was reading some comments on, um, on social media that, that were particularly maddening. But it was from like liberals saying that, you know, oh, um, if, if the Hunter Biden laptop was such a big deal, why didn't we hear about it during the campaign? And the sad part about it was that you had the, the New York Post, um, you know, publish the story. You had Twitter bury it. Um, you know, they, they, they were going on saying that this was a conspiracy theory or that it wasn't uh, legitimate news. So they were muting it on social media and nobody on the mainstream media side of it was talking about it. Or they, they were trying to say that it was Russian disinformation that, you know, somehow either Ukrainians or Russians, um, you know, planted the laptop or whatever ridiculous story they came out with. But the same thing with Hillary Clinton and her phony dossier 
they went ahead and ran with that like it was fact, like it was gospel, like it was the latest book in the Bible or something like that. Like they, they didn't have any problem legitimizing that when they didn't really even know what the origins of the dossier were, that it was just, you know, something that was bought and paid for by the DNC. Um, I, it's sickening, but I hope that Hillary Clinton has her uh, come up and finally. Um, I'm glad at the very least that this is coming out now because Hillary Clinton, you know, there have been some grumblings that she may potentially run for president again if she yeah. wants to be a three-time loser now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if anything, uh, at the very least, these stories coming out right now may prevent her from running for president again in 2024. It's very true. It's very true. And, and you know, and I want to I want to really, you know, ask you how you feel about the midterms coming up. Do you have a really good feeling? Do you think we're going to see take back the House, take back the Senate? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say that, you know, based on history, the minority party always comes roaring back in the first midterm. And that, that's under normal circumstances. Right. Um, you know, like president, they happened to President Trump and President Trump was doing a great job. And the Democrats came and retook the House in uh, 2018. But we have a historically futile, horrific, doing the worst job you could possibly imagine President Biden, a guy that looks like he's asleep at the wheel, a guy that's, you know, having even independents, moderates and some Democrats talking about invoking potentially the 25th Amendment against him because he's completely I mean, he's he's, you're, he's losing it. You can see that he's losing it. And the Democrats are taking the country into a terrible direction. Um, you know, I think uh, giving up our energy independence from the outset is the reason why we're doing bad right now. It's not necessarily because of the Ukraine war or anything having to do with that. It was the, the executive orders that were signed on day one by uh, Joe Biden and, and the overall direction that he's trying to take the country in with this green energy crap, um, you know, that's not gonna, it, 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 may, it may be helpful in a hundred years, but not right now, you know, right, right now we need to do whatever we can to get costs down. You have American families struggling to just put food on the table. And when you talk about the cost of energy coupled with the inflation, it's become almost unbearable. So I expect the Republicans, as a result of all of those factors, to come back strong. The only thing I worry about is if there's going to be any sort of chicanery towards the way that the election is actually administrated. Are we going to have the mail-in voting again? Are we not going to have a threshold for signatures on ballots? Or are we going to allow a lot of like the ballot hoarding and harvesting and all uh, the other tactics that you know the democrats uh, over the years have mastered in uh, their efforts to try to steal elections very well said very well said julio i want to get you back here very soon um tell everybody where they can connect with you where they can get involved all that good stuff yeah definitely check out reactionarytimes.com um you could read my columns over at newsmax uh, townhall.com uh the washington times and many others Perfect, man. And so what, what are some of the big things you got coming up? Well, like I said, I'm covering the ongoing cyber world war, and I'm actually writing a book, um, The History of, of the Global Cyber War. And this goes all the way back to the Stuxnet attack against Iran. Um, the, the United States, people don't realize, but we're really the, the first country or the country that fired the first shot in the ongoing global cyber war. And it has been going on for over 10 years, but a lot of people aren't really realizing it or they just realize it when a major attack happens and they credit it to Russia or China. But it's actually a lot of things going on with that. And my book is going to cover all of it. And, and no, I, lo I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, the cyber thing is a real issue. We really got to be yeah. 
careful and, and ca cautious and prepared because I, I, I believe Russia has every capability, uh, not only Russia. I mean, think about China. They're having China, an alliance North Korea, Iran. There, there's actually like a little evil um, yeah, you alliance. Know, alliance there. Yes. Because, you know, you have Russia kind of backing and supporting Iran. You have obviously yes. the China-North Korea relationship. I think when this, if, if this Ukraine situation spirals out of control, I think it's probably going to be the, the entire world against those four countries. And we're going to have a world war. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Julio, I love you, man. I love having you on here. Great insight, you, great you. knowledge. Keep up the fantastic work, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Rory. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, I do want to introduce to the show now, I believe he's with us. He's running for Congress in Florida. We have Jake Hoffman with us. Jake, how are you? Good, good. I am actually running for the Florida State House. So it's not quite Congress, but the Florida State House here in South Tampa. Florida State House. My, my apologies, but your first time no on problem. the show. Welcome. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of tell us how it all started for you, how you got to where you are. I know you've uh, lived a pretty interesting life. Yeah, yeah. So I am originally from Palm Beach County, Florida. I yeah. moved over to Tampa probably 13 years ago at this point, went to USF, uh, picked up a lot of degrees, one in communication, one in political science, and then got a master's in entrepreneurship. Right. And I started a business while I was in college. And I started working actually with these guys down here, Strength Camp, uh, the big YouTube channel uh, in the fitness industry. And um, we expanded the, the company to start working with professional athletes. So for the last six years, we work with professional athletes, mostly UFC, boxing, and NFL on creating digital products online and so we sell a lot of like online courses and so none of that has anything to do with politics right. but that's that's what i've done that's my background as a small business owner um and, and digital marketer then i got myself involved with the tampa bay young republicans here in tampa yeah. about four years ago took over that club when it was a handful of people now right. we're at 350 active paid members we've got a, a whole groundswell here in Tampa of young Republicans who are, you know, rearing to go and, and get themselves involved and they see what's going on. And yeah. we're really flipping the city here and in, in, in a key city in a key state. And and now was the right time. We have an, an open seat here in the state house in the South Tampa district. Yeah. And it, it's the time to do it. And it's going to be like, like you guys were just talking about, it's going to be a huge Republican wave this next time around. Yeah. And every, everything's lining up. And so I had to get myself involved. You know, I've worked on a lot of issues that everybody cares about, election integrity. Um, you know, here here in here in the state of Florida, we got a bill passed that I that I feel like I wrote um out of a petition that was picked up by the governor last year to help yeah. secure the elections here in Florida. And uh and a and a litany of other issues that we've taken on as fights, mandates, fighting against the the, the closure of all of our businesses here, things like that. And so right now, um my my whole thing is like i'm done writing petitions and writing articles and making videos like we do it's time to just go in and make laws yeah and you've i i saw i saw your profile you've you've worked alongside the trump campaign haven't you in, in the past um so not in any sort of official capacity we've done you know again i, I work with digital a uh, digital marketing firm and you know we do a lot to help candidates and, and get out the vote and different things in the in the state of florida here in particular but I, you know, I, I can't say that we've worked directly with Trump. I think that would be um, out of out of bounds, if that makes sense. So let so let me ask you this. So I want to I want to ask you, what are the biggest, you know, issues facing the area you're running in? And tell us the um, 
the the district what what it covers like what what part of, what a part of florida yeah so the district covers south tampa so if you were to look at a map we have downtown tampa the center of the city we've got all of the entire peninsula of south tampa it's the majority of the city to be honest um yeah. so it's it's kind of it's also where a lot of the wealth is kind of just congregated in and if you were to look around the tampa bay area so we have a very wealthy district down in south tampa uh, we've got the downtown. We've got a lot of really important pieces, like like the port is attached to it, and you know, some of these pieces that are are really important to a lot of things that go on around the state. And again, state house is just a is just a a piece of a much larger picture. But running for the state house, working in the state house, we have great people who come from the state house, and then you know are able to make a lot of noise over a lot of really important issues. Like I you know, worked alongside Anthony Sabatini, who's running for Congress, who you had on the show at some point. He's fantastic. Or, yeah, I've had him on be, the show. Yeah, who's becoming, you know, a powerhouse on his own. And he's been able to do that all from a, from a state house position. Now he's taking a leap into Congress and I expect him to win, to be honest. And, oh, yeah. and, and so a lot of the issues that he's fought for, we've been right alongside of him to, to fight for as well. Things like constitutional carry, things like anti-lockdown, things like anti-CRT in schools. Um, I mean, one after another, after another, after another that he's been going on, he's actually taken some of the things that I brought to him. Like we have the Capitol police, uh, that have it, that, that opened up a, a, you know, a field office, like I'm using air quotes. There's only a few of them, but like, um, that, that opened up an office here in Tampa that in, in San Francisco and we have the Capitol police that are down here. And it's like, what are they doing here? Why are they here? No jurisdiction should not be here. Those are major issues to, you know, to my constituents here, but they're, a huge issue for nationally to look at like what's going to happen because they they start here and then now you've got like essentially a real secret police that's only answering to the speaker of the house up in dc and they're around doing who knows what spying on people for the most part yeah you're absolutely right and you know i, I also want to bring up you know what's the deal with this whole don't say gay bill in florida it's amazing how the media can manipulate and skew the narrative. First of all, the bill has nothing to do with the word gay. It's yeah. all, this is all brainwashing. This is all indoctrination. And now yeah. we have Disney with, filled with a bunch of pedophiles creating this madness, trying to go against the Florida governor when the Florida governor is doing the right thing. I mean, no parent should want their children learning about sex in kindergarten. I mean, it's, and or even LGBT or any of this stuff, because that's for them to figure out when they get older. You know, this isn't yeah. it's, it's crazy. so it's so insane. I, and I talked to the Democrats about this a couple of weeks ago and I told them, look, they, they won the marketing campaign of this. Right. Because the entire nation, the Oscars, SNL, all these people, they're calling it the don't say gay bill. And number one, I told everybody the other day, and we Jake, call that's it what's dangerous. Jake, that's what's dangerous when Hollywood, you know, tries because they have the big following. They know they yep. can control certain masses. They know what they're doing and that's what's yeah. evil about it. Go ahead though. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, like they, they know exactly what they're doing. Like you said, this does not have the word gay in it. I was just up with the governor uh, like two, two, three days ago when he was signing the bill. And again, most people have never read all four pages of it. Right. And the intent was never to take away the word gay from schools. That's it's a total right. fabrication of what it actually is. You know, a lot of what it stems from and a lot of what, what sparked this bill in the first place was you heard stories from parents whose kids were being transitioned, you know, pronouns, new bathrooms, 
um, all that stuff in second grade in Palm Beach County here in Florida and not telling the parents that they're doing it and holding back the information that they were doing it from the parents. So that's what sparked this bill. It's It's to stop people. It's not about even a, a part of it had to do with lessons in the classroom, everything like that, but it really comes down to, it's a parental rights bill. You know, I think we're rebranding it now to the don't groom the classroom bill, because that's what this is. Like, why does anybody want to talk to kindergartners? Cause this is a kindergarten through third grade bill. Why does anybody want to talk to kindergartners about sexual orientation? And some of the stuff that you've Definitely. seen used as examples, uh, it's, a, they're, it's atrocious and it has no place in, in kindergarten curriculum. And that's, that's what this bill was meant to do is to get a hold on some of those things and to give parents the right back that, so that counselors couldn't transition kids when they're in first and second grade without even telling their parents. So that's what this is about. And, and nobody really knows that unless you've taken the time to really like put yourself deep into understanding what this bill does. But most people, as we know, don't do that. They just hear what the Oscars say or their favorite celebrity says, and they say, oh, they can't, they're not letting you say gay in Florida. And it's like, that's just not at all what this is. If only we had big tech and the, and mainstream media on our side, like the left does. I mean, they, they, they control the entire narrative, yeah. the left. It's like yeah. 99% of the media will co- will coddle to Hollywood or they'll coddle to D- Democrat politicians in DC. Absolutely. I mean, look, we, we all know that we do not have any hold on the media at all, but we've got, you know, they'll try and point to things like Fox News and the Daily Wire and everything like that. Like, that's not mainstream at all. Right. And it's not and it's not even grassroots, to be honest. Like, you know, most right. of the things that we're talking about, the kind of show that you're doing, you know, I do a show once a week called Moderately Outraged. Like, the things that people really care about, particularly in the base of the Republican Party, they're not being covered by any of these media sources at sure. all. And so, and so, yes, if we had those resources at our disposal where, like, Twitter would ban all the liberals who were talking about communism. That'd be great. But, you know, unfortunately, that's not the case. And, you know, I'm a very big believer in free speech and and you can say whatever you want on the Internet. So I I don't even actually wish any of that kind of stuff on them. I wish that we just had a place for the open forum and dialogue because I know that our ideas and our arguments stand up to everything that they want to talk about. The problem is that nobody wants to have those conversations. No one wants to speak intellectually about these about these issues, because if they did and they put it out in the forefront like this and you had an open conversation with a Democrat who was backing the don't say gay bill, they would look like idiots because I've already done it. I've done it in private and they, they don't have a real leg to stand on. So they have to go and, you know, sloganeer with don't say gay and things like that, like that, that people won't ever look into the actual you know beef of the argument. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, we need to start, and I've been talking about this for a long time, legislation, every single piece of it needs to be read because there's so many things that get s- slipped in there. And it's a lot of it's for special interests, dirty donors. Yep. We all know how the game is played. And it's like politicians, do your job. You, you work for we the people read it's not hard read and then you know i hear excuses i mean sometimes it's it's a real excuse when they say they only get 12 hours to read it but other times yeah. it's just a justification it's bullshit yeah well to be honest reading. though to, to that exact point though is that most bills going through in congress especially congress is obviously the worst of the worst the state houses are a little bit better there's yeah. still plenty of pork pork that gets through but in you know in congress i mean my gosh they've got 700 to a thousand to two thousand page bills. Of course, the, no one's reading it because they're not meant to be read by the congressman. They're just 
they're just, like you said, plucked in there. Things are added. They're just told vote for this or not vote for this. And, and to be honest, we've lost the ability even to elect a single congressman or a group of congressmen and, and, and actually say, hey, let's do something about this because we've given so much power to the Speaker of the House up in Congress that they just tell them what to do. And they just, they don't have a say in it anymore. So we've really kind of broken the system that we have up there in, in Congress and, and the special interests that you're talking about, the lobbyists, those consultants, everybody, they have their hands in all of it. And they, they know exactly what they're doing. And the congressmen at that, at this point, like they're almost, that's why I'm running for the state house because in Congress, you can't get a lot done unless you're speaker of the house. And, and, you know, as you know, you might need to, you need to be Nancy Pelosi. You need to be raised in this, in, in Congress. And, and be there when you're two years old because you're, you know, your parents and your grandparents and stuff have been, you know, entrenched in it too. And so in the state house, we can, I, I was speaking with a very prominent um, congressman from our state here. I won't name him, but he was all, he also served in the state house as well. And he told me, look, he goes, I dream of going back to the state house because you used to be able to, in, in the state houses, you can actually go have an idea, fix a problem, put it into action. And in a few months it's law and you've solved the problem. And being in Congress, you don't get to do that. Like you have solutions and ideas to problems. And if the Speaker of the House, especially when it's on the other side right now, Nancy Pelosi won't let anybody in Congress do anything on the Republican side. They, they, she has said that they will not let them pass a bill, not a single bill. So, so now you're up there as a Republican congressman, you're like, well, what am I doing up here? I can't do anything other than just you know throw sand at this point because you're kind of powerless beyond this, this giant machine that exists in Washington. And it must drive you crazy that people like Nancy Pelosi only make 200000 a year, but they're worth $200 million. I mean, this is why we need term limits. You know, the founding fathers yeah. would be appalled right now that we have these people in Washington enriching themselves. And basically, I always say they treat us like peasants. 99% of politicians don't care about us at the end of the day. I mean, I know, you know, you know conservative politicians do some good things. But overall, I mean, I haven't seen yeah. any significant changes and it's a swamp, you know? It, yeah. I mean, the, the first time we saw major changes was when President Trump came along and he created this outlet and this opening for people like yourself and outsiders to run for office. Because yeah. before, before the norm was, oh, let's just have a, a person that goes to Harvard, go be a politician for the rest of their life. I mean, that's that's ridiculous in my exactly. Opinion. I it's funny. I always thank Donald Trump for opening the door for people like and me on, because, both because, on both sides. Yeah, on both, on both sides. It. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Because what, what ends up happening is exactly what you said. We're so used to politicians being these buttoned up people that aren't real people. They don't have real personalities. They didn't even re live a real life. Right. And then they got themselves ushered in because their dad or their grandfather exactly. or something was a senator Monarchy back then. kind of situation, yeah. Exactly what it is. And then um, now you have real people like me who are like, no, you know what? I went to college and I had fun in college, right? Bre Brett Kavanaugh, I enjoy beer. I still enjoy beer, right? Like right. I'm a normal person and, right. and I, run, I live a normal life. And it's like, and, and, and I'm not tied into any sort of special interest group that's making me run. I'm not a lawyer. Right. There's a lot of lawyers that get in because their law firms want some sort of specific law change and they want somebody up there and in all of these yeah. different places to do something. Yeah. You know, I, I truly believe like as a, as a digital marketer that guys like me could be the future if we choose to go and get ourselves into politics. Now, I've taken the pay cut to go get into politics. It's already cost me more in my state house race than it would be than the salary that you get. Right. It's like 30 grand for the year. Right. Um, 
you know, most of the people that are in my position, they don't want to do that. They're, they're focused on chasing the money. I, and I get that and I can't blame them. And, but you have these guys who are your, your Mark Cubans, your, your Dave Portnoy's, your, your, you guys talked a little bit about Elon Musk. He's a little bit different, but like the guys, I, I like to point like Dave Portnoy and these guys, guys that are totally independent of right. anybody else. And they've done it all themselves in the first place. They were able to build the audience. They have the following, they have the, they have the public's mandate. You know, when you talk about that, like with, with, with what they're doing, there's a reason why they're as popular as they are. Yeah. And those guys can really come in and save the country if they decide to get themselves into politics. Now they take, again, a huge pay cut to do it. But at some point, you know, getting, getting change done, not being tied into all these big interests, not being bought off by anybody, being, you know, your own person and then getting in, it can make real change. And that's what you saw with Donald Trump. And that's what you saw with, you know, uh, with, with people like that, like, you know, Ross Perot tried to do it years ago. Right. Guys like that, that are not tied into the system are exactly what the system needs. No, absolutely. And, and you know, we, we really need to, um, you know, address the, the scenario of uh, just like, I don't know what the answer is just because of how, how long the swamp has been built up. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, Trump did a very good job of exposing a lot of these people mm -hmm but it is so deep. It is so deep, man. And I, I it's just, so bad, yeah. I just want to I want a simple solution to solve this and get rid of these people, but it's very complicated. It's very, it's extremely complicated. You know, most of the issues, obviously we like to tag like, you know, three word slogans to even on our side, right? Like build the wall and things like that. You know, immigration needs an entire reform. It's not as simple as just putting a wall together. Right. I know we like the idea of it, but you know, there's still a lot more nuance that goes in behind that. Like, systems like you're talking about where you go up to dc and there's these like bureaucracies that exist and these lifetime bureaucrats are really yeah. the problem right these appointments and and so there's little things that you can do to chip away at it you know like i do think that some of these giant agencies just need to be dismantled um obviously like they're just that they have this power hungry central control up in dc that have nothing to do with you know everybody's everyday life and if you know it's like when the government shutdowns happen like unless you work for that particular department, you probably didn't even notice the government shut down, you know, when they shut down for weeks at a time. It's not until there's only a few very, you know, necessary services that the government provides in general. You know, I'm running as a Republican. I like to say I'm very libertarian. Like I, I believe in the small government that's humanly possible. And I don't believe in the centralized, you know, federal government other than to do very basic things to, you know, ensure that we have, again, like, a, like national uh, protection and things like that with, with, our, with our military. You know, we don't need these, I mean, trillions of dollars of bureaucracy that exists up there just for the sake of like, you know, making their own jobs relevant. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, I want to ask you a few, a few other things before you go, sure. you know, to, going back to this whole, you know, the, ch you know, the children in school and the indoctrination, we just mm -hmm. nominated somebody to the Supreme Court that condones pedophilia, that gives light sentences on, on, on sexual predators that go after children. Mm -hmm. I mean, this shouldn't even be about politics. This shouldn't even be a partisan scenario. This is absolutely beyond disgraceful. You're talking about putting somebody on the highest, you know, law stand imaginable, making our rules for the future. Mm -hmm. And I just can't, and, and we all know that Joe Biden, I mean, his choice just based off of race I mean, that's racist in itself, you know, not looking at qualifications, looking at identity politics. And I really worry 
how the influencing of the future generation is going to impact the voting uh, later on. Because what these teachers and what corporations like Disney are shoving down the throats is anti-American propaganda. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think, you and know, Florida, there's, there's, Florida right now, I mean, that's the, that's a, it's so big. Everything's so big down there right now with headlines. Go yeah, ahead. absolutely. You know, we, we are the attention, you know, we, we grab the attention of the media. That's just how it works. You know, Florida's always been a, you know, we can call it a swing state. It's very red now. I, yeah. I think it's very solidly a red state, but, oh, yeah, um, sure. you know, be, you know, one of the things I think is really important to understand about why Florida has always been historically so important is if you look at the demographics of the state of Florida, they almost yeah. identically match the overall makeup of the country. When I say that, I mean, you know, we've got like very close to a 13% black population, 30% Hispanic, you know, 60% white, it, it, like that breakdown is almost identical to what if you were to look at the entire country as a whole does. So that's why people use it as a bellwether to gauge how things are going to go and 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 you know how people are going to vote and things like that into the future now with the kind of stuff you're talking about there yeah you know there is a seems like a very you know subtle yet not so subtle push to normalize pedophilia you know you see it creeping into academia you see it creeping into ted talks you see it creeping into legislation and then and then you appoint judges where they go light on them and every at some point some point in our lifetime there's going to be a very very big push to turn it into like you know a uh, a, a kink or something right where it's not it's not weird it's just it's just something that like is misunderstood for a while and then look i mean that's like the uh you know people you know use the conspiracy theory about this like when you talk about like lgbtq plus it's like well what's the plus right, right. like what's the p and it's like you start it's not going to happen overnight but it's like over a long period right. of time you start to worry about this stuff because it, it seems really prevalent it seems like there are people that are starting to sympathize for it yeah. and and again you see it with I mean, like we're living in clown world when it comes to some of these issues, because it's not that anybody here is against trans people, right? It's nobody's against gay people existing and living normal lives with their same civil rights that we have. What people are complaining about right now is the fact that they're competing in women's sports, right? And dominating women's sports. In, and that's where an easy line should be able to be drawn. And, and to be honest, it, I, I think it's a 99% to 1% issue. You talk to any average person on the street and say, should a biological male race, you know, and swimming collegiate swimming against a female after only declaring themselves as female, still having male genitalia six months, a year, two years after being male their whole life. I mean, that's wild. Like that is the 99%. You talk to anybody, Democrat, middle, right. They all think that's a really bad idea. Now, again, it's the start, it's a slow deterioration of that. And that's where you start coming into some of the issues that you're, you're starting to see is that like, that's just one way to start breaking it down to start, you know, turning truth into this this just what you're what you're told from the state to believe and it's right. a, a, just complete deterioration of truth and you know it, it's you know i, I gotta go, i gotta let you go here in a second but, yeah. but i want to ask you a few more things real quick before i let you go it's so true what you just said because what the democrats and what the left does they try to push things slowly slowly to see what they can get away with they want to they want to rationalize the craziest sort of theory, you know, ideologies that you could ever even imagine. I mean, 10 years ago, any Democrat voter would think it's insane to have a, a dude in the girls' bathroom, to have a dude competing in women's sports. I mean, the, the dynamics have changed so much. They've become so radicalized. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that is how it is. And like I said, it's not going to happen overnight, but there is a slow deterioration, right? Like it's just like, 
all this Marxist indoctrination you're seeing going on around the country, that didn't happen overnight. It's been 40 years of, yeah. of an attempt to infiltrate all of these institutions. Yep. And schools are the number one place to start, right? Because you're molding little minds that are just pieces of clay in kindergarten. And if you start to indoctrinate them, then they're going to believe whatever they're told. And that's why it's so important that we do have bills like the ones we do have down here in Florida to stop some of the insanity that's being taught to kindergartners and let people grow up. You know, look, if you want to, you want to debate, you know, critical race theory when you're a graduate student in college, be my guest. I, I, I took lots of diversity classes and things like that when I was in college. That's what college does. They explore different ideas and theories and theses. But a kindergartner should not be told by an instructor that they, you know, respect and have no other bearing in life to compare it to what to think on some of these major, major issues like this and just like complete lifestyle, um, you know, indoctrination. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Jake, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved, where they can donate to your campaign, all that good stuff. Sure. So my website is jakeforstatehouse.com, all spelled out, jakeforstatehouse.com. And my Instagram is usually the easiest way to keep up with me. It's at jakehoffman561. And then our show that we do uh, every single week, Mondays at 930, is called Moderately Outraged. So any of those, you should be able to find me. All those links are in my in my bio uh, on Instagram and, again, on my website, jakeforstatehouse.com. And, and I'm happy to come chat with you anytime. Perfect. And, Jake, um, what are the three main things, real quick, that you need to fix on day one in, in your in your district? Well, you know, on, it's, it's, it's a tough question because the major issues that people really care about a lot of them are done at the federal level. So what right. I can do at a state house level, um, I have really major ideas, right? Like there's some of my election integrity ideas that still have not been implemented. So I think we need to go back and we need to continue to secure our elections. Um, I won't get into the whole conversation I have about blockchain uh, being integrated into the elections and the, and the voting systems and things like that. But I think that's a really good direction to start pointing the state towards education continues to be the number one issue, ensuring that parents have rights, ensuring that our curriculum isn't woke and crazy. And then, you know, at, and then on a local level, we've got traffic issues, right? These are the things people actually care about. That is what needs to get fixed on day one if I'm elected to the state house uh, in November this year. And then a lot of the other major issues that everybody cares about, your immigration issues, your inflation issues and stuff, that's, that is a federal problem. And, you know, I will do what I can to speak out against it, but I'm not, I wouldn't be in a position to even uh, start handling some of it, to be honest, because you just, you just aren't as a state house member. Right. Yeah, no. And I, I know you're in technology and you're big into that. You know, I am as well. I build apps. I've been a programmer for about nine years. You know, the way this country's headed, it's going to be all technology. You know, we really yeah. need to get on board with legislation involving, you know, different things involving the tech realm, because I think that's the only way we're going to really capitalize in the future. I mean, that's, that's where we're headed. AI, yeah. you know, Go VR, look at what, all that stuff. Drones. Go look at what Mayor Suarez is doing down in Miami, Republican Mayor of Miami down there, who wins by almost 90% of the vote in, in, in Miami, yeah. right? Like, uh, and, and he has completely embraced blockchain technology. He's embraced cryptocurrencies. He's embraced capital you know, investment in the free market and all of those things. He is a prime example of what we should be looking at when, when it comes to embracing the technology and bringing us into the 21st century with it. Absolutely right, because it's not discussed enough in D.C. right now. They're not, they're not no. advanced. They're not ahead of times. But you know who is? China. Like Trump would say, China. They're definitely ahead of the times in the tech mm -hmm. realm, and they could beat us on every front if they wanted to. And a yep. China-Russia alliance terrifies the hell out of me. 
And it should. It's the number one issue. It's the number one, two, three, four, and five issue facing the world right now is the existential threat that China is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Jake, real pleasure. Let's get you back. Thanks for here having very, me. Yeah, let's get you back here very soon, my friend. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you. Everybody, we'll be right back with Scott Moorfield. Stay with us. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live. I do want to introduce to the show right now, we have political columnist, political commentator, and author, Scott Moorfield. Scott, welcome back, buddy. How are you? Thanks. Doing well. How are you? Doing good, man. What's the latest? What have you been working on? Kind of fill us in. Give us the 411. Yeah, uh, this Ukraine thing is driving me nuts. So I'd go from one I, thing to another. And let, let's face it, Scott, Zelensky is no hero. This this jerk mm-hmm. off is trying to get us into another world war. And, yeah. and everybody needs to understand about Zelensky. He was an actor before. He was placed in there. there. There's so much more to the story. And when Hollywood and the mainstream media are waving their little virtue signaling flags and they try to you know push this on us, I usually believe the opposite. And usually when you believe the opposite, those are the actual facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if you replaced your uh, masked profile with a Ukrainian flag, you're probably a George Soros acolyte. I, I just don't. I don't know any other way to put it. It's it's ridiculous. So we're supposed to worship this guy Zelensky, and it's not to say that we like Putin. Putin's a bad dude. We get it. Yeah. But they're all bad over there. These are countries that have been going at it for centuries. 
Yeah. And Ukraine was a part of Russia for a long, long time. And obviously there was some tough things that happened there. Awful things. Yeah. They've been an independent country for 30 years, but Russia has a right to not have NATO at its border. Why are we poking that bear? Why were we poking that bear? So the main take I have on this, and I've yet to find a decent answer, somebody that, to come back with me and, and give me a reason to think otherwise, is, okay, we know that it's a really dumb idea to commit troops. At least so far, Biden is not doing that. That's great. We're not going to commit troops on the ground. Everybody, even he sure Sean said Hannity. that though in the speech. And then, yeah. isn't it funny? Isn't it funny, Scott? How he's there telling everybody, "You guys yeah. better get ready. Yeah. You guys are going to be over there. You guys are yeah, going to be witnessing a lot of children, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of tragedies." And then the, the the White House has to say, "Don't don't listen to don't listen to the, the president. Don't listen yeah. to him. Even though this is the leader, we're we're supposed." you know, who got elected, don't listen to him. I mean, it's like yeah. they're babysitting. I mean, it feels like we're dealing with a child, an infant, or, you know, a like a dementia patient. It's very yeah. sad. It's sad watching this guy deteriorate and really just fall downhill and really just sink to the bottom of the barrel. And his family cares more about power than his well-being. Yeah, did you see the notes that he had? Uh, his his tough on bite or tough on, on Putin notes? That he had that they had given oh, him. Oh, yeah, the little cue cards. He can't yeah. even remember. He's got to use oh, cue cards. Putin bad. Putin bad. Um, yeah, it's 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 nonsense. It's crazy. But here's the thing. So so far, that's good. It's good that he's not wanting to commit, or supposedly they're not wanting to commit troops. That's great. Even Sean Hannity doesn't want to commit troops, and that that's saying something. So that's good. Um, well, he I'll tell you what, Hannity has been a neocon in the past. Yeah. I mean, there there's been some neocon stuff that came out of his mouth you know i prefer oh, Tucker personally but but yeah. what were you gonna say about hannity sorry well he's definitely a neocon uh but even he doesn't want to commit troops or he says right. he doesn't want to commit troops so that, now anybody that calls for a no-fly zone to me right. is a neocon because right. that's the same thing i mean you're going to provoke and you, there's no need to do that right. but okay so if we're not going to commit enough troops to allow them to to win okay then we're going to give them weapons so the weapons, all they do is prolong this war. All they do is prolong the war. So this is basically a proxy war between the United States and Russia using the Ukrainians as cannon fodder. And nobody recognizes that because if Ukraine would agree to a few things that are, honestly, I don't think they're outrageous things. Uh, the, the separatist regions are mostly Russian ethnic. So right. what, that's, that's, that should be separate countries. Um, and if they want to be aligned with Russia and they vote that democratically, then go for it. And there should be an agreement not to join NATO. That's reasonable. It's completely reasonable. We would not want Mexico to join the Warsaw Pact if there were a Warsaw Pact still. Um, we would be upset if Canada and Mexico joined the Warsaw Pact and Russia and the Soviet Union had put missiles in Mexico. We got pretty upset when they did it in Cuba. Yeah. So these are all reasonable things, but we're not allowed to think of Russia as its own country with its own interests and its own geopolitical sphere that they should have some say over as a superpower with thousands and thousands of nukes. And so all this stuff that we see on the media, even from Fox News, is super simplistic yeah. and it just fails to take anything into account that's going on on the ground. And this could have all been prevented. I mean, you know, Putin has been, 
you know, somebody that they painted as a villain for a long time. Is Putin bad? Yes, he's a bad. He's bad in many ways, but is he a mm -hmm. good leader? Is he strong as is he strong as hell? Is he tough as nails? Absolutely. Does he look out mostly for the best interests of his country? Yes. But they could they they you poke the bear long enough and bad things are going to happen. They yep. could have easily negotiated various things, but you know, we all know that um, Ukraine is full of corruption. We all know Ukraine, you know, I think Zelensky could have avoided this whole thing if he would have just, you know, said what was really going on with the Biden crime family. I think there's so many things that could have really pre prevent prevented that. I, I really do. And I think, I think the way everybody is saying Putin bad, Putin bad, Putin bad. And, and, you know, all the news reports, for the most part, are, are, are just showing Ukraine victims. What about all these Russians that are getting killed? What about, yeah. all, I mean, all they're not showing that. They're being so, and that's the thing. I mean, you, you have to understand something. Putin is doing this for a reason. Obviously, it's weak leadership, but it's also because, you know, he's he's been painted, I, I believe, you know, you know, in the wrong light in certain aspects. I believe there's things that we could have worked with him on that, like I said, negotiating. And it, we just we we just spent too much time opposing him and painting him as this person that everybody should hate. Um, and, yeah, I just I just think there could have been other things. How would things have gone if we would have just welcomed them into the community of nations 15, 20 years ago? Because he's always been an ally in the war against terror. He right. does not like Islamic extremism. He's right. an enemy of Al Qaeda. Uh, he's an enemy of ISIS. So somebody who can really help us in the Middle East and who has helped us in the Middle East, this is the threat. You know, Russia is a threat to Ukraine because Ukraine has, poke, has been poking their noses for decades. And you've got corruption on both sides. You've got a, a simple ask you know don't join nato which is a fair ask that they refuse to that they refuse to give it's almost like they wanted this war it's almost like they wanted russia to invade and then they go from there so my take on it is if you find yourself i've tweeted this out a couple of times at least and i've written about it if you find yourself aligned with adam kinzinger liz cheney lindsey graham every mainline democrat and George Soros on an issue, then you may need to rethink your take on that issue. That's my take on this. So I know that everything on the Russia side that we hear is not accurate. There's no way. And everything we hear on the Ukrainian side is not accurate. It's exactly. probably somewhere in the middle. Exactly. There's a lot of Russian propaganda. There's a lot of Ukraine propaganda. But let you know, the, the US media is so focused on Russia, like I said, they don't want to talk about Zelensky being an actor. They don't want to talk about Zelensky trying mm -hmm. to get us into World War III. They don't want to talk about Zelensky being one of the biggest phonies to ever live. You know what? And I don't believe, I don't believe he's there. I don't believe that he's in the streets fighting like a badass. I saw some green screens. I saw some things and I really investigate thoroughly. I go to independent outlets. I go around. I, I'm not naive. I'm not gullible. I am mm -hmm. very particular on what I choose to you know, um, pick is factual, but I'll tell you something. There's a lot of red flags, a lot of things that don't add up with this Zelensky guy. Yeah. It's a little odd. I, I've, uh, heard that it, we don't have any way to know, but it would not surprise me. It, right. It I mean, why, why, me. you know, 
there's something more going on here too. I mean, you've got you've got Biden asking help from China, with for you know he wants help with China from from Russia. I mean, I and who, are they all working together? Like, there's so much more that we don't know. I feel like, yeah. and then this whole you know these other distractions happen domestically, and then we we lose focus on what on what really the main thing that matters right now, which is this World War Three potentially. Yeah, and of course, he's still unwilling to do anything to increase U.S. oil production. Yeah. So the one good thing that could possibly come out of this, he refuses to do, and he won't. He won't, Gas could be $10 a gallon, and he won't do it because this is ideological for them. This is a religion. It's a cult. It's not reality, and they don't care about middle and low-income people's lives. They just care about an agenda. So that's the one thing that could have come out of it. Hey, we should be energy independent, but we're not, and we'll ne we never will be under Biden. So right, it's, and it must and it must drive you crazy that he's sending all this money to Ukraine, and he's not even secure. We're not even securing our borders. Yeah. Last month we had, I think in February, I just read we had what was it, one hundred and sixty-five thousand illegals cross the border. We had 1.7 million illegals in 2021 um, at our border. You know, we, you know, all this money, all this situation, you know, it's it, the globalism is disgusting. It is disgusting. Yeah. We could be fixing so many issues here, but instead we're so focused on the military industrial complex. We're so focused mm -hmm. on the elites and their donors and all this dark, you know, the, the, it's all about following the money. The, the, you know, war is always about money. And, I, and we heard Biden say new world order. Biden wants a new world order. He wants a great reset. It was in his speech the other day. He, I mean, he said it from his mouth. And, yeah, and, what, and what now you got the World Economic Forum getting involved, wants us on a social credit score. I mean, this, you know, vaccine passports so they can identify every move. Biden getting vaccines on TV for everybody to see. Why do we need to know if he's getting his vaccine or not? Why does live TV need to... It's just ridiculous, dude. Yeah, do you really think he got the vaccine? No, it's a placebo. Yeah. No, it's a placebo. <laughs> They're not giving him that. <laughs> They're giving him Yeah, come on. They know, they know that this is not doing anything. Yeah. So it's it's all theater. It's all theater. All of it. All of it's theater. It, it's just it's absolutely crazy. So we're we're the anti-war Democrats. Uh what happened to those guys? I, I thought there, there were a bunch of anti-war Democrats who you know, opposed us getting involved in foreign interventions, but mm, I don't see any of those people very and, much. And Maybe what, Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, Tulsi. And Tulsi's one of the ones that's standing up. I mean, you know, and here's the thing. All these people that, you know, voted for Joe Biden, crickets about these wars. But if Trump would have got us into these wars, it would be headline news. The media would be screaming bloody murder. But nobody wants to discuss on the left how Trump got us out of wars and he didn't get us in, into any new wars. Correct. Yep. They don't want to discuss that peace through strength. Uh, that, that there's nothing wrong with having a strong military that could, could, you know, fight a defensive war if needed, but we can't afford it. We can't afford to be over there taking sides in all these wars. Bad things happen. I get it. I get it that it sucks that Russia attacked Ukraine. Okay. It shouldn't have happened. It was immoral. It was wrong. But we can't go 
just going around and doing something about everything bad that happens on this planet. Like at some point we have to take this. We can't be the world first. police. We got to stop fighting other yeah. wars. We got to focus on what matters here. Yep. hundred percent. And, and I mean, what, what is the future? What do you predict? You know, you know, I know you got to go here shortly, but what, what is, what is the end game? What do you think there'll be a ceasefire? Yeah, uh, probably. I think that, uh, Russia's going to win if they keep it up, um, even slowly. It, it may not be happening as fast as they hoped, but yeah. they. I think eventually there's going to be some sort of ceasefire that takes the separatist regions, Donbass and Donbass and the other one, uh, sort of K, I think, but it, it takes those into account and that keeps Ukraine out of NATO. And so we're going to end up probably right from the beginning what should have happened except we'll have all this suffering and death that has happened in between that if they would have just made this deal at the beginning, they could have avoided it all. So I think that's probably what's going to happen. Putin's not going to leave with nothing. Uh, they're going to at least get the uh, Eastern separatist regions as a part of Russia before this is over. I, I would think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And Scott, tell us some of the new, uh, new things you're working on coming up, what we should look out for, what you're primarily focused on, and then, Tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. Sure. Uh, Town Hall, my column is on Mondays at Town Hall, and I do some news for them off and on just as I, as I see stuff. Uh, Twitter, SK Moorfield. Um, and if you're on Truth Social, uh, it's Scott Moorfield at Truth Social. That's Trump's new platform. So it's kind of rolling out slow, but it's, it's coming. And doing some stuff on... Uh, Coming up, probably something on reparations because there's some new news on that. Uh, so I'm going to do something on that on Monday. And yeah. then going to be working on the whole uh, gender theory. Uh, I, I think that we need to replace or, or call the fight against gender theory gender reality. Yeah. You know how we have team reality with COVID. Let's call it gender reality versus yeah. gender theory. So that's something I'll probably be doing some stuff on as we go. Can you believe what Biden, the Biden administration just pushing yeah. that gender reassignment surgery, how they're yeah. trying to just ruin kids? I mean, there, there's going to be so many psycho psychiatrist visits. There's going to be so many mental issues with how we're headed. Oh, my God, man. It's a death cult, man. It's a death cult. These it, people, it, are they're insane and they're absolutely just drunk with power and there's no... Uh, there's no inhibiting them. So this is just as, I mean, it's, it's par for the course. And the, and the reparations thing, what a joke, you know, last thing before I let you go, you know, with the, the Biden passing the lynching bill that, that does absolutely nothing for black people. It does right. absolutely nothing. It, it doesn't solve any problems. It's just a distraction from what's going on currently. And there hasn't been lynching in several, several years. It's not even, yeah. Yeah, it's like why, why now, Joe? And you know, why don't you talk about locking up blacks in the '80s for for the drug the drug bill that you signed, Joe? I mean, you locked up more black people than anybody in history. Yeah, we should have had an anti stake burning bill or an anti guillotine guillotine bill. You know, that would have been just as appropriate. This is oh wow, I didn't know it was illegal to lynch. Wow, I'm glad we know that. You know. <laughs> No, no, absolutely. No, absolutely. No, it's so true. Uh, Scott, yeah. I love having you with us, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, we'll get you back here very soon. Thank you, Rory. Take care. Thank you, man. Um, I, I want to take a quick break. We'll be right back with uh, Sal Salvatore. Stay with us, everybody. It's a beautiful day on the Rory Sauter Show.
And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live. I do want to introduce to the show right now, I believe he's with us. Uh, we have the owner of Alba Wheels Up, Sal Salvatore. What's up, buddy? Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Your first time on. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of tell us how it all started for you. Give us a little resume, a little background. I know you've lived quite the life. Well, little resume. Um, I'm Salvatore Style. I'm the president and founder of a international logistics called Alba Wheels Up International, Love which it. I founded in uh, 1994 after coming out of Bentley University in 1992. Uh, we're one of the preeminent logistics companies in the United States serving small, mid-size, and multi-billion dollar importers. And today I'm here to talk about logistics and all the problems everyone hears about on the news and so forth and give them the straight talk the way it is and what to expect. Yeah, and kind of tell us, tell us the biggest threat with logistics and the things the, the things we're facing right now, the biggest problem. Well, as we all um, hear on the news, we have these congestion delays and everyone's been hearing about that for the last year where you can't get home goods, you can't get the construction material for your house and so forth and so on. Basically, everyone thought that this was going to pause and COVID would be over and 2022 would be a lot better times. Uh, as we know, a lot of companies were crippled by the COVID. A lot of importers um, couldn't bring goods in because China was shut down. And then when finally there was the big replenishment of the America, basically, because everyone was staying home and not spending their discretionary income in other areas, you had this wave, this flood of goods coming in, but there wasn't enough capacity because the steamship lines weren't prepared. They took most of their uh, vessels out of commission and you had these stratospheric rates that were going $20,000 a container when the year before the rate would have been for the sake of discussion, $2,000 or $3,000 a container. And it's like a clogged drain that we just can't get unclogged. Every time we feel that um, something's going to go in remission, we have something come up. We have the war come up. We have China shut down currently with another COVID shutdown, especially the major port of Shanghai, which brings in 25% of the goods from China into the U.S. that's exported. And what do you think is on those uh, vessels? A lot of it's going to be late spring and summer goods. So here we are again. Supply chain is going to be delayed. And what's this really mean at the end of the day? Uh, in my opinion, number one, things are not going to get better until uh, 2023. And yeah. the American consumer, once again, is going to be picking up the uh, tab of uh, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of additional costs. And we heard President Biden uh, the other day on the podium. He's like, get ready, you know, in his weird voice and his dementia state of mind, get ready for a food shortage like never seen before globally. This is going to be a real problem. I mean, do you see it getting to be the worst? I mean, they're, they're saying it could be as bad as, you know, as we've ever seen or going back to the Great Depression. Well, I think there'll be some shortages. Uh, obviously, um, you know, we're not getting the bulk of our food, to my knowledge, from Russia. Uh, they're right. bringing minerals, oil, uh, diamonds, you know, things of that uh, nature. Ukraine, obviously, is... Uh, one of the largest producers of wheat in the world. Uh, but he may be inferring to the possibility that because of the war, so many steamship lines and airlines had to reroute their uh, vessels because they can't fly over Russian airspace. They can't go into the Ukraine or Russia, uh, a lot of them. So what they're ha uh, doing is they're having tremendous bottlenecks 
going to other areas of uh, Europe. Uh, right. I heard today that there are approximately 80 vessels just waiting to get into Israel. So I don't know if it will be to that extent. Crazy. Um, you know, with, with a shortage and uh, panic, it's cer certainly, um, you know, I always say everything's a possibility nowadays. You never know. Just when you think uh, you know something, you don't. So I, I don't know if that's really going to be the case or not. Um, but what I, what I do know is that uh, as an uh, American um, the, you know, a country of our statute, okay, our transportation uh, system is certainly not first world. Uh, we have our ports that are very antiquated. Uh, the unions are still running them like they were 20 years ago. Every major industrial uh, country that's our competitor has very efficient systems that could get containers off a lot uh, quicker. Uh, our, uh, our country is bound with the burdensome bureaucracy uh over the weight container issues and laws and you can't you know take a container from certain hours if there's an ant crossing for the sake of argument you got to stop i mean we have all these uh laws that are so stifling that uh, it makes us very inefficient compared to the other uh, most favored nations that basically um are much more much more efficient when it comes to logistics so no, I hear you, man. And what, what's it going to take? No, well, let me ask you this question first. How bad are the cargo ships right now in terms of unloading? I mean, are we still looking well, at, I mean, what, what's the, what's, I mean, what, what is the back time on that? I mean, what, weeks, months? You got to figure the back, the back time uh, used to be uh, probably two months. Right now it's one month. Okay. Um, but I think it's going to also increase again because when China revamps, we have all the factories that have stopped producing because there's nowhere to put the uh, goods that they're storing in their warehouse. And again, we're going to have another flood. We're going to have another delay. There's going to be more congestion. But here's the thing um, that I'm actually very eager to see how it plays out. Mm -hmm. The International Longshoremen and Warehouse Union, their contract expires at the end. No, the sound went out. Sound went out for a second. The sound, can't sound, the sound, can't hear you. The sound went out, Sal, I don't know what's going on with the sound. Sound went out, Sal, Sal, call back in if you can. I think the, can you hear me? Yeah, sound. Sound issue. Hold on, let's have Sal call right back in. Um, I do want to introduce. Well, let's see if I get it back. Sal, are you with us? Yeah, there's no sound. There's no sound. I I do want to welcome to the show, though. I believe we have with us political activist Brian Edward. Um, how you doing, Brian? Hey, pretty good, Rory. How about you? Doing very well, man. Welcome. Your first time on the show. I know you're yeah. doing a lot of big things, uh, a lot of stuff going on. And I, I do want to say to everybody, we will get Sal back here uh, once there's a better connection. But Brian, um, tell, tell us though, you know, you're, you're, you're out there, you're on Twitter, you're on social media, making a big presence for yourself. You know, I mean, you're, you're utilizing your voice in the best way possible. It, it's really, it's really making a difference. And we gotta, we gotta keep fighting, man. This country you know, it's, it's all about freedom and, and, you know, the constitution and, 
you know, traditional American values and we need to do everything we can to uh, just, you know, protect those. Yeah. Well, we have to, we have to get some more understanding. So what myth informed, and that's where we, I put my at on here. So the, the Twitter, so myth informed, we, we go through and try to pick out ideology. So you're probably seeing a lot of social justice, call it critical theory, critic, you know, critical ideology that's everywhere. So part of what we do is go through, grab this. We just found a piece from John Stewart the other night and his racial experts come on and say things like every single immigrant is anti-black, right? And that there's huge, and they're, they're completely bought into this, right? And it makes me think, well, is he going to shut down the southern border, right? Because we have a lot of Latino immigration. And if we're importing in all these horribly racist Latinos that are making American black people, none of this ideology makes sense. But it is kind of creating this network swarm. And what we're trying to show is this is the ideology in their own words. So rather than like have Sean Hannity say it or something, here's this in their own words. This is what they're saying. This is what they're about. And then the other thing we do is a, a better discourse event. So this is a live event. We're doing it in fort worth texas that's coming up on in april 23rd so at the end of the month um that where we have people come on stage we do a live discussion from all points of view so we'll get people from kind of the progressive left liberal left conservative right and this kind of new right that i think what we're talking about and have those discussions have a place where you can actually get to truth and not be slipped up by fear because i think fear of saying the wrong thing is what's guiding much of this discussion or lack of. Oh, absolutely. And you you br you brought up a point. I I I was gonna say something. I for, I for, I totally forgot. I hate when that happens. It was something very. You said something initially that I I wanted to counter. I wanted to say something about that was so important. What immigration or John Stewart or critical theory? Oh, John Stewart. Thank you. Did you see what John Stewart said on his program the other day? This was national news. White people are the problem. Let's yes. blame white people. Let's that, that was one of our recorded videos that we put out. That, white yes, go white privilege. I mean, it, it, do, can we drop this already? Why don't we talk about Jesse Smollett and black privilege? Mm. Because, I mean, if we really want to talk, I mean, it has nothing to do with race. None of this has to do with race. It's ridiculous. I know a lot of, I know a lot of successful black people. I know a lot of poor white people. So, I mean, it, you know, it really, nobody is privileged because of their race. It does, you know, it's like, oh, because you're white, you get a more of an advantage. It's not true. There's it's all kinds of privilege, though. Tall people have privilege. They're doing right. better. Better looking people. There's extrovert privilege, skinny yeah. privilege, pretty privilege that right. primarily advantages women. Right. So many of things. You have old health hey. privilege. Yeah. All hey. of these things. And, and to measure them all and imagine to try to equalize them all. Yeah. And, and how are we going to do that? And how how is it okay for the white race to be constantly attacked every second? I mean, it, it's become, you know, normalized. I mean, you can people can say anything about white people if they're in another race and nobody bats an eye. But, yeah, the, minute the, a white, but the minute a white person says anything, all hell breaks loose. It's, it's the true. same sort of scenario I gave if Mel Gibson went on stage the other day and slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. You would have bloody murder on headline news. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the double standard is unreal. It's unreal. And remember, too, and Asians, how, and Asians, race, Asians get called white adjacent white supremacy. You know, black people's Clarence Thomas is the black voice or was it Larry Elder, the black voice of white supremacy. 
So it, it, if anybody's off narrative, so whiteness is basically the new kulaks. That's that's what Russia did. You're a, you're a halfway or a, you're a farmer. You own a couple of cows. You have a few employees. You're the kulak. You're the problem. That it's just the Hitler did it to the Jews. It's the same. It's the same kind of resentment. That's all this is. It is. It is. And it's you know it, it's it really is a it's a control thing. I mean the more the more control the more control the more the more it's it's scary how much control the government has taken and and how much they and what kind of discussions they want to block brainwashing and the media and everything right yeah what the the discussions we want to block so at at our specific conference we've highlighted five issues that we want to talk about one of them is uh trans right can a man be born with be born in a woman's body the other esgs people aren't talking enough about esgs these are the esgs and this environmental global social global score for corporations yeah this could be devastating i mean blackrock is already considered by bloomberg the fourth branch of government why because they control the money and if you have to have a certain social credit score in order to get it i mean that's super limiting um we have what about the fbi and the three-letter agencies can they be trusted anymore never They're they're the most dangerous in my opinion the most dangerous thing that we're facing you know, in our nation, I think the FBI is supposed to be the main protector. I think they're the main enemy at this point. And, and, and the fact that the FBI is corrupting against us is, is te- it, it, I mean, there, there's no words. I mean, I, I can't even put that into words because, you know, they can, they can do anything to anybody anytime they want. And that person can be I- extremely innocent. It's like they're picking and choosing. It's like, it's an, an, an example. Look at, look at what they've done with, January 6th, mm-hmm. look at what they've done with these people. Look at what they've done with parent school board meetings. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And in some ways, they, they're functioning a bit like organized crime does. There's yeah. a certain thing, there's lines that you know that you can't cross and there's enforcers. And what are you going to do? These right. people could kneecap you or, or whack you. Now, the yeah. FBI doesn't whack you, but they can throw you in prison for extended periods of time without trial. Yeah, and Brian, you bring up the social credit score system too. It's it's Think about that for a second. Think about, oh, they don't like our post on social media. You can't drive for 48 hours. You're, you're, you're banned. You can't leave the house. That's the, what the government really wants. They want a China system. That's what the United States is aiming for. And not enough people are waking up to that reality. But if the Democrats could get their way here with that sort of you know, situation, they would take it in a second. Yeah. The, the, this is the, the problem is we're getting... Um... The, the CEOs, this this corp, the corporate managerial class has way, way too much power. And this is they would love an organized society. Why? Because it's easy to predict things. And all of this fits into that. It, it fits into that ideology. And we're seeing that the nation state lose its superiority. That they, they were the lions, the king of the jungle. But yes. at that that apex predator theory is important because the jackals in this analogy are are your corporate CEOs. That and remember, the jackal strategy is to have nine or ten kids, not care about them. They're going to max out, whereas the lions have one, two, three kids. We've got the nation state has to assert its authority over corporations, but we're seeing it's the opposite right now. It's author- corporations asserting it on the nation states, and, and and for Russia, you've got a nuclear armed nation state. If you if 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 the if this swarm, if the network swarm can take down a nuclear armed power, whoa. 
Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and look, you, you bring up corporations. You know, the, the, you know, I was I was talking about something earlier. You know, their whole philanthropy stuff, all their bullshit loopholes, where they all come together and they all start giving to all these phony organizations like Black Lives Matter, whatever the obsession is. All every day, it's a new fixation. Every day, it's some sort of virtue signaling. I mean, they're 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 so. It's like um. It's so criminal because they're they're putting that money not to where it's not going to any cause. We all know why they do this. They do it to influence the masses, to get crazy, to get their crazy people that are naive and gullible to really jump on board with these stupid trends. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we call it the mass formation or, or the network swarm. That's what this is. Why why yeah. does everyone have a, a blue and white flag in their profile? Exactly. It's like, what does that do? Like, it's, it's unbelievable. And this is how out of touch, and this is how out of touch our nation is. There was a YouGov poll that was asked to just everybody in general. How, how many Americans are gay or lesbian? They said 30%. Okay. That's what the poll, that's what people that were polled said. The actual amount in America is 3%. Mm-hmm. How many are transgender in this country, YouGov poll asked? The polling people said 21% is what they think. The actual number, 1%. Wow, those are big numbers. I, I knew the COVID data. I, knew, I saw those stuff in the COVID polling data, but I didn't know those pieces. That's interesting. Yeah, the, the, just so we're being indoctrinated with something that makes up a very small fraction of, mm -hmm. of society and they're trying to make it like it's the first priority. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but that could be used for control. It really doesn't matter what it is, whether this is trans ideology or you could you could insert uh, a fundamentalist religious ideology and it works the same way. But it creates it creates this line, but you never know exactly where the line is, right? Because you can have transgender, but you can't have transracial. Why? But you step over that line, that creates a, way, a great way to cancel somebody. So this is wonderful if you want to wield power behind the scenes, especially if people buy into it. Oh, yeah. And the identity politics. I mean, we, we really need to get away from that. I mean, that's another thing that has just gone off the deep end. It, it really is. Has. And even, you know, you know, voting for somebody off of based off race, off their sexual orientation, you know, and just it really it's just it's crazy we, we people don't even look at policy anymore there's one upside to like kind of the this this new social media world and james lindsay points this out he talks about like this being an economy like think of we have an industrialized economy but before we had a feudal economy right where yeah. you have the the feudal lords they control everything and the, there's really right. not much you can do the information economy is is in this potential transition from like feudal to more modern so it used to be even say roll it back to 1970 or 80 the university the library is the biggest thing that's be, that's where all the information is having access to all these journals and so on and so forth so big universities with big libraries were big centers of information with the internet and social media you can find posts on pilots on reddit and the best things go to the top and we're finding out the best doctors are not the people on TV, not they're not Fauci, they're not Burks. It's people like Mary Bowden and, and Paul Merrick and Dr. Peter McCullough and Ryan Cole. They are that this. If we can stop the the feudalist 
people from winning and holding and censoring this. We actually have a, this, the social media system could work for us to, to actually get the people that maybe normally wouldn't be able to host a show or in this to rise to the top. I mean, that's good to see. And like, who are the, who's the best COVID doctor? I mean, clinician wise, it's Peter McCullough. I mean, who better, who was he? He was, he was unknown before. Right. And, 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 and think about, you know, th this whole, this whole, you know, vaccine situation, you know, the, the, the scenario with Corona, you know, how, how they've really just, they've taken two years from us. They've taken mm. two years from us. They lied about, you know, there's just different things that are skewed. It's, it's obviously very real. It's a very real scenario. I've always respected people's decision, what they want to do, you know, but I really think if there was more data early on, I and you know, not closing down the economy, I really think a lot of what's going on currently could have been prevented. I don't think there would have yeah. been many disasters. And I Emphasis think this is on treatment. Treatment, yeah. where was like, you have all these medical schools, right? And they, yeah. they talk about their heart programs. They talk about their cancer programs, your third and colon cancer and so on and so on. Yes. Can you name a university medical center that claims to be COVID-19 experts? No. There's none. There's none. None of them are talking about the treatment. Everything is just vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. When have you ever and, seen this? And That's now, weird. And now there's a new study out. Finally, they're saying ivermectin can work. They're saying ivermectin is a solution. And before they totally disregarded that. And we know why, I mean, you know, big pharma is a big entity that owns a lot of, you know, DC and different politicians. And, you know, that, that was really being pushed, but, you know, I wish more, I, you know, the lock, this, the lockdown, I mean, just look at that lockdowns, And there's a lots of ways to treat this too, right? Take Bangladesh early on in the pandemic. They, Bangladesh couldn't even, ivermectin's not a choice for them, even though it's only like a dollar right. piece, they couldn't afford it. So what Bangladesh did after consulting with people like Peter McCullough, they, they put out tents in front of their hospitals and had naval lavage with like a little bit of betadine and gargled it. So they would not put it in their nose, reduce the viral load because it's a, it's an antiviral and yeah. that people were still getting sick all of that but less people were actually requiring hospitals so with B bangladesh did this with nasal lavage and a little bit of betadine and knocked down their curve by 75 percent so that's what you can do we have way more money than that the reason why yes I ivermectin hydroxychloroquine these things are cheap but they don't make a lot of money so two reasons one um if you have a treatment you might not be able to get your you know, or your emergency youth authorization for your vaccines, if there's an effective treatment too, even if there is, people might eschew the vaccines for the treatment. So I think that there's an obvious negative push. Now, the two treatments that you are allowed, because there's two new treatments, and that's Molpolvinir and, um, and uh, not and the, the Pfizer one's called um, Paxlovid. So those are available for your treatment out $700 a piece instead of $1 a piece. And you're totally yeah. happy to get those. And they have 90% efficiency. It, this, and where, the, the red flags are just all over the place. And where did, where did all the money go? 300 billion of COVID relief still unspent, 250 billion in COVID relief fund lost or stolen. Mm. So I'm wondering, you know, that's billion with a B, you know? So, I mean, where, where does all this money go? You know, where, where it's crazy. It's crazy yeah. what we say we need all these spending bills. And then a lot of times the money either goes, you know, into the wrong hands or 
it doesn't get utilized for the proper projects. So warp speed did a good job in creating the monoclonal antibodies. Those seem to be yes. really effective. So that was a good thing that came out of warp speed. But all of these vaccines, yeah, that if you look at Pfizer's balance sheet, it's it's huge how much they're getting from that. And that's it, it, whether or not they get a lot of profit. People will say, oh, but the margins aren't super high in vaccines. There's a lot bigger margins on all the other drugs. That might be true. But the more and more, if you change from a 30 to $60 billion company, even if you're even not that more profitable, how much more purchasing power do you have? How yeah. much more influence do you have? I mean, yeah. and you, I don't like that CEO coming on like a doctor saying, oh, I think we're going to get more vaccines. No, my doctor will tell me. I, uh, this CEOs right. don't usually do this. Everything's upside down. Right. And the FDA approval process, the FDA has been flawed on several things in the past. You know, I, I find them extremely corrupt. They just came out the other day and they're trying to save face because Pfizer, you know, made some errors and, uh, you know, the FDA said they weren't aware early on, which I personally think the FDA was new, knew, knew a, knew a lot. I, I just think they're trying to downplay it, but yeah, I mean, it's stuff like that, you know, and it, you know, if we could really solve a lot of these problems and really hold people accountable that misled us, you know, especially the CDC and the who, yeah. Regulatory capture is an issue. And and this is weird because in my experience, and it, I come from the medical device industry, it, the FDA was considered, man, you don't F with them. Like the companies would operate in fear of the FDA because they were doing a lot of real regulation. And True. in the even say in the last five years, you're seeing a lot more regulatory capture and yeah. it, where I just, you didn't see that. I mean, they're especially back in the 80s and the 90s too. Remember yeah. the FDA, they touch you. There was the kiss of death. So people did what they said. Right. You can't have, you can run a gin joint and a brothel in the middle of prohibition if you control the cops. It's true. So you, if you control your regulatory agencies, then you can get away with anything. So it's really important that we we separate the, the, the back and forth. Like you shouldn't yeah. have people going from regulatory agencies to big pharma and back and forth. We got to separate that. Right. And what do you think about Shanghai locking down again, uh, oh using drones? You know, they the say dog. Did you see the little mechanical dog going around saying whatever it was in Chinese that probably wasn't good, you know, to stay inside? Oh, the dogs, those mechanical they can't dogs. Come, I mean, look at, how they, look at how they do it with drones. You can't come outside. I mean, that's a real dictatorship in China. It is. And it's another one where you don't know the line. And it's great. Are they going to use, the you think they're going to use some of this stuff in the future to control us again? Do you think it'll be another lockdown scenario? I don't know. That's that's a good question. I mean, they want the COVID scare can easily come again. Um, there can be new variants, new this. I mean, there there are still. I got trolled uh, by a, a bunch of actual doctors and surgeons. It was the I bumped into the COVID zero doctor Twitter, and they they were screaming that that Rochelle, we need masks, we need to keep these, um, all of these locked and partial lockdowns and all these enforcements for for a long time to come just on covid so right. uh, yeah the next bug that comes around uh, pff, yeah they're, they're going to use this because it works i mean climate change hasn't been working as much to, to spark the outrage but had the the pandemic did so if you've got people all spooked and then come in and say you're the savior that's how you control people 
I mean, climate change is, is probably the greatest scam of all time. I, you know, I, I wish I was Al Gore and came up with that. I mean, you talk about the, you talk about the great, I mean, that guy and, and the way he influenced everybody else and saying oceanfront property is going to be underwater, yeah. sell all your homes. And then Obama and all these people are buying oceanfront property and Martha's Vineyard and all these places. I mean, it, it's, it's a money grab. I mean, they, well, it's give based these, on modeling. They, give, they give these climate change speeches and it, it's makes, it makes them a fortune. And then and it, Hollywood involved. And then it becomes this, you know, ver, ver, you know, virtue signaling scenario. I think I find it humorous. When was inconvenient truth made like that? Like 97. And, and think about the like polar that? ice caps in Antarctica. There's more polar ice caps than ever before. Sure. But it's all based on modeling and, and think about 1997 computers. Are they, or how well are they going to model? I mean, first of all, we couldn't model a pandemic, right? right. We did a terrible job of modeling. Climate change is a thousand times more common. You can't mod, you can't model this. So yeah. all of these predictions are based on models of which do we need to know if they're accurate? Um, Michael Schellenberger just came on Joe Rogan the other day. He was saying yeah. um, there, there's some positive pieces to this, that um, the Amazon rainforest, he thinks, is like some of the biggest thing to preserve to, to keep CO2 levels down. That that seems to be rolling flat. Even global CO2 emissions have been flat or down for the last decade. So yeah. th these these are not like these things are, oh, well, that sounds good, but they don't create climate outrage. So they're not often reported. You know, is CO2 moving the atmosphere? Yes. But what are what are the real results of it? What can we do? Certainly locking down economies doesn't make sense. And the weird part about going green is, one, that these things are inconsistent. You have to have a power to the grid. You can't just run it all in wind, which might which might go or might not. But all of the all of the the metals that we need to create those electric motors, all the rare earths are all sourced by China. So I would be much more comfortable with this if we reopened and got American rare earth mines going again to preserve this, because the last thing we need to do is be dependent on China for our cars and all of our machinery. Come on. Yeah. And what do you what do you make of it? You know, I, I'm a, I know you got to go here in a second. I want to let you let you go. But um, I want to ask you. The Hunter Biden scenario, I mean, think about the mess he's gotten us into with all these countries, you know, funding U.S. He funded, we just found out, uh, some of the Ukraine biolabs going on. <laughs> who who else knows what we're going to be, what's going to be revealed later on and what we're going to find out? Because I think this is just the beginning. I, I And I hope indictments come because this this guy is is a menace to society and think of how disgraceful it is that we let a crackhead son sell out the united states we let a crackhead sell out the united states and i mean how the hell does somebody as dumb as joe biden get this much i mean obviously he was the vice president mm -hmm. but the fact that he you know he's not a slick criminal in my opinion these these bidens are not the brightest bulbs in the world they remind me of most of the idiot dc politicians you know it's it's yeah it's ridiculous well it's it, it th this guy they follow the wind so biden doesn't have any principles he he follows the political winds do you know what his first um at his first official act of congress was when he got pulled back in 1972 he can he he do you know he condemned uh, he condemned Richard Nixon for pulling out of Vietnam. That had too oh, haphazardly exactly yeah, does the yeah, exact he same thing. Joe Biden. Yep. So he, he pulls. He 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 
pulls this stuff like now, oh, we've got to get out of Afghanistan immediately. This this is all him following the political winds. But when you do what people want, when you do what special interests wants, you can earn up a lot of favors. And that's exactly what they're doing. So this is how dumb people become influential because they do favors for other people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And, and we're going to find out more countries, too. We're going to find out more countries. Um, we're going to find out more people he's involved with oil and gas, energy, all kinds of things that, I mean, that, you know, I, I believe that, you know, there's, there's just going to be several. I mean, yeah, Meta Biota specifically, you know, it, that it, it being involved in, how does, how does a company that's supposed to be um, a modeling system for pandemics have influence on, on the government? Right. It, it, this is it's all corruption. It is. Ukraine has given more money to U.S. politicians between 2014 and 2019 than any any other country ever has in a five year period. So that they're just buying influence. And it's it's business. complete idiocy that they are funding. Like, the, do people understand what the what's you know, what these labs contain, these pathogens? It's some of the most dangerous, most extreme things on earth. I mean, if they let those things loose or if those things get violated or, you know, Russia gets a hold of those and uses them as a weapon, we're in for some beyond scary times. Oh, yeah. and, and the fact that the elites, you know, and I was asking this before, like, like it's funny how they don't care about their own lives because their own lives are at risk. If, if some of the, the stuff in that lab gets out, it's going to, it's going to make humanity suffer entirely. It's not just going to be us, peasants the elites are going to suffer too i mean this is some dangerous shit yeah it, it, it it's funny that that's true i mean but it's weird we we sold out our economy for so many things i mean you'd think I mean, that yeah. if we reduce our footprint in america like how does that not hurt these people so it it's really weird it is it is and, and brian tell everybody where they can find you where they can connect with you all that good stuff um so yeah it, it on twitter um and all the different social medias getter it's at myth informed and then mke which is um our airport code so myth informed mke also um we're having the better discourse event on april 23rd that's in fort worth texas these are a great place to um to go you go to betterdiscourseevent.com it's a one-day presentation people from the right and left and the cool thing is you can actually get to talk with everyone you don't we have Q&A. We always take all the questions. We also like the speakers then mingle when they get out of their panels. You, you can just I mean, you could talk with Jack Rosobic for like a half an hour and it, yeah. no other event. You can do this. So it's it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. And uh, if you're in and around or want to do that, uh, we'd love to have you. All so right. Better better discourse event .com. Perfect. And you're all over Twitter, social media, all that good stuff. Yep. All right. Sounds I appreciate good you inviting me on, Roy. Absolutely. Let's get you back soon. All right. Thanks. All right, buddy. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show. We have economists uh, and um, professor, Dr. Michael Bustler with us. How are you, sir? Welcome back. I'm doing very well, Rory. It's always a pleasure to see you and a pleasure to be on your show. Always a pleasure having you with us. Give us the latest. Give us the 411, what, you, what you've been working on, all that good stuff. So um, I'm an economist and a public policy analyst. So I keep up with what's happening and uh, I'd like to try to analyze it. The latest, uh, of course, we have the inflation problem um, yep. and the um, fl inflation number for the month of uh, March will be out roughly uh, middle of April. Uh, it's going to show even high and in higher inflation. So we're running at close to 8% now. It'll probably be about 8.5% rate. Uh, the next number, and I wouldn't 
be surprised to see a double digit that is 10% or more uh, by sometime this, this summer. Um, the uh, government really <laughs> caused this inflation and they can stop it. Um, but based on the Biden administration's policies, uh, they don't seem to want to do that. Let me just say, um, <clears throat> what does what the Biden administration say is the reason for this uh, inflation? And the Federal Reserve goes along with them. Up until the Putin action, they said the uh, inflation was caused by disruptions in the supply chain. And as soon as we fix those disruptions, the inflation will uh, go away. Well, um, I don't agree with that. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, if you take a look at where the economy is, in total, the economy since last July has been producing at a level that was higher than before the pandemic. So the total supply is up to and now exceeds where it was before. So in the total, we don't have a supply chain issue causing inflation. Now, having said that, Certain markets, like the uh, the market for imported goods, because we can't unload the ships fast enough, all the imported goods aren't getting here. You're right, and there's some inflation there. Also, um, the demand for computer chips skyrocketed during the pandemic, and production went down a little bit. So there is a shortage of computer chips. So anything involved with that, there's a supply chain issue. But in the economy as a whole, we don't really have a supply chain issue that's causing the inflation problem. So next question is, well, what is causing the inflation problem? So we essentially have four reasons why we have inflation, all of them a result of government policy. Number one, the Biden administration doesn't want the uh, Americans to use any more fossil fuels. <clears throat> so they've restricted the supply of fossil fuels by canceling the Keystone Pipeline, you can't drill on federal lands anymore. You can't drill in Anwar province off the coast of uh, Alaska. The permitting process has become much more difficult. So they've restricted the supply of fossil fuels at a time when demand has been increasing because the economies are recovering. High demand, low supply always leads to uh, higher prices. So not only uh, are we paying more for gasoline, heating oil, et cetera, business has to pay more for energy to produce their products. So the manufacturing costs go up. That's going to put upward pressure on price. Even retailers, they get most of their goods brought in by truck. Well, transportation costs go up, retailers costs. So number one, we have infla uh, energy inflation brought about prior to the Putin action, brought about by government uh, policy. Reason number two, the federal government keeps paying people not to work. And as right. a result of that, a lot of people aren't going back to work. So right. although we're producing more than before the pandemic, we're doing it with about a million and a half fewer workers. So now there's a shortage of workers. In order to um, attract people back into the workforce, a job that might start at $15 an hour, they now have to start at $20 or $25 an hour. Well, once that happens, people that have been working there for a year or so say, hey, I'm worth $5 an hour more than a new guy, so I want more uh, more uh, wages too. So we have a wage inflation problem. That problem is going to get very uh, severe this year. Why? When organized labor goes to negotiate their uh, contract for the year, they're going to say, hey, inflation's running at 8%. I need a 10% raise just to stay ahead of 
inflation. So now business labor costs go up 10%, which drives prices up, and you get into what we call a wage price spiral, which is a very difficult problem. So reason number two, wage inflation. <clears throat> reason number three, there's excess demand in the economy. Why? The federal government has spent nearly $6 trillion more than they brought in in tax revenue in the last two years. On a $22, $23 trillion economy, that's pure inflation. And not only do they want to stop doing that, President Biden wants to spend even more. He's uh, proposed a budget uh, that's $5.8 trillion. Prior to the pandemic, the government budget was $4.5. So that's a huge increase. He wants to spend more money, more inflationary. Reason number three was deficit spending. Reason number four, and this is shocking to me, the Federal Reserve has allowed this to happen. Normally, they stay ahead of inflation. This time, they're way behind. They finally, this month, started to interest, raise interest rates up, not nearly enough, and they're going to have to raise them much more. They should have done this last year at this time. Now, why do I say that? The best measure of inflation at the consumer level is the consumer price index. And usually it goes up about two tenths of a percent a month. So if it does that for 12 months, you're looking at about a two and a half percent inflation rate, which is sort of what we've had prior to last year, the last four or five years. So the consumer price index goes up about two tenths of a percent in a month. Last January, 2021, it went up three tenths of a percent. February, it went up four tenths of a percent. March, it went up six tenths of a percent. April, it went up eight tenths of a percent. They should wow. have seen back then we have an inflation problem. They said, oh, don't worry about it. It's transitory. It's temporary. It's going to go away. They didn't do anything. And as a result, they have this expansionary monetary policy, which means, which causes inflation in some very specific markets. You go to buy a house, you know, someone says, I wasn't going to buy a house last year. But you know what? I can get a 2.5% mortgage, and the federal government gave me all this free money in the last couple of years. That covers my down payment. Hundreds of thousands of people got into the market to buy houses. That excess demand uh, pulled housing prices up. Same thing happened with, with cars. So the four reasons we have inflation is energy inflation, inflation, excess government spending, and a very loose monetary policy. I don't see any of those dramatically changing in the near future. Although the Federal Reserve, when they see this bad inflation, they're going to start pushing interest rates up probably a half a percent when they raise them. They're probably going to raise them four or five more times this year. And, you know, I want to ask you, obviously, I have, I have many questions, but I, the first thing I want to ask you, I mean, Biden, what he's done with taxes is some of the worst, if not the worst in he history. Was. Yeah, I mean, he makes Jimmy Carter in certain ways look like a saint, you know, right. after reading Jimmy Carter's policies and kind of diving in and studying a lot of what he was about. But anyways, you know, this we already have enough taxes as it is. You know, he, he he's raised in every realm possible uh, the, the tax rate. But now let's talk about the new tax that he wants to put forth, which is the debt, you know, something with death. And something with capital gains. Explain that to the audience, which is, I was I was hearing about that the other night and I was just appalled. Go ahead though, you would give okay, me- so Two, two very specific proposals in yeah. uh, uh, his budget. One, um, he wants to raise the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28%, saying corporations yeah. should pay their fair share. 
Now, and, and let's not forget that Trump cut it from 28 to 21, which from allowed to 21, right. from third, wait, from 35, 35 to, 21. to 21. Yeah, Co correct. And that, that allowed uh, for businesses to have more retained earnings. It provided yes. capital and a, hire more employees. Uh, right. And that's why the unemployment rate shot down to three and a half percent under Trump. And we had no inflation. Remember last year uh, before the pandemic, inflation rate was about one and a half percent. The second thing Biden wants to do is to uh, have a, uh, a higher tax on the very wealthy, uh, people that are billionaires. And he wants to tax not only the income that they make, but the increase in the value of their assets. So in other words, uh, if somebody owns a, a, a house, you say, well, here's all my income for the year. Government says, well, your house went up in value $100,000 last year. That's income. You should pay taxes on that, even though you haven't sold the house yet. Now, he only wants to apply that to billionaires. So uh, whatever assets you have, they go up in value every year. He wants you to pay taxes on the increase in the value, even if you haven't sold the property. Now, what's wrong with that? A bunch of things. Suppose you have somebody who owns a 100-acre farm, a huge amount of land. He produces a lot of food, but the farm goes up in value $100,000. He says, well, I don't have the money to pay that. He's going to have to sell off part of his acreage to pay the tax, and that's the, the, the problem. Even with billionaires, they're going to have to sell off some of their assets to end up paying the tax. Now, why is that such a bad thing, both of those? In order for the economy to grow, and the federal government is spending all this money, so there's a lot of demand in the economy, you hope business increases supply to meet the demand. However, in order for business to expand, the two inputs they need are labor and capital. We have a, a labor shortage as it is. We have primarily a capital-intensive economy, means we make things using robots and artificial intelligence instead of a whole lot of people. So we have a capital-intensive economy. We need capital. If you raise taxes on corporations from 21 to 28 percent, it reduces their retained earnings and reduce capital formation. If you raise taxes on the wealthy, they're going to have to sell off uh, some of their uh, assets. That will reduce capital formation. So, so um, the, the whole idea of what Biden says, let the wealthy pay, but it reduces capital formation. Why is that bad? Um, because you need labor and capital to expand. If you can't get capital to expand, especially the federal government has a budget deficit, a public debt rather, of $31.5 trillion. How do they get that money? They sell bonds. So you're pulling all that money out of capital markets. You raise taxes on the wealthy, less capital going into capital markets. You end up with a capital shortage. So right. what happens? They pump up demand. Business can't increase supply because there's no people and no capital. The only way to respond to that, to higher demand, is to raise prices. So the right. worst case scenario, speaking of Jimmy Carter, is you end up with inflation and a stagnant economy. We call that stagflation. It's a very difficult problem to solve. You know, and it really affects the middle class, you know. And, and and here here's the scenario. You know, taxing the rich is only a talking point. It's never going to go anywhere. It's never going to carry any merit. It's never, because all these rich people do is they have the best accountants, they have the best assets, 
They have the best loopholes. They have offshore accounts. I could go on and on on why the rich don't, don't pay taxes or they pay very little. It's not, it's not that they're getting away necessarily with, with you know, anything criminal. They just, they just have the intelligence to avoid you know, that sort of scenario. And the means, so um... and they got, and we really have to understand in this country, the rich are the reason that the middle class have have all these jobs. The rich employ millions of people. If it weren't for these corporations, then these people wouldn't be able. These middle class people wouldn't be able to survive. You know, uh, last year, Elon Musk paid eleven billion billion dollars in right. taxes. Now, the year before he didn't pay much because that's the way the accounting rules are, but he ended up paying eleven billion the the following year. How much more do you want these people to to pay? You say, well they're wealthy, they can they can afford it, but the more you take away from them in taxes, the less they have to create capital. And we need capital for expansion. Now let me say one other thing. So I would say lower tax rates lead to growth higher tax rates are, is going to slow growth. Now, some people are going to argue back and say, listen, Bustler, that's not true. Because in the 1950s, we had a uh, uh, income tax rate that was as high as 70%. In fact, for a couple of years, it was up to 90%. They said, look, we had high income tax rates and the economy had real good growth. So see, you can have high taxes and have growth, they would argue back to me. Now, why is that not right? Back in the 50s, as I sort of mentioned before, back in the 50s, we had a labor-intensive economy. You built a big factory and you had a thousand people working on the assembly line. So you had a labor-intensive economy. If you didn't have a lot of capital, it didn't matter because you didn't need a whole lot. Today, you build a factory, there's a thousand robots on the uh, assembly line, not people. Robots mean you're putting replacing labor with capital and that's the only way we can be efficient and compete with some of these low uh, wage countries like China. That's the only way we can compete with them is to have a capital intensive economy. So what was true back in the 50s, labor intensive, we didn't, uh, didn't need a whole lot of capital, is not true today. We have a capital intensive economy. We need more capital. If you raise taxes on the wealthy, you'll reduce capital formation. And since the government is pulling so much capital out, it will take create a capital shortage, and that could lead to a stagflation problem. Very, very well said. And 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 I and I always say, you know, you you have the best insight. And I wish people, especially on the left, would stop talking how you know keep raising the minimum wage would change their mm-hmm. life. Because in reality, all that does is it, it, CEOs just lay off more people, and more people become unemployed. Because the the whole point of a business owner is to profit as much as possible, and if they <clears throat> they they can only hire you know so many employees if they're if if they have to you know provide for themselves and their family. Yeah, we we want the economy to have good growth. So yeah. the the uh, prior administration, instead of giving people free stuff, which is what the right. Biden administration wants to do, the prior right. administration said we're going to give you the opportunity to earn your own money so you can buy your own stuff. And right. that's uh, really what people want. Even people you give free stuff to, they, they take it, but they really don't want it. What yeah, they really yeah. want is the opportunity to earn enough income to buy their their own stuff. The current administration should stop worrying about uh, students that can't pay their loans back, 
And by the way, the average student has about 30,000 with debt, has about 30,000 in debt. Say, and, we, well, and, how long, and how long have we been hearing, Dr. Bustler, these Democrats saying, we're going to just pay off your loans. We're going to take care of you. Don't worry. And you know what? Crickets. They're not going to do a damn thing about it. And you know what? It is so – the system is built to make people fail in that realm because you, it's so hard to get a personal loan, but they'll just hand over school loans like candy, and then exactly. they'll raise the interest rates like crazy and all, and all these different whatever, fees or whatever. And then by the time you, know, you make payments, it just <laughs> keeps piling up and piling up, and it's a lifetime of paying off. Yeah. So um, the average college student with debt has about $30,000 worth of debt. If you yeah. take 10 years to pay it off, the monthly payment is about what a car payment costs. So right. it's a burden. However, it shouldn't be the taxpayer's responsibility to pay off your loans. What makes this worse, if they forgive all these student loans, what about the people that are in school now? Say, well, we yeah. forgave them for other people. I didn't forgive them for you. And then what about the people in high school say, I'm going to borrow money. You forgave everybody else's loans. You have to forgive mine. It's going to lead to college being free. They say, well, yeah. maybe that's a good idea, but it's actually not so, such a, uh, a good idea. The better thing, look, look, look Americans are very compassionate. Well, we, we take care of people that really need it. So if you're a child and under 18 years old, you need some, some help. If you're a senior citizen, you need some help. If you're between 18 and 65, you should be able to take care of yourself. So we'll pay for education on a local level uh, up through 12th grade. When you get to college, you have to be responsible. For, you're an adult now. You have to be responsible for yourself. My generation, we borrowed money to go through school. I, you know, I went for a lot of years. I ran up a lot of debt, and I just paid it, paid it off like everybody else is supposed to uh, – to do so that's, that would be a massive tax increase to pay off for this and the other thing is if college is free you're going to have people saying well I, I just i graduated from high school i don't want to go to work i want to have college is free anyway so i'll just go to college you'll have people just going there and they'll end up staying a year or two and and leaving and then we'll blame the higher education system for having such high dropout rates uh and the so middle class will be stuck with the bill with the bill and we're talking uh over a trillion dollars. I think it's about a trillion and a half dollars in, in student debt. Speaking of trillions of dollars, Biden, according yeah. to something I read, and this is a this is on numerous news outlets, over the next decade he wants to spend 70 trillion, 73 trillion dollars. Explain the devastation that would have on the US economy. So uh, right now we have a problem with excess government spending causing too much demand and contributing to inflation. We also have a problem with uh, too much public debt. The, the interest on the public debt this year will be about $400 billion. And um, there's no program in place to ever pay back any of these bonds. And right. that's a key point. So what do they do? They sell a 10 or 20 year bond. It matures. They sell new bonds to pay back the old bonds and you roll over the public debt. Now, why is that critical? So right now, the public debt, the interest is uh, $400 billion a year. And most of those bonds were taken out at one, one and a half percent interest rate. As interest yeah. rates go up more to the historical normal for Treasury bonds, about 3%, you've just doubled the interest rate you're paying on these bonds. So instead of $400 billion, you now have $800 billion. 
And just as you mentioned, Biden's talking about these grand spending plans, which will add more to the deficit. We're talking about a $1 trillion annual interest expense, which future generations simply cannot uh, carry. Now, Biden says, well, I won't run that much of a deficit. I'll just raise taxes. Well, you end up raising taxes. You're going to slow economic growth, especially says I'm only going to tax wealthy people. That will destroy capital formation. And you're going to end up with a stagnant economy with high inflation. And that leads to stag stagflation. Let me say one other thing kind of overall here. The, the U.S. went from the birth of a nation to the largest, most prosperous economy in the world in about 150 years. Other countries were hundreds, in some cases, thousands of years older. How did that happen? In my view, there were four basic principles. One, we encouraged individual freedom. As long as you didn't infringe upon anybody else's rights, you pretty much do what you wanted. Secondly, we encouraged individual responsibility. So as long as you were physically and mentally able, everybody pretty much took care of themselves. Thirdly, we had low rates of taxation. You know, we didn't really have an income tax until the early 1900s. So low rates of taxation. So you knew whatever you earned, you were going to keep most of it. Well, that's a good incentive. And fourthly, we had a very limited role for government. They provided certain public goods like defense of the country, a legal system, et cetera. But other than that, government stayed out of the way. So individual freedom, individ individual responsibility, low rates of taxation, and a limited role for government allowed the economy to grow faster than any other economy in the world had ever done. Everything Biden wants to do is exactly opposite to all four of those principles. He wants to control the healthcare market, the education market. Once the government controls it, you're going to lose freedom. They're going to tell you who can do what, so you lose freedom. Secondly, you don't have to take care of yourself. The government will take care of you, Biden keeps right. saying. So he wants social responsibility instead of individual responsibility. Thirdly, to pay for all this, he's going to have to raise taxes. He yeah. says just on people making over 400000 a year, the problem is that's only one and a half percent of the population. You're going to have to raise taxes on everybody to pay for what he wants to do. So higher rates of taxation, not low. And fourthly, you have a large role for government instead of a limited role. So everything he's doing is exactly opposite to allow the country to grow and succeed. And for that reason, I'm against all of it. Absolutely. And people need to understand that government is not their friend. Gover you know, government, if, if we're, you know, people, you know, that trust the government are in for a rude awakening. You, you know, they want the government in reality wants to control, you know, whether you live or die. They want to control your every move. They want to treat you like you're in a video game and they're they're using the buttons. I mean, that's their that's really their objective. I mean, let's face the facts and the whole, you know, different world economic forum, you know, the things they've said lately about the new world order, the great reset. I mean, we really need to be cautious because these are not conspiracy theories anymore. The elites, the oligarchs, they want their way financially. They would love nothing more than, than to see us completely sink. Yeah, you think the government really wants to help you. What did Ronald Reagan say? The words I'm most afraid of, somebody yeah. knocks on the door and says, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. As right. soon as you hear that, you know you're 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 in trouble. People right. have to learn individual responsibility. Now, if you're mentally or physically have some disabilities, Americans are very compassionate. We don't right. mind helping people. But if you're physically and mentally able to take care of yourself, get up off your butt and go take care of yourself. Today, yes. 
there's 11 million job openings and only six and a half million unemployed people. So Too many entitled people in this country. Everybody thinks they're owed something. A lot exactly. of people, not everybody, but yeah. that's the problem. A lot of the younger generation thinks they're entitled. I don't have to do this. You know, the government will take care of me. Uh, and you get into that mindset and it's just hard to get out of it. Uh, and it ends up causing um, a state where you have fewer people working and more people collecting and uh, living off their, their work. It's very okay. true. And, you know, I want to ask you one last question before I let you go. Yeah. How do you see, you know, the stock market, gas prices, oil, everything transpiring uh, with this war going on? And how bad do you think it's going to get over there? You know, everybody has their own opinion. Everybody has their own yeah. kind of theory behind this sort of scenario. But I want to know yours because, you know, you're an economist. You've been doing this a long time. You've been predicting the market and, you, you know, you're, you're pretty accurate with a lot of with a lot of what you say. So I just want to get your input. Yeah. So the impact of the loss of Russian oil on the market uh, has pretty much peaked. I think oil prices have peaked. They'll fluctuate, you know, up and down a bit, but they pretty yeah. much uh, peaked. The reason is, although we're not buying, all these countries say we're going to cut back on what we're buying, Russia sells the oil to China and China right. goes and redistributes it to uh, whoever needs it. Um, now, secondly, President Biden said today, I'm going to release a million barrels a day for the next 180 days from the National Oil um, Reserve. Now, yeah. temporarily, that'll push uh, in, uh, push uh, gas prices down. In the long term, it's a, a negative thing because at the higher gas prices now, you see what the market price truly is. Business then will be, providing the Biden administration doesn't make the permitting process so hard, business would then be induced to uh, produce more oil and gas. So I think when they do that, you'll see the prices go down a little bit um, until it's all depleted, and then the oil will go uh, back up again. He's got the right idea. He should increase the supply of oil, but he should do that by reversing all of his policies. Open up the Keystone Pipeline. It'll take about 11 months to get the oil flowing. Uh, open up the uh, drilling on federal lands where a lot of fracking what was done. That can be restarted relatively quickly. Um, allow uh, drilling in uh, the Anwar off the coast of Alaska. That will get oil flowing. That's how you increase the supply, not taking it out of the oil reserve. You know, the oil reserve is huge right now because of President Trump. There was one week there where um, I forget exactly when it was, but they couldn't unload oil tankers. So the price of oil went down and for a while, oil was negative. They would pay you to take the oil. Well, President Trump said, what an opportunity this is, I'll take all of it. And he ended right. up filling up the reserves and that's why we have so much. If Biden ends up emptying it, he's gonna have to eventually replenish it with much higher oil and that's gonna cost us some more money. This is not a good idea. The stock market's going to be fairly level uh, for the year. I think interest rates will be about 2% higher next year than they were at the beginning of this year, already starting to see mortgage rates uh, creep up. I think the inflation rate for the year will end up being about 8%. Now, very few economists agree with that. But I think if you take a look at the underlying factors, I think you're going to have a lot of inflation. The economy is still going to have fairly solid growth. I think about 4% growth this year and the unemployment rate should stay 
fairly low. My biggest fear is inflation, and then the economy starts to slow down, and you have a stagnant economy with stagflation. I hope that doesn't happen, but that's my biggest fear. Dr. Bustler, very well said. Always a pleasure. You give the best insight. You have the best knowledge. Amazing life experience. We always appreciate your presence. Uh, Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, get involved, all that good stuff. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, um, I tweet out every one of my columns. Uh, It's at mbustler. That's at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. And if you're on Facebook, I have a page called Funding Democracy. Funding Democracy. And if you want to follow me, I'd be happy if anybody followed me. I I post all of my columns there. Sounds good, my friend. Well, we'll talk to you very soon. And uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Roy. Always my pleasure. See you soon. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Take care. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live. I do want to welcome to the show right now, we have famous comedian with us, huge following all over social media, the great Fred Rubino. How you doing, buddy? Welcome back. What's going on? Give us the 411. Give us the update. Give us the latest. What? Give us the dealio. Well, it's good to see that comedians are back in the news again, huh? I know, I know, right? What do you what do you make of all that? What was it scripted? I mean, I think I go back and forth. Part of me thinks it's real. Part of me thinks it's scripted. I lean more towards real, but at the same time, you can never you can never be so you know sure because it is Hollywood. They are they are paid to act for a living. Well, uh, a lot of his closest friends came out and said that it was not scripted. That Chris Rock got slapped in the face. And yeah. um, and 
see, there's there's reaction to it now, but the reaction, like every club owner now and every comedian in the world that's up in front of 10 people at Mike's Bar and Grill think they're the authority now on comedy, you know? This happened in a, in a little, little space. It's the Oscars. This guy got paid to make jokes. Now he's making jokes to the Hollywood elites. They've traded their personal lives a long time ago for hundreds of millions of dollars. We all know this. We can make fun of Leonardo DiCaprio. We can make fun of anybody because they know they're in the public eye. So you would think that anything said would be okay. So in that little realm, uh, there was no reason why this guy would get up and do what he did. And the Hollywood is the, you know, it's not like if you're in a club, if you're in a club, it's different. When I'm in a club and I'm performing, I do not address a woman in the crowd or say anything negative because you can't win that. It's you true. know? It's true. And if you go to a club with your wife, okay, look, you're in a club. You pay money to get in. You know, right. we're not rich people. So people saved up all week. They put their wife in a club couple of cocktails, some nachos with cheese. You're sitting there, you're having a good time. I don't have the right to make fun of your wife. <laughs> I don't have fun. Just because you're in a comedy club doesn't give you a license to make fun of personal things about, in that case, yes, someone could get up and smack you right in the face or punch you in the face. You know what? You deserve it. I don't, it, that's not an, a, a forum for you to be able to do anything you want to anyone. I go to the circus, if a clown throws a bucket of water on my wife, the clown's getting punched in the face. I got news for you. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But it's, this is the Oscars. And here is the most hypocritical people on the place, on the face of the earth. All of these people, they come out, oh, we have to stop bullying. We have to stop, how could we stop bullying? We have to stop bullying. The guy gets up, smacks somebody, biggest bully move you'll ever see on TV, and they applauded him and gave him a trophy. Hey, imagine if Mel Gibson charged the stage and slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. What would, what would the outcome be? What would, bloody murder all over the media. What if somebody like, you know, uh, let me give another conservative, like a John Travolta, like, I'm giving different conservative names. That, I mean, they, or any white person, even a liberal like Ben Affleck. If if a white man would have done that, the shit would have hit the fan, dude. How but, about if he would have slapped RuPaul? How about that? There you go. There you go. I mean, it, and let me ask you this. Is this going to be a new trend, dude? Are people going to start charging comedians on the stage? Are they going to start pulling the Will Smith? Is Did Will Smith kind of set something that's gonna because people are wondering that all over social media like is this a new thing if somebody in the stands gets pissed off are we gonna start slapping them now like this is this is crazy i mean at first it was hecklers which was fine they're allowed to give their freedom of speech they're allowed to say you know what the hell they want but you're but the comedian's allowed to say what the, what the hell they want as well but now when you're taking violence into this scenario that's that's escalating it to a whole new level so i'm wondering 
How, what do you do? You think this is a trend? Well, well, those are the signals that they're sending. The signals they're sending is the guy gets up, slaps the guy in the face. A big guy bullying a little guy. It's complete bullying. It's the most perfect sense of the uh, definition of bullying was bullying right there. He got up when the guy was in the middle of doing his job, slapped him in the face. The place. Gave him an award. The next people up didn't say anything. And now you get these Hollywood people saying, they, they chime in, they're traumatized. It's about them now. It's a Wanda Sykes goes, I'm traumatized about it. You're traumatized. The time for you to act was there. You should have got up there and said, this guy has to leave. We do not condone bullying. They condoned bullying. They all hugged Will. They hugged Will Smith and not Chris Rock afterwards. They hugged him. They're like, oh, man, I understand. That that does not go. And what Hollywood did was they showed for the whole world they're condoning bullying. Now, before, the, before that, the Oscars, they put on this show about don't say, uh, uh, say gay, say gay, say gay. Gay, gay, gay. You know what that is, too? That's bullying, too. You're bullying parents. Yeah. And it's and totally... saying, we could do whatever we want with your kid. You're it's the biggest bullying organization ever. There are conservative actors who haven't worked in 10 years because they said, I voted for Trump. I think he's a great guy. That's it. They haven't been hired. Their reputations are done. They're, uh, they can't earn a living. They've been bullied by all of these Hollywood elites. They banded together and said, let's ruin their lives because, because they are a part of the other party. That's yeah. it. It's the biggest bullying organization. It just showed itself for what it was that night. But Hollywood is pure bullying and... and and they have their own agenda. If it fits their agenda, you could crack anybody you want. You could do anything. But if it goes against it, oh, my God, we got to cancel someone. Cancel culture started in Hollywood. That's the biggest bullying. It did. And, you know, they, they tried to, after the incident, they tried to pull, uh, you know, a publicity stunt, the Oscars, by making an announcement saying they, they may punish Will Smith for his actions. Well, why don't they punish Harvey Weinstein? Why don't they punish, you know, um, uh, what's what's the guy's name? Um, Roman Polanski. Why don't they punish all these rapists, these child predators? Why don't they punish Meryl Streep? Why don't they punish all these jerk-offs? I mean, seriously, what a sick, freaking, twisted, hip hip hypocritical world. Yeah, and they're, they're talking about it. Oh, we're talking about doing something. No. You know what they could have do done? Anything. They could have turned around and put pressure on places and saying, do not hire Will Smith anymore. Cancel his movies. Don't put, you know what? That hurts their industry. So they don't want to do that. When it comes to them, no, no, we can't restrict ourselves. But when it comes to anybody else, because he's one of them. He's one of the bullies. He's one of the cancel culture people. And that's what Hollywood's all about. They're all full of shit, and now they're condoning bullying. 
That's the biggest thing. And uh, when they went out and did this whole gay thing, gay, I'm saying gay, I'm saying gay. What, what was that about? What could that be other than bullying? Right. No, I hear you. And I, and I want to kind of transition over to something else. Can we wipe feminists off the planet? I mean, these people are terrorists. I always say feminism, feminism, feminism is terrorism. It really is. I mean, it's no difference. The anti-male narrative, you know, these women, you know, thinking they can do all these, you know, uh, hard labor jobs on their own. They don't, they don't need men in the world to survive. But what about, what, and you know, that the women say how oppressed they are in the feminist movement. They don't look at it from the whole picture. But, you know, we don't talk about how men are, are the leading rate of suicide. Men are the leading rate of going to war. Men do most of the labor work. You know, the, these feminists have a big influence in Hollywood and they're influencing all these young girls and they're trying to take the father out of the home. And the liberal agenda in that realm is extremely dangerous. And feminine, these feminists just disgust me. They really do. And that on that stage the other night was pretty much all feminists. All Hollywood feminists trying to virtue signal and send their bullshit. And if anybody's going to complain about any of your jokes at the comedy club, it's going to be those feminists. And you know it is. Oh, absolutely. And, and I could, that's one of the most hypocritical uh, groups of people that there are. A true feminist, fine. Uh, right. A true women's right. rights. Meaning, like the old meaning of actually caring about women's rights, but the new right. radical age of. All men are evil. You know, we don't need men in our life. You know, men men are are, are the problem. Like, come on. Now, now, if they 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 took something very pure, a feminist movement that we this country moved forward with and says, okay, you're right. There should be equal rights and everything for women. They took it and they twisted it into their crazy left-wing narrative, and they destroyed feminists, yeah. destroyed the women's movement. Yeah. They got guys in women's sports. Not one feminist group has stood up and said, no. we're going to that swim meet and we're no. gonna stop it because that's not a woman. They destroyed women's rights. It's, it's sick, it's the total opposite. No one ever stood up. No one ever stood up for Sarah Palin when they were making fun of her. She was the, one of the first ones. She was running for vice president. They made fun of her Down syndrome uh, daughter or granddaughter. No one cared. Not one feminist movement. Because she's a Republican. Said anything. They, they don't. It's not even a feminist movement. Feminist movement is dead. It died in the 80s. Now it's a left-wing pro-transgender and it is destroying women's rights at an alarm more than any man could ever do feminists are destroying women's rights it's crazy it's it's insane if they just went back to say men are different than women women have their own strengths they could do things that men can never do but their men's the men do things other than that we're different you have the same rights, but we have different things we could do. Nope, they destroyed it. And we're getting we're getting kicked off social media for saying 
that men can't get pregnant. We're saying we're getting kicked off social media for saying that only two genders exist. But all these left-wing lunatics want to say, oh, you can identify as a unicorn. Oh, you can identify as a 11-year-old girl. Whatever right. you feel. And Disneyland is not going to say boys and girls anymore because they don't want to be politically correct. What the hell is going on? Well, they, they took the lead. They took this lead from the Florida law that says you can't teach a kid anything sexual from kindergarten to third grade. The parents have to be notified for what you're, you're, you're saying. And they went crazy. There's a lot of gay teachers that are gay uh, kindergarten teachers that are coming out in Florida now saying, because of this law, I can't talk to my class about the date I had with my boyfriend. Exactly. And I don't want you... you to talk about your boyfriend to my kindergarten kid. Just teach them. Teach them about dinosaurs. <laughs> teach them about math. I don't want him. I don't. I got to be honest. I don't want a heterosexual teacher talking about his date exactly. in front of my kid either. Yeah. And, it, it, and that's the thing. Like 10 years ago, regardless of political party, this would have been deemed as insanity. Nobody would have been on board with this. But they've slowly normalized and rationalized crazy insanity legislation that, you know, and if you start disagreeing with it, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're Islamophobic, you're transgenderphobic, whatever the hell they label you. And, and now you can be cissexual, you can be sapiosexual, you can be right. whatever sexual you want. Like, where? What the fuck? Like, what? That See, it goes back to they took women's rights and they stripped it from them. You don't know, you no longer have the right to compete with other women. We stripped you of those rights. So now they want to strip parents the right to parent their own kids. They they they're saying if we talk about if the if the kid talks about something in school, you don't have to know about it. I'm the parent. Let me tell you something. In first grade, if my son went in to school and said, My name isn't Freddie Jr. anymore, to, I'm my new name is Frankie the Fireman. I'm gonna wear a fireman's hat. And I want everybody to address me as Frankie the Fireman. I want to know about it. My kid's got some problems. I want to know about it. I don't want you to just change his name in school to Frankie the Fireman. I want my, the, the parents should be told there's something a little wrong. He's identifying as something that he's not really is. And he should be told. He doesn't, he shouldn't have the right. A six-year-old shouldn't have the right to choose things about sexuality or really anything, anything. The, the reason why kids can't vote, they aren't, they aren't uh, evolved yet. What They aren't uh, grown developed. up yet. Developed. They didn't develop. They're not yeah. developed yet to right. have these things. You can't have a sexual relations with a child because he hasn't been developed enough to know about sexuality. There's a right. whole lot of things that kids can't do because they're not developed. But a six-year-old now could decide that he doesn't want his penis anymore. He wants to cut off and he wants to wear high heels for the rest of it. No, for the same reason that kid can't vote. It's the same reason he can't cut his penis off. Yeah, dude. And it's like, 
like kids this young, I mean, it, it's absolutely ridiculous that this is trying to be normalized. I want to shift topics and ask you about this. What do you think about Trump um, suing Hillary, going after Hillary? Isn't this great? Isn't this awesome? Isn't this lovely? Well, you know what? And he just won that lawsuit with that whore Stormy Daniels. That She was lying all along, that dirty skank. You know, I mean, what a what a setup. What a complete crock of, you know. I got I got a I, uh, I, I was a little shocked that they awarded uh, Trump like I think it was three hundred thousand Stormy Daniels for his um, for uh, Trump's um, defense, legal defense. That cost the country that cost the country time away from the president it yeah. cost the country a lot she damaged the country this is beyond money right. once it was proven that that's what she did and she was like she should have went to jail she disrupted the flow of the country that affected 300 million people you got to go to jail for that hillary clinton should be in jail she shouldn't have to pay and get off because listen she's laundering money through every Russian, Chinese, everything. She's got money. That doesn't hurt her. Put her in jail. Once you try, these are ways of, of trying to take the government down. They're doing it in subtle ways. And the way she tried to do it with tapping into his phones and having uh, the media come down on Trump and everything and hiding information about, that hurt the country. Yeah. Those kind of crimes, you should have to do jail time. You must be removed for a little while, not just pay. Well, yeah, and even even with the Hillary Clinton thing, the FEC, FEC got involved, and that's the Federal Elections Commission. That's a, that's a big deal. I mean, there. but why wait this long? That's what really makes me tick and makes me extremely angry that they waited this long to bring this out and say that they were wrong and that Hillary created this fake thing. I mean, we knew all along, but we were called conspiracy theorists. Yeah, of course. You know what's funny? That um, a lot of the media has hidden so much like, about yep. what was done to Trump, what yep. was hidden, the yep. Biden family, the, the, the Clinton family, Everything. The, the Department of Justice. They've hidden so much that you have a large part of this country that has no idea that even happened. And that yeah. affects elections, that affects candidates and stuff. That really hurts the country. That really. So once it is proven that, I don't care who it is, Facebook, the Department of Justice, uh, YouTube, what, whoever it is, if they actively engaged in trying to dis, disinformation about the United States, about a candidate to rig an election, there should be severe consequences. And now what that would do is they would have social media people saying, look, I can't choose sides. We'll all go to jail. Put out both sides, whatever's happening, and let the people decide. But they really got involved in rigging information that, that turned the election. And that is, that is right up there with uh, you know, just trying to overthrow a country with misinformation. It's so true. It's so true. And Fred, I love having you on as always. Uh, tell everybody what you got coming up, your new projects. I know you're on tour doing a lot of different comedy shows and also tell, tell everybody where they can connect with you and your large following. Well, you could see me on Facebook, 
You can see me at fredrabino.com. I'm live every Monday and Wednesday on my Facebook page. I'll be at uh, Off the Hook Comedy Club in Naples, Florida, April 9th. Boca Black Box in May. Pennsylvania in April. Jersey in August. I'm all over the place. So go to fredrabino.com and don't be bullied. Don't be bullied. And for God's sakes, a guy like Chris Rock from Brooklyn gets slapped. Punch him back. Right. I mean, I mean, let, let's face it. Will Smith is a beta male. Will Smith slaps like a, you know, you know what, you know what, like, a, like a, he does. I mean, that, that was a, that was a real bitch slap in my opinion. Like that wasn't even tough. You know, Will Smith, and then he just, he walks away with a smirk on his face like a pompous asshole. I mean, right. you know, Chris Rock handled that well, but if I were Chris Rock, I, I would have smacked him back. Somebody hits you first, you always whack him back. I mean, oh, that should have been a fight. There should have been a fight, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what made, made him go crazy. I don't know whether his, uh, you know, I'm no biologist. I don't know whether that's a woman or a man. Or that he's sitting next to with the shaved head. So I don't really know what that is. But whatever it is, he kind of likes it. And But he shouldn't get violent because of it. It's true. It's very true. Fred Rubino, the great Fred Rubino, always a pleasure, my friend. We will talk to you soon. Uh, good luck on tour, buddy. And, uh, yeah, I'll, thank you, man. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, pal. All right. God bless. Uh, I do want to welcome the show we have with us right now. We have best-selling author, Jared not with us. Jared, how are you, my friend? Just fine. Just fine. I've been enjoying the show. You have some very interesting guests. Thank you, man. Thank you. So tell us what's been going on. Uh, I know you've got your book out. Uh, mm -hmm. I know you're doing a lot of different research on what's going on overseas. You know, mm -hmm. but tell us, tell us, give us the 411. Yeah, well, the book's doing very well, I'm happy to say. It's been on the bestseller list for, well, April the 2nd. It'll be 16 months. And of course, we won six awards, and I'm getting a lot of feedback. From Congratulations. People. That's the, awesome. uh, you know, the, of course, there's so many uh, so many mistakes uh, happening out there. My book is about mistakes. Okay, so it's uh, sort of relevant to the current situation. Uh, your, Ukraine, of course, is coming up a lot, a lot of conversation. Title of the book, by the way, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes that Changed the World Forever. Go to tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. And then we have a website there, et cetera, et cetera, like that. But uh, I, uh, the uh, thing, situation in the Ukraine has been uh, fascinating. And I guess I have a quote, one of my favorite quotes from Harry Truman, that if uh, two men agree on everything, then one of them is not thinking. And I'm not sure I completely agree on uh, the assessments that I've heard in the program there regarding the Ukraine. I think uh, Putin is the man responsible about 99.9%, and I think he's on the same list that, that you find uh, Stalin and uh, Mao, and uh, uh, I can't even say Hitler. Uh, there's a, he is an, an evil man who is responsible for doing terrible things to the civilians of uh, Ukraine. Well, yeah, I'm definitely not, I'm definitely not, you know, a, a pro-Putin advocate or anything like that. I get he's a monster, I get, and I, and I made that clear earlier. I just think I think there's two sides to every story. You know, I, I think that there's more going on than what we know. And I don't think we're ever going to know the full truth, Jared. I really don't. I think, like you said, though, I think Putin, you know, has done a lot of terrible things. I think there's a lot that he is responsible for in this war. But I don't think you, Ukraine's leadership is 100% innocent, if that makes sense. I think it always takes two to tango. Did Putin start the fight? I, I believe he probably did. But is there other 
Is there other things behind this that we don't know about? I am 99.9% sure that Ukraine, because we know, I mean, think about it, Jared, for, for as long as I can remember, Ukraine has been a very corrupt country. Mm-hmm. You can you can attest to that. Look at what they did with the Bidens. Look at what they've done with other uh, financial situations. Uh, I believe Zelensky could have avoided possibly this scenario if he would have just got out and, and, and kind of told and kind of just said what he knew. I believe he's hiding some stuff. Um, and he knows a lot about the Bidens that he has not disclosed. We've seen Trump try to get it out of him. Um, but yeah, but I, you know, I just kind of wanted to clear that up. Yes, I think that at its core, uh, we have someone who wants to rebuild this old Soviet Union. He said yeah. openly. That oh, I agree. Oh, I agree with you there. I believe Putin wants to do that. Absolutely. But that's his main motivation. If he had his uh, way, he would take back Poland. He would take back the Baltic states. He would take yeah. back. Uh, the Romania as well as the Ukraine. That's what he wants to do is rebuild his empire, be a captain of history, et cetera, et cetera, like that. And that's what's behind, at the core what's behind uh, his actions there. Um, also, um, I think uh, it's important to remember history teaches some very clear lessons. And that is if uh, weakness encourages attack and uh, strength dis- discourages uh, aggression. You can find uh, that one of my favorite quotations also is from General Marshall back in the 1930s, talking about the weak buildup of the American military leading into World War II. And he was saying that we were carrying the treasure and freedom of this great nation in a paper bag. And if you take it, say, just 20% of what we spent <clears throat> in the World War II itself, used it in the military buildback, uh, buildup in the 1930s, it's very yeah. possible the war would not have taken place. The Japanese would not have wanted to start a war. They thought they were going to lose. Hitler would not have wanted to start a war. He thought he was going to lose. And the uh, Korean War, uh, Eisenhower blamed uh, Truman for the Korean War. He said that military spending had gotten so low. And also through Dean Atchison, they had communicated uh, that they weren't necessarily going to be defending South Korea. That was a major mistake and that encouraged the aggression of uh, North Korea. And if we look now at the situation in Ukraine, it's no accident that the attack on uh, Georgia and the attack on uh, Crimea took place in the Obama administration. Nothing happened in the Trump administration. Now the attack on Ukraine uh, takes place in the Joe Biden administration. So the, uh, there was a weakness there. There was a lack of military buildup. There was a lack of support that encouraged the aggression of Mr. Putin. He's been surprised at how strong the Ukrainians have been in defending themselves. But he saw what he thought was a, 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 an easy mark. Uh, horrible mismanagement of Afghanistan made Biden, uh, Biden look like a, a bumbler, which is, he really is. I rude or cruel, but horribly bumbling Afghanistan. He was seen as being weak and indecisive. Uh, this is a chance to, to move ahead because he may not be there after the next election, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's the naked aggression on the part of Mr. Putin that's at the core of the entire problem. He was barrel, it was barrel bombing civilians in, in, in Syria, and he is guilty of killing thousands of civilians. He's a, he is a war criminal. Uh, he deserves to be put, tried at Nuremberg or The Hague or whatever. And I think uh, at its essence, we have an evil man that we're dealing with, and it's a very awkward situation. Let me make another point. Yes, it's true that the Ukraine has been very corrupt. Part of that corruption comes from all the aid problems coming through the United States. Well, to get this aid, uh, Mr. Zelensky would need to pay off the politicians in Washington, and it's been a piggy bank for corruption of officials, both Republican and Democrat, in Washington, D.C. Yes, we'll give you the billions of dollars, but we want millions of dollars coming back the other way. And that is uh, 
push the Ukrainians into being uh, corrupt. So Washington, D.C. and the politicians there deserve part of the, are the blame there. I, li- I like it. Let, let me let me ask. Now, let me ask you this. So. Ta- d- discussing the whole Putin thing, you know, this would have never happened under Trump. Let's face let's face the facts there. And I, and, I, and I believe this is very dangerous because not only is Putin testing the waters, every other country that's radical is trying to see what they can get away with because of Biden's weak leadership. Because we all know everybody's always focusing on the USA and seeing what we're doing before, you know, they kind of make make their move. Like like we are we are the obsession. Let's face it. We people rely on us for a lot of things. And that and that's that's just the facts. And um you know, you sending Ukraine all this extra money, it, you know, it makes me, it does make me skeptical. I mean, and I think we're sending them, obviously, I mean, this is a fact, we're sending them way more money than what other countries would be willing to offer. And we can, we're not even addressing a lot of the, our own problems. And I'm just, I guess I'm just tired of being the world police. I mean, I, I domestically, you know, war, in my opinion, has, and, and I think a lot of people's opinion has always been a distraction from domestic issues. And it's always about making money for the military industrial complex. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that if, if, if this thing escalates, um, I don't think our, our men and women should be over there. I mean, I, I, why are we, why? I mean, they're not, you know, with all due respect, I, I have great admiration for the Ukraine people. I feel bad for the Ukraine people that are in the middle of this. And I feel bad for the innocent Russian people that are getting fed propaganda from their media that are in the middle of this. But I, but I, I want, I want to know, you know, obviously a no fly zone would definitely, if we, if, if they went about that, I believe that would create more devastation. There needs to be some, there needs to be something that prevents our people from going over there and we really, you know, we need, there's something, we need to figure this out because this is, this is going to get out of control. China is going to go after Taiwan. North Korea is going to keep doing their thing because they're all these other countries, their, their sole focus right now is on what Ukraine, Russia is doing. And I believe how that plays out will determine what other people decide to do and make, how they make their next move. If that makes yeah. sense. I think you're, I think you're right. And it is you make a very good point. It is a very, very, dangerous situation we have someone who controls 6,000 nuclear weapons he's gotten himself into a big big mess there he does not want to lose he refuses to lose all the talk about we're going to negotiate we're going to just settle for the eastern part of you but no baloney 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 he refuses to lose and he's already said that he might want to use may choose to use nuclear weapons if the situation gets bad enough he might very well even say the words he might even very well use tactical nuclear weapons in Ukraine to try to flip the situation in a, in a favorable direction. That's the only thing that's working for him right now is missiles and artillery hitting civilian centers. Uh, on the field, on the battlefield, he's losing almost every front and being rolled back in the uh, minor advances that he's made. He has not been able to con- uh, conquer one single uh, city. And by the way, if he does able, is able to conquer a city and send his troops in to try to hold the city, that's when the fun really begins huge amount of harassment, huge amount of sniping, uh, Molotov cocktails, uh, also the uh, the javelin missiles part of the armored vehicles is going to be a nightmare if he ever does get into control of the city. So the one thing that is working is like uh, bombing uh, apartment buildings and hospitals and schools 
artillery, uh, missiles, et cetera, et cetera, he called that working. Well, if he, if, if some people are saying that the administration, the American administration is afraid to win because if they start beating uh, Putin too much, then he will be more cornered, like a, a cornered animal, a wounded animal, then we're more likely to escalate to chemical uh, warfare and even to nuclear weapons. So it's a delicate situation. You're dealing with an unstable personality, a man who is in the corner, who is afraid of being humiliated, who's possibly being lied to by his own generals. But it's a, if we got too aggressive, we could find ourselves in, in a war between Americans and Russians, which is what we want to avoid. Uh, very uh, delicate situation. I think uh, the point you made is, uh, is right, and I'll make the same point. I don't think it would have happened under Donald Trump. I think uh, he was seen as a strong leader. He did not want to take the chance of starting a war or invading Ukraine. He apparently told uh, Putin that he would bomb Moscow if he uh, invaded the Ukraine. Well, they would not uh, try to test Donald Trump, but they're perfectly willing to test uh, uh, Joe Biden because of his, his weakness and lack of decision. No, I, I agree. And, and let, let me ask you your thoughts. But, you know, let's talk about Ukraine. And how do you kind of take it, take in and kind of, um, you know, kind of um, digest the, the fact that, the, you know, the U.S. has funded so many biolabs over there and, you know, dangerous pathogens and stuff like that. And, you know, I that alone, in my opinion, is 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 one of the most evil things I've heard in a long time. And the fact that Ukraine was even on board with that and we find out Hunter Biden was giving some of the funding. I mean, this there's so many things that keep coming out and being revealed. that It's like every day is like a new story. But yes, it, it, it's, you're right. It's scary to think that we don't have the full story of all the corruption, all that's happening behind the scenes. What yes. we know already is bad enough. It's ugly enough, but that's a, a dangerous situation. I'll switch over. They are the uh, lab in Wuhan. Um, yep. they, uh, Fauci, Dr. Fauci says they tries to say that um, the, the uh, COVID did not come from um, gain-of-function research from inside the laboratory, but there's uh, ample evidence to indicate that, yes, in fact, it did. He does not want science to be blamed. He wants to act like it was just a natural pathogen that got into the uh, civilian population. The evidence indicates just the opposite, that the money that they were spending, they were funding, the United States government was uh, funding, American sources were funding, the research being done at Wuhan, I think they did engage in gain-of-function research. I think it did escape, we hope, accidentally uh, from the lab, uh, laboratory. And that, of course, killed 5.5 million people and counting. And then what was happening, I guess, and they don't know the details at all, what was happening in the Ukraine, but the same sort of thing may have been going on there. And it's a very, very dangerous situation, as, as you know. And uh, Hunter Biden involved in that kind of uh, situation, that kind of research is just scary as hell. So, you know, it's a, it's a very, very ugly and uncertain situation and um, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer but it's like you're pulling up an old rotten log and you see all these maggots underneath and you're almost afraid to pull the rest of it up because that mean more maggots are going to appear i think we've seen about five or ten or fifteen percent of what's going on behind the surface uh, and, uh, and uh, no telling what's going to happen in the next uh, year or two and when the facts uh, become uh, real yeah and, and you know what you know before i before i let you go i want to just say something i and I, well said on on, on on some things, but I want, I want to mention, I don't think enough people are paying attention to China uh, mm -hmm. profiting off of all of this. Because in reality, I believe they're profiting financially the most off of this war. Yeah, I'll say. In, in a lot of ways, because they've made so many deals with Russia 
that, you know, they're, they're getting so many backend um, just various things. I was reading so many different reports lately and Tucker Carlson was doing different segments on it, but it, they really are. They're strongly profiting. People aren't talking about this enough. I, I think so. I think they're working the whole situation with the Russian oil to their advantage and so on and so forth. I will say for all this negativity and all these uh, depressing situations, I think uh, there is something good coming out of that. And that is, I do not think that China, in my humble opinion, that China is going to be uh, attacking and invading uh, Taiwan in the near future, or maybe not even for many, many years in the future. It has turned out to be such an, an ugly defeat uh, for the Russians. They don't want to get involved in that kind of, uh, of an entanglement, that kind of uh, defeat uh, themselves. So it may have discouraged aggression uh, on the part of the, uh, the Chinese, maybe North Koreans as well. Uh, because the Ukrainians didn't put up such an excellent fight. Right. No, I hear you. I hear you. J Jared, let's get you back here soon. I want to talk a lot more. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can find you, where they can buy your book, all that stuff. Yes, they can go to uh, tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. Tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. You're supposed to say things nine times. I know to tell you, but which two times will do it. <laughs> oh, three times. Tinyblundersbigdisasters.com, a fun website. Uh, we have a pretty... Uh, two and a half free chapters there. We have a, a book trailer, uh, we have a fun quiz, and so it's kind of a fun place to visit. My favorite part of the book is the portrait gallery. That's available on the website also, so it's a kind of a fun thing to do. Uh, Tinyblindersbigdisasters.com. Sounds good, I, my friend. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you so much. Appreciate it very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Rory. Thank you. Uh, everybody, we'll be right back. Stay with us.
And we are back, the Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live. I do want to welcome the show. I believe he's with us right now. We have talk show host and political activist, glad he's back with us, Michael Vasquez. Michael, how are you? Oh, no sound. Can't hear you. Oh, it's on my side. Now you're good. Now you're good. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. What's new? What's the latest? What have you been working on? What? Do you, what what's the 411? Give us the update. Well, I was just on with, uh, actually, I was just on uh, doing a, a video this morning talking about the dishonesty of politicians, talking about Eric Adams, who's trying to convince the people of New York City that a mother being robbed is about gun control and not about crime. Talking about Maxine Waters, who's busy trying to tell her constituents in California that homeless, by the way, she had, oh, yeah. she had a homeless event and she's telling the homeless constituents to go home. Go and home. She and says, they're saying, we don't have a home. Help us. And uh, it, it's great to watch these people fight back, but keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, it's fine, because it is that ridiculous that she's telling them. And they're like, we don't have the home. And she's like, well, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear this. Pompous. And walks away. Is that how dishonest is that? And then there's uh, Representative Antonio Delgado coming back to New York State again, who's taking credit for getting $3 million for a hospital to help take care of pandemic costs mm -hmm. that he didn't do because when the bill was put in these, everyone knows that if you want to get a grant from the government, that takes somewhere between six months to a year, sometimes two years to right. get any kind of grant. Right. And he, because of the gerrymandering of New York state only just got the New York 22nd district, uh, this area that he got, on February of 2022. So here it is in March. And he's saying, look, I got $3 million for this hospital. Aren't I great? You didn't do it. You're dishonest. You're manipulating people. And every single one of these politicians, why are they doing it? Because they want to get votes. They want reelection. They want to push a progressive agenda. It is dishonest. It is manipulative. And of course, I had to say something about it today. So that was one of the big things I was talking about. And of course, there's also the fact that we now have independent of Russia. We know that the Department of the Interior for the United States has recently come out with a report, which if you're analyzing it, 208 pages long, page 201, tells us that the Biden administration is cutting leases for the oil and gas industry, which means that this year in probably October, the fall, maybe winter, gas prices in the United States are going to go up separate of russia and ukraine they're going to go up higher yeah. which is going to be fueling inflation so i hope people are getting ready i've been telling all of my viewers when you go to the store when you're um, going to buy something you buy about 10 percent more just buy 10 percent more every time you buy something if i'm wrong you've got extra food you've got extra supplies no big deal if yeah. i'm right you're going to be saving a lot of money. So sure. those are a couple of things I've been talking about recently. Yeah, I know. I love that. And you're absolutely right. I mean, think about, think about the dangers, Michael. If we start getting in fights over food, if we start getting in fist fights in lines 
over bread over breadcrumbs. I mean, it, like literally. I mean, this is where things could lead. We could literally be going down the path of Venezuela, and people can laugh this off. They can say, "Oh no, it'll never be like that." Oh yes, it can, and it it very well. You know, we're it very well. You know, could be. You know, it, yeah. it is scary right now. And this administration doesn't care. We have a, a, a vice president who is dumber than a box of rocks. And then we have a guy who can't even count to four, form a complete sentence. And he belongs in a nursing home. I mean, it's like, what what are we doing? We're the laughing stock. We're supposed to be the leaders. We're supposed to be the, the country that everybody, you know, follows. Right now, seems like we're the followers. We're the losers. We're the weasels. Well, we met, it made it very clear. This whole debacle since December of 2021 going forward, we've seen that Joe Biden has undercut his own negotiation team, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, repeatedly and consistently, which is why we're in the situation we're in now. It's so bad that back in February and in the beginning of March, we saw that the United Kingdom sent in their own negotiator to talk with Vladimir Putin. France and Germany sent in their own people. Israel sent in their own people. Everyone had to step up. Why? Because the United States failed, in part because Joe Biden undercut his own team. And sure. when people tell you that, oh, the United States can't become a banana republic like in the 1980s and 90s that we saw throughout all of South America, the very first thing you have to remember about those countries, what were they doing? They devalued their currency because they did nothing but print money. What is the United States doing? We have $30 trillion in debt when we are printing money. His most recent bill for a budget is $5.3 trillion. We are burning money like crazy. We spent $7 trillion. We can't keep up with that. And every time he does this, the dollar that you have in your pocket is worth that much less. Your investments for your retirement, your IRA accounts are worth that much less. And he's been pushing Russia. Now Russia's talking about if you want gas and oil, well, you have to pay in rubles. You know who he's talking to there? He's talking to Europe. He's talking right. to Germany who have to get their gas from Russia. Right. And if that happens the dollar becomes devalued and we suddenly are a banana republic. It is real. It is possible. And like uh, Mike Bustler was talking about, we are looking at stagflation by the middle of the year. I'm amazed how much Mike and I agree and we've never spoken. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you something, this, this is, you know, the deals that Russia has made with all these other countries and, and how they've aligned with China and in all these different, you know, variables, uh, you know, they, I'll tell you, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't know what's next. I, I really don't know. I really I can't don't give know. An idea. I can give you a pretty good idea of what I think is going to happen. Yeah, tell me. And what I can see is we're seeing growing tensions. Now, the Iran nuclear deal is going to be approved. It's in the final stages. It's going to come through very soon. Joe Biden's going to and say, let's and let's talk about that too. I mean, the ridiculousness of that too. I mean, Iran's already unstable, and we're we're going back to that insanity again. That's crazy. Keep going though. Sorry. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna make it worse. You see, recently, two weeks ago, Iran bombed and tried to kill American citizens, uh, and we are still in the Iran nuclear deal. No problem. 
no concerns. None of the news media wanted to address that. International media did talk about it. And it just flies in the face of how desperate the Biden-Harris administration is for a win, that they wouldn't even address or deal with the fact that Iran is attacking American troops with rockets. We're going to make this deal. And the problem that everyone has, everyone who's paid attention to this, is that Iran will be able to build ICBMs. That means they will have a missile, kind of like North Korea, who currently has a missile that can reach anywhere in the United States, 13,000 miles. It can hit anywhere in this country. And they're doing business with Iran. So Iran will be able to, and according to the deal, they can build missiles all day long, which is what they want. A missile that can take a bioweapon or nuclear weapon and drop it on their hated enemies, Israel and the United States. Something that they have never changed their opinion on since the 1970s so they're biding their time in addition excuse me in addition what are we giving iran we're giving them billions of dollars so that they can commit global terror the same thing they did in 2016 that john Kerry admitted to the public on cnbc so they're going to we're going to have a net increase of global terror destabilizing several countries and if you say, well, Mike, that wouldn't happen. When we gave the Taliban Afghanistan, the, the Taliban opened up all the prisons. ISIS ran over to Africa and Burka Fasino, a country that nobody knows the name of and no one can point to on a map. It's tiny. Ran right over. ISIS ran right over to that country and started a civil war. Global terror increased because the United States screwed up on how we left Afghanistan. Iran will do the same thing. So that's one region. Then you've got China with Taiwan, and that's an entire another thing. Then you've got North Korea firing hypersonic missiles at Japan, besides having an ICBM that they can now hit the America with. This is bad. But at the same time, we can't forget what's going on in the United States. We have a Supreme Court justice, and she's going to get approved. Judge Jackson is she's, going to She's a disgrace. She's horrendous. And she makes her decisions based on someone's skin color. Exactly. Back in the 1970s, 1980s, when I was growing up, you called that racism. Right. That's racist. Well, right. today it's called uh, being PC. It's good inclusivity or whatever they want to use. Intersectionality or whatever they want to call it. And it's yeah. racism and it's bad. And that's going to be on the Supreme Court for decades. Add yeah. to that. We have another problem that's going on here in the United States. We are watching over and over again as progressives are trying to, you know, the Florida bill. Yeah. Let's th think about it. This is about five-year-olds. Yes. Stop right there. You, we've got uh, Gavin Newsom. He's like, I'm reading all the books about that are being banned that are about these transgender and, and sexual practices. And by the way, I don't care. You want to be trans? Fantastic. Knock yourself right. out. You're a grown adult. You need to stop advertising it. And that's a problem in our society. Everybody has to say what they are, who they sleep with, you know, like what they're eating, what they're doing. It's like nobody's private anymore. And, you know, obviously the sexual nature and that kind of talk takes things to a whole nother level than, you know, what, what I was saying about, you know, people you know, saying what they're doing and stuff, just like social media. But this whole 
this whole indoctrination in these schools of your personal life. It was, if, if somebody said that 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it would Five be this crazy. But now, you know, all these normalized, crazy, radical agendas that keep getting passed and they keep, it, it's, and then if we question it, we're the crazy ones. Oh, we're, no. the, we're, we're the bad guys. We're the so why does a five-year-old need to know about sex? And the various forms of sex and the various forms of sexuality. They're five. They're five. Right. But this is to prepare them so that when they're eight, they can say they want to transition. And here's the thing. Name anything else in life that you will listen to an eight-year-old child say and you are forced by the power of law and the far left community aspects of our society will say, you must listen and abide by that eight year old's decision. They're eight or 10. They don't have decisions. That's why they don't have them legally. And they don't have them in our society because they're eight and 10. They don't know anything. And yet we're telling, we're preparing them to be able to transition from their gender to another one because they've watched how many TV shows, how many cartoons, how many movies, and how many entertainers telling them that's something they should be doing in their lives. Yeah. This is just this is destructive. It's a externally yeah. and internally. It is, and, and all you know, the attention-seeking behavior needs to stop, and it really does. And and look at look at the kind of people in pop culture who are influencing kids. You know it. It's the, the rap songs, the, you know, the Cardi B's of the world, you know, the, I mean, and just the, the, the following that these people have. And then, you know, it's like monkey see monkey do it's, it's, it's people, people it's get their voting information from Hollywood. That's terrifying. Well, they're entertainers. I've now. I say this about politicians, but it's especially true about entertainers. Yeah. I've been doing political commentary for about 15 years now. I've yeah. talked to people in the Democratic Party progressives. I've talked to libertarians. I've talked to Republicans, conservatives. I've done interviews with candidates of all of them. I've done uh, conversations with people at every level of government. Yeah. One thing I know is absolutely true. Not a single one of them is smarter than the average person walking down the street. These right. people were the average person walking down the street. But we have yeah. this belief that somehow they got an election and by osmosis, by the power of a vote, they suddenly got smarter. They're and not. It, and how do we elect all these dumbasses in Washington? I mean, there are so many dumb people. What does it take to be a politician these days? I mean, literally, yeah. you've got, like literally, like what? Like uh, for the left, all it takes is just be radical, just be radical, just, just fill the agenda with hate. Just, just, just go anti-American, push socialism and you're good to go. Well, good. what you need is, uh, you need a decent amount of money. You need a good ad, a 30 second ad, yeah. which is why I don't do sound bites. 30 second ad. And you need the news media to be on your side. We think about it. Maxine Waters isn't getting any pushback for telling homeless people who have been homeless for years that they need to go home and right. that she's helping them. No, you're not, Maxine. You are inefficient and you are ineffective if they have gone years without without being able to get some kind of housing. No, you don't deserve to be reelected. When Eric Adams is saying that 
a robbery isn't the biggest problem. The problem is the gun that those robbers had because a knife or a bat or their bare hands weren't bad enough. No, no, no. The problem is the crime that you have been rising because you've been defunding or reimagining or reallocating uh, the police, which is defunding the police. You have Antonio uh, Delgado, who's not going to get a single member of the press. Matter of fact, there are members of the press who are pushing out his news story that is obviously incorrect it is inaccurate and i sent him a letter i asked him onto my program i asked his staff to give me here's how uh, the news media should have taken this as an example with antonio delgado i sent a letter to his staff yesterday i said okay i need 24 hours i gave them even a little bit more to respond back all i asked them is okay that funding what was the date that you submitted that funding that's what I want. The date you submitted the funding. They can't answer that because they didn't do it, which means he just lied to the public. And that's a problem. I also asked him another thing. Okay, we got this funding. Fantastic. Does that mean that the 34,000 doctors and nurses and healthcare workers that were fired by appointed Governor Kathy Hochul in September of 2021? Do they get to be rehired because they were fired because of vaccine mandates? Does this bill put pay for them to get their jobs back? Because New York State already had a shortage of doctors in 2019. It's now worse because of the policies of the progressives. And they're telling you, vote for us because we're doing a great job. How do you get there? You're lying to the public. That's how these guys get reelected. They lie and no one calls them out. It's so true. It's so true. And, you know, these politicians, they create problems so they can say in their speeches that they have solutions. They, they create things so they can have talking points. I mean, these people are complete disasters. They really are. And we really need change. And, and Michael, what coming up, what do you, what do you, what is your primary focus? What are, what are some things that you're working on that you got, uh, you know, planned. Well, it's election season 2022. And since 2008, I've always tried to reach out to as many candidates as I can across the country to do interviews with them, yeah. um, which, and here's the thing, I do not edit any interview I ever do. Me neither. People get to see every word of everything that the candidate says to me, yeah. whether they're uh, already elected or they're trying for the first time. Right. And I ask them fair, but tough questions. And yeah. like I said, I've had Democrats on as much as I've had Republicans on. So that's the big thing. Plus building up our live stream on Sundays, uh, reaching more people, especially as we're watching YouTube and social media, they're purging people. They're in them. While everyone's been distracted about Russia or talking about Chris Rock, what we're watching is in the sidelines, PayPal, YouTube, uh, Facebook, they're doing a purge of smaller content creators who have replaced the news media because the news media aren't in our local communities anymore. It's now centers. You, you look at it, there's about six companies that own almost all the news media, including print. You don't have a local newspaper. You have a hub at probably the next biggest city around you, and they're sending out people to do some stories on your local community. You know what you do have? You have content creators like yourself and myself that are out there saying, hey, here's the story. I want to cover that. And we are. 
And they don't like that because then that means we're putting out unapproved messages, unapproved concepts, and they don't like it. I've been talking about the inflation since January. Before any of the numbers came out, I've been talking about, I've been predicting that it's going to go up to about 15% official and it's going to be driven by energy costs for the most part and food prices. And now the news media is just starting to tell us, just like they just now are telling us about the laptop, they're behind the scene because they want to control what you do. And that's upsetting to me. It's very true. Michael, I always love having you with us. Let's get you back here very soon. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, get involved, all that good stuff. Uh, easiest way, two ways you can find me. Either go to No Soundbites Allowed. That's on BitChute, Rumble, uh, Minds, Odyssey, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all of them. Just put in No Soundbites Allowed or just put in Michael Voss, in any search engine in the world, I know I've tested it in France. You will be able to find me. You'll see this lovely face, probably without the goatee, and uh, you'll be able to see all my stuff. Sounds good, my friend. We'll, we'll talk to you. Let's get you back here very soon. Always a pleasure. I appreciate your insight. You're a, you're a great friend of the show, and um, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. All righty. We'll be right back, everybody, in about 30 seconds. Stay with us. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, coming to you live. I do want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us right now. We have doctor and pastor Rodney Evans with us. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How you doing today? I'm doing good, brother. What's on your mind? What's the following well, I, one? What's the latest? There's so much well, going on. I, I know. I wrote, I wrote some stuff down here. Yeah. On what everybody talked about. Sometimes everybody I lose. Tr sometimes I lose track too. I mean, I feel like I interview so many people. I just, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes it's just it goes all over the place. Well, there was a lot. I mean, uh, I'm just going to go down my list here a little bit. The slap that was heard around the world. Yeah, you know, I I saw that. You know, here's the thing, Pastor. I didn't watch that. I didn't watch that nonsense. I, I don't care. Well, there's other problems in the world that we need to be focusing on. Let their those you know phony, pompous celebrities do whatever they're gonna do because they live in their own little bubble. But then you know, I see the headline because I'm always reading the news. I got to keep up with what's yeah. going on. Yeah. And then you see these headlines, and the first thing you think, you know, since it's Hollywood, oh, that's scripted. Their their ratings are so bad. It's definitely scripted. And then we find out, you know, as of now, that it was real. It was real. Everybody's saying that, no, that was not a scripted thing. And um, yeah, it, it really, uh, what a shocker though. What a real, it Will looked, Smith, it looked scripted. Is a, yep. That was a, that was a, in my opinion, that was a beta male bitch move in my opinion. I mean, a, that was a girl. It wasn't even a, I don't even know what that was. Even Chris Rock afterwards was like, just trying to comprehend what, what the hell just happened. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy. I I'm with you. I don't think he would have done it 
with someone besides him because right. he would have got his head knocked off. It would have been a fight. But my right. question is, nobody's answered this question yet. Nobody's asked it. Where was all the security at that's supposed to and be? And that's what I—that's what I'm wondering. If it was a white guy, you think there would be security right there? I oh oh yes. oh yeah oh yeah with with how with how Hollywood's mindset works with how they go about things with how you know they try to blame the white man for most of their problems and they say you know you know they try to you know say the people of color are the most oppressed and they try to put minorities in boxes we know that but absolutely i mean if it was somebody else they would have been yanked out of there but just like Jesse Smollett Will Smith gets a special privilege well he should have been he should have been right then escorted out of the place they know when they have these things that people yeah. in the audience are being made fun of. They know that. They know, you know they're going to be stuff me, that's You know what makes me a little upset? I, I respect Denzel Washington. I, he's one of the ones that I really adore. I've mm -hmm. always admired mm -hmm. him. He's a class act. And he is a conservative. He'll never admit it because yes. he doesn't want backlash from Hollywood. People ask yeah. who we, people, people like reporters have asked him many times. Who did you vote for? And he always says none of your business, which we know what that means. When they say none of your business, it means, you know, you've, he voted for Trump, obviously. He, you know, yes. but because it's so easy to say in Hollywood, oh, yeah, I voted for the Democrat, you know. You know. But see, but, I respect but, them more by doing that. Like Dolly Parton don't tell you stuff. Right. But then and then I but I want to say this, get to this Denzel point, like he's trying to comfort Will Smith. And why are we comforting a guy that just assaulted another guy? Knowing Denzel's character and who he is, I would think Denzel would have like reamed him, you know, instead of trying to be sympathetic. It was it was weird to me how, you know, um, Denzel's always been kind of a person that's been looked up to in Hollywood and kind of respected in, in a way, in a gentleman sort of way. So I, I really, yeah, I was really surprised as somebody. I didn't. Go ahead. I didn't tweet nothing else about it. I didn't yeah. tweet nothing out. I didn't say nothing about it on social media, nothing, because that's what they wanted us all to do. Oh, yeah. They wanted attention because their ratings are so low, they'll get attention any way they can. But he should have been escorted out immediately. Yeah. He shouldn't have got an Oscar. Yeah. If it was anybody else, they probably would not have got it. And sure. they said they're having the Oscar board supposed to be having a meeting. I don't know when it's supposed to be, and I thought today or tomorrow. And that's something they're going to talk about if they're going to take his Oscar from him. They should. In yeah. that situation. And they should take him from Harvey Weinstein. Yes. They should take him from Roman Polanski. They should take yes. it. They should take it from Woody Allen. They should take it from all those people. Oh, I agree. I agree. This should be the starting point. They should go through the rest of them. Maybe yeah. come out the same day and say, we're taking all of these from them. Yeah. And me too. You know, me too was such a big thing. But where's yeah. me too at in this whole scenario? Where, where's, where is me to, where are all these activist groups? I thought these activist groups were against violence. Where are all these people? They're not going to stand up to an. They clap their hands. Exactly. It's such a, it's a, it's an odd world. I'll tell you something. And they're all, it's you know, sticking, they're all trying to, you know, push the Disney stuff down our throat with the don't say gay bill. I mean, they, and they're brainwashing people more and more with that has nothing to do with don't say gay. Well, that's the next question I got down here was the kids. Yeah. You know, when you and I were growing up, especially me, I'm older than you. Yeah. Man, I was out playing with cap guns and yeah. riding bikes and, you know, watching cartoons and all this other stuff. Why are they pushing all this sexuality on these kids? Right. Why? 
you're going to have a bunch of warped kids here before long. I mean, they're going to be completely warped, especially if they're allowed to go take, if they're allowed to go have surgery. Yeah. Oh God. Can you imagine the, the, just the, just what that's going to do to somebody's psychosis, oh. the psychological mindset. Yes. And who's, who's going to pay for that? Who is a six year old? And I'll even go further and say a 15 year old don't know what they want right now. Even a 16, well, I'll go up men sometimes into their twenties, but they don't know what they want. They, they have no idea at that point. They're still trying to figure everything out. And I think they said a, a man's mind is not fully developed until he's in early twenties, but they want to let a kid make a decision for all of this stuff and what they think they should be at this early age when they should be out doing other stuff. I mean, this is just, this is crazy stuff. That's one reason we homeschooled our kids until the one got, got too tall and played basketball. Um, the oil prices. I disagree with Biden completely on moving the oil out our out of our reserves. I think it's crazy. Um, he should open up the pipeline. He should do all this stuff because this is just going to take care of this for six months. And I don't think the prices now some of your experts knows more than me. I don't think you're going to see the prices come down much. Oil companies and gas companies want to make this money right now while they can. And they might come down a little bit, but taking our reserves, which is supposed to be used for emergencies, you know, if, if we can't get oil or, or something like that, nature, we have oil. Let's tap right. into our reserves and let's start getting oil out and bringing these prices down to help the American people. And especially the middle class, everything else right now is hurting the middle class. I got called from someone. I've got a couple of calls that some people's asking for their advice. What are they going to do? They've got a job. They're going to have to get another job just to pay for gas and pay for food and exactly. pay their electric bill because it's skyrocketed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how people are surviving. You go to the grocery store and everything's, you know, a dollar or two dollars more than what it was a year oh. ago. And gas has doubled. Uh, yes. Inflation is the highest since 1982. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's never going to, it never ends. I mean, we, we are relying on other countries for oil. Uh, when we could be easily having our own oil and and our own energy, yes. I mean, it just it doesn't. The only answer here, uh, Pastor, is compromise money. I mean, dark money, you know, controlling the narrative. I mean, if if Biden was was truly not in bed with any of these, you know, higher ups, then he would do the right yes. thing and open up the Keystone Pipeline and allow well, America. It's to push their their agenda of the Green New Deal. And it's the globalism thing, yeah. And, and the green in yes. the Green New Deal. That's another it's crazy. Thing. Look at look at the debt we're already in, and they want to spend that new green green new Green Deal. Imagine how much how much more debt we're going to be put in. Well, even in a car, say say I went and bought a smart car. Maybe I went and bought a Tesla. I could not drive my mom and dad's on that Tesla and back. There's just no way. There's not enough there. Right. And. Matter of fact, I like to listen to engines. So I'd prefer to have a car that's got gas thrown through it than an electric. That's just that's just me. Yeah. But they're going, you know, what are we going to do? What is the average American going to do at this point? I I, ha I don't have the answer for that. Yeah. Uh, I'm disappointed in all the Republicans. I'm disappointed in every single political leader right now. Nobody is speaking up. They're trying to raise money, but nobody's speaking up trying to 
to deal with the situations. And that bothers me a lot. Uh, you jumped on something also, the illegals. I heard a report today on Newsmax that, that from October to January, over 800,000 people crossed the border, over 800,000. Now that's their, that's their figures. You know, it's probably double that. I feel like we're being invaded and nobody wants to do nothing. They, that, I mean, who's speaking up about it? I mean, you've got all these other distractions going on and you got people flooding through our country that again is going to hurt us financially. Yeah. yeah. It's going and, to devastate us. And there's going to be, think about all the terrorist fatalities. I mean, all these people yes. coming in the border, it's not just, they're not just coming from Mexico. They're coming from all over the place and sneaking in. Well, that's what uh, this one report on Newsmax I heard was at, at the border. And he said, he was pointing right across. He said, right across the river there is there's a big fight going on between two uh, drug cartels on who wants to take the city over. And then you got people smuggling people in. And it's not a lot, a lot of people are from other countries. They're not even from Mexico. So you've got all those people coming in from all over. We don't know where they're coming in at. And he said it's 24-7. He said it doesn't stop. He said, so they've got them there coming through so they can dis distract, so they can smuggle the drugs through to another direction. And I mean, look at the problem we got with drugs in this country, and it's all coming from Mexico. And what was that Biden is going to try to fade, phase out by May? Something that Trump put in, I, I, it's a number, 24 or something. It, it's a, I don't know, I should have done a little bit more research on it. I don't know if it was where the people supposed to stay in Mexico or whatever, but he's going to phase it out. And they were up, they were saying that it's going to uh, it's going to cause more people to come across the border. It's insane. It does. Isn't it fascinating how we give 500, 500 million to Ukraine and we're not even giving, you know, our own border, our own, our own. It was either 500 million or 500 billion. To Probably billion. billion sounds better. Yeah, billion. Yeah, but but we're not even we're not even securing our own border, but we're giving all these international countries extra money so they can take care of their own people. Well, it's going to hurt my grandkids. It's going to hurt your kids and your grandkids. Yeah, that's who it's really going to come back and bite. Our country can't absorb millions and millions of people coming through. It just cannot. And then, and then what happens if a World War Three breaks out and you, all these people? I mean, a lot of these people are, are you know, this new generation. Or, you know, they're. they're they think a hundred different genders exist. And what if there's another draft? I mean, what, what, what are we going to do, man? It's not the old no, days no. anymore. What if there's another draft no. and we need these guys to go fight? I mean, we're screwed. Well, you know, one thing about Ukraine, I will say, most of the men stay there and fight. Yeah. And that's the, you know, that's another thing. Russian, the Russian military, the Ukraine military and all these other countries, they train people to be bloody, you know, fighting warriors. We teach our, our people to be, you know, learn about gender, learn about equality. Learn, I mean, seriously, like, I mean, I get, you know, morals are good, but in a military sense, you need to be ready. You need to be ready to fight the enemy. You need to be ready to, to battle. You need to be ready for combat. We don't need these social distractions. We don't need this other bullshit. You know, you know what I mean? Well, I, you know, if I had, a, especially had a daughter. Yeah. I, I'm going to hide her. I don't I mean that mean I do not want her to go fight. She didn't ask for this stuff. Right. She didn't ask, you know, she didn't the me too stuff. She didn't I don't have a daughter, but I'm just saying if I did, I don't think she'd be part of all that junk. 
And I don't want her to go over and fight somewhere. We should not be the world police. We should not be. And I really believe Zelensky is 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 a is bad news bears. I really believe this guy. Yeah. And you know, other other people on the show tonight may have different opinions than me. That's fine. But you know, Putin is an animal. I get that. But he's not the entirety of the problem. You know, Putin, believe it or not, is actually a pretty decent leader. He's a he's an not a good human, but you can still be a bad human and be a good leader. You know, he, he's done a lot of things for, for Russia, for the economy, but he's, you know, he's also done a lot of, you know, horrific things, but you know, well, we can't, we need to, we need, like I said earlier in the show to the other guests, we need to look at Ukraine's corruption too. We can't just focus yes. on the mainstream media saying Putin, Putin, bad, Russia, Russia, bad. Look at it from the entire perspective, the entire picture. And, but they don't want to do that because it's agenda driven. Look at what they're doing. They're taking restaurants out of Russia. They're making, you know, who's paying the price? Russian innocent civilians that did nothing wrong. There's no taking restaurants out of Ukraine. There's no taking stores out of Ukraine, but Ukraine in this war is doing some horrible things to Russian soldiers and they get a slap on the wrist. There's no coverage about it. I have to go to independent outlets to see this sort of stuff. Mainstream is all pro-Ukraine, anti-Russia, and it's not, it's just, it, it's weird. It's very weird how they just can't tell the truth. But how much out of the $5 billion is going to get back to political leaders in the United States? Sorry? said so how much of that money, the $5 billion they want to send to Ukraine, a lot. will fundle its way back a lot. to the political leaders of the Democrats? Too much. Yes. And that's, that's the big part. That's the reason it's been sent there. Now, I'll go back and, and say this. One thing about Ukraine, at least the men are fighting. They're staying and fighting. Yes. We've got people coming across the border. If we got invaded, they wouldn't fight. I wouldn't want them here because they wouldn't fight for our freedom. Right. I would prefer to have Ukraine men here fighting. At least you know they're willing to set up and fight what they believe. Right. We don't have that coming across the border. I have no respect for men that come across the border because they want to escape their country that's not willing to set up and fight for the country. That's just me. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, and I believe a lot of people feel that same way, but we're going to have to deal with this border issue. It's going to have to be dealt with. Yeah. Biden's not going to do it. Hopefully if we take back enough seats, what would be the perfect thing is taking so much seats back in the house and in the Senate where we could override Biden right now. And we yeah. can put some bills up to protect the border. We're going to fund the wall. And if he vetoed it, vetoed it, we still would have enough. That should be a focus of the American people that we put enough Republicans in. And hopefully they have enough backbone where they'll step up and say, okay, we're going to ride you. We're going to guard our border. We don't care what you say about it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a lot of people are waking up. I just saw a poll today. President Trump leads in all major polls for the 2024 election. He's going to get his job back. Mm -hmm. He'll be back for sure. There's oh, no I doubt. believe he will. I believe he will. Yeah. Um, now, you had, you had the one guy. I'm going to shift it, then we'll come back. I want to tell uh, you one thing, though, before you shift. You know, and I wanted to bring this up to you. This is something I haven't addressed. I don't think I've addressed it ever on my show. Joe Biden is the biggest disgrace to the Catholic religion I probably yes, have yes. ever seen. He, he, he should not ever identify as a Catholic. The guy is pro-abortion. The guy mm -hmm. has done things that are beyond sinful in so many ways that yes. the real Catholicism, you know, 
you know, traits would never approve of. I'm, I'm a Catholic. I was born and raised Catholic mm -hmm. with a Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. You know, J if we want to talk about a real Catholic, you know, I would say JFK was pretty much the, you know, Joe Biden is no JFK. He never will be. You know, JFK, no. had, his, JFK had his flaws as a human being. I get that. But mm -hmm. JFK was a great leader. I believe deep down JFK was a good man. And I believe, you know, he, you know, other than obviously the infidelity, which, you know, I think a lot of politicians, yeah. a lot of politicians are involved with that, including Trump. We have, we have to call balls and strikes, mm -hmm. you know, but overall, I think for the Catholic, you know, name and in just, you know, how he was so pro-life, I think JFK as a Democrat really carried that well. And I wish Joe Biden would do the same thing, but he's not. He's totally going the opposite of what the real Catholics believe. But why isn't the Catholic Church speaking up? Why isn't the Pope and why is why? why is why is the most corrupt? Why is the most corrupt person, the Pope at the Vatican, endorsing abortion, endorsing Joe Biden? Agreeing with all these radical leftist ideologies, that Pope does not represent me. He does not re represent any true Catholic. The greatest Pope we've ever had, hands down, John Paul II. Stayed out of politics, was a man of the people, probably the, one of the most beautiful souls of all time. And ever since he left, it's gone downhill. Really has. Well, I, I don't know, you know, with the with the Pope right now, why he would endorse something of this your... nature. It'd be hard for me to even meet with Biden because of his issues that he's got. Yeah. Now, you you go back and you're talking about Kennedy. Kennedy wouldn't make it right now with the radicals. Oh no, he'd be a Trump supporter. He'd be a conservative. He would. And I think you know both of us is on truth. You're on truth. I'm on truth. You know, Trump's not tweeting out a lot on truth. I don't think he's tweeted anything but one or two things out on truth. He's right. being quiet. He's being very quiet right now. Don't know why, but he is on on social media. He's not saying a lot uh, at this point. But let's shift and we'll come back to any of these things. You know, yeah. interest rates, interest rates. You know, you had an expert on there mm -hmm. and he knows a lot more than I do. Yeah. But my personal opinion is right now, if you raise interest rates, I think you're going to hurt the middle class. They're not going to buy stuff. They're not going to go buy cars. They're not going to buy houses. They're not going to do all that stuff because the interest rate is shooting up. Uh, I mean, right now you're fine, but it goes a little bit more. I, I think that it's going to hurt our economy in the long run. That's just me. Like I said, I run a business, but the other guy's an expert. He 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 knows all the figures, all the numbers, but it's just me personally thinking that it could hurt our economy if they raise it too much, which Joe Biden doesn't care about our economy. I mean, everything he's done to this point is to hurt you and me, he hurt the middle class. Yeah. Everything he's done so far is to help the rich person. Yeah. But if you tax the rich person in more money, you're not going to get pay raises. They're going to lay people off. They have to come up with the money that they're going to lose. And how do you think they're going to cope with that money? They're going to cut wages. They're not going to hire people. They're not going to buy stuff because they've got to make up that money some other way. Yeah, and I'll tell you something. We need to hold companies like Klaus Schwab accountable. Klaus Schwab and, you know, they, I don't know if you know much about that scenario, but they were behind a lot of these lockdowns, a lot of this whole reset scenario, and they're not getting talked about enough in the media. They're getting, they're, they're getting, you know, so much protection 
so much bullshit, yeah. but somebody really needs to teach these people a lesson because they are a part of the new world order. They are part of the new great reset. A guy by the name of Yuval Noah Harari, who has been on different interviews in the last couple of years, basically talking about controlling all of us, you know, in, in the medical realm, you know, with, mm -hmm. with, you know, manipulating pharmaceutical companies with, with the vaccine, with different stuff like that, you know, th there's so much stuff that it still has yet to come out, you know, and, and, and I'm reading as well, you know, Joe Rogan threatening to quit Spotify because he's not allowed to talk about certain things, including vaccines, including the election. Like there's different things. I mean, imagine if Joe Rogan went to, um, uh, rumble. Imagine if Joe Rogan went there and, you know, cause Trump's new thing's going to team up with rumble. I think Rogan needs to go there, man. I think Rogan well, is one of the greatest leaders, you know, for talk shows for our new generation. I think if somebody can really give the youth and, and, you know, even anyone, uh, you know, just different insight and, and great, great light. It's, it's Joe Rogan. I think he's one of the last. My boys the love listening. The younger generations likes listening to him. Yeah. So he's a good voice. I mean, my boys yeah. will call and say, you know what he said on, on, you know, yeah. today on his podcast. And I was, you know, he signed a $200 million contract and he says he'll quit if he has to walk on eggshells. I respect the hell out of that. I mean, do you know how hard yeah. it is? I mean, that's, you know, he already has enough money. He already has all the money in the world. It doesn't, that doesn't, is not on his radar. You know, that's not his first priority. He, you know, he just wants to be him. And I, I love that. But what are they afraid of? I mean, what are they afraid of if we exactly. talk to him? We well, here's what they're afraid of, Pastor. They're afraid that he has the biggest following in, yes. in the podcasting industry right now. And the more people you reach the more they start to think for themselves and the more they start to do research and their due diligence, and then they find out the truth. And then yeah. the narrative backfires that comes from the mainstream. But what's, what are they afraid of me and you talking? Like right now, me and you're, me and you're having a conversation. Right. And I, you know, if I say something about the virus or if I say something uh, about what I feel about the last election, you know, they don't like that. Right. And then you're sharing our opinions. We're sharing our, oh, excuse me, about our, we're sharing our opinions about what we think happened in the last election. And right now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing reports come out that what we're thinking is true. Yeah. Yeah. And what's wrong with us? Why is the news media afraid of that? Now I did hear something today and, and nobody's brought it up yet. And if they did, I didn't hear it. And I listened to the whole thing. So, but it could have got through without me hearing it. Yeah. Um, You've got the Republicans that start an investigation on Facebook against Facebook and against Twitter. So I did hear that today, that they are starting an investigation. They have launched an investigation into Facebook, into Twitter. So, and it's something that should be checked into. How much should they sway elections, which we know they swayed election a lot. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I want to ask you something else. What do you think about the attacks on on Clarence Thomas? I mean, don't you think it's disgusting? I mean, this it guy, is. and the only reason they're threatened by him is because he's a black conservative. You know, if it yes. if it was a think about if it was a black Democrat, everybody would be screaming racism. But it's okay to attack black conservatives if you're a Democrat and you're the media. Oh yeah, it's I a mean, smear campaign. You know, he's a very smart man. Uh, very. I mean. <laughs> If you put him head to head against the person they've nominated right now to be a Supreme Court pick, 
he, he would blow her away with the knowledge. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, she can't determine what a, a woman and a man is and how can she can't determine what a man and a woman is, how is she going to be able to interpret the constitution and bill of rights, which is mainly what their job is. They can't, her being put on is scary. Mm-hmm. It shows you the direct, the direction that the liberals, Joe Biden and them, Nancy Pelosi, want to take this country completely away from everything we've built ourselves on. I mean, they want to, to me, they want to destroy the place. Just think about if they put three, four, eventually, if they had enough Supreme Courts like her on, our country would be a mess. Your last guest mentioned that she's a racist. You know, that's something that, I mean, that's what he said. She probably is with her findings, with what I've heard. But, you know, he would know more about that than, than I would. But it's scary. It is a scary thing to see someone like that put in a Supreme Court. I mean, I guess with what I read, she, uh, let me think here for a second. She served on the, on the school board and she pushed the, the theories that they're trying to push the wake stuff and all that stuff into the school system. I read that somewhere. So if that's true, that's scary, that you're going to bring someone like that onto the Supreme Court. And she's going to get it. I mean, you know, you got the one rhino of the Republican that said she's going to vote for her. I can't say how any God-given American could vote for her. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. She's yeah. a laughingstock. And what do you what What are your thoughts about a, a possible third party? What do you think? I'm I'm fine with that. Like I, I think I think this country needs a legitimate third party. I. You know, obviously, I want Trump to win in 2024. I want him to conquer. I want him to make America great again. I want him to bring back all the amazing policies. But what about after that? What if the Republican Party goes back to being rhinos, neocons? Like, what if, like, I think a legitimate third party in the future would be good because I think they could bring alternative ideas that aren't necessarily controlled by a lot of the big time. I, I just think that I think there could be room for this, but I think it needs to be done right because it's been tried so many times and they haven't got enough, you know, oomph and, and recognition and enough, you know, voters and members. But if they, if they do it properly, I believe it could be something someday because I think people are so sick and angry with the two party system that I believe that this, you know, it, it's coming. I, you know, I, well, I don't know when. I agree with you. I've heard that. But I, I could see I could see something happening. Well, the, the big thing is it's just it, a, I compare it to a similar scenario of how people are getting away from mainstream media and they're going to yes. independent outlets because they can get, you know, because they don't want it. They don't want, you know, the whole corporate donor, you know, special interests, agenda driven, no. you know, situations. I'm not I'm well, not saying I'm not saying a third party wouldn't be funded by you know, some sort of controlled, you know, money or, you know, something like that. But I, I'm just saying that maybe there could be some alternative ideas. The, the point is with a third party, who, which people would you attract? That's the thing. Because but, you would have to track a lot from the Democrats. True. A lot from the Republicans to be able to get the vote. You know what I'm saying? It's hard. Had some it's very elections. hard. And that's the thing. That's yes. why it's never really succeeded. And that, you know, that might be something that if, if somebody has the heart and has the finances to do, 
they can say, okay, this is this is going to be a twelve-year period here. Yeah, we're going to we're going to start it in in states and see if we can do some stuff in states. If it grows, then eventually we're going to begin to launch it out into senators, Congress, and then the president. It, it would have to be a slow-growing thing. It couldn't be like we're going to start one now and in four years we're going to try to have everybody running for president and all this other stuff it's going to be somebody with a, a very strong uh insight politically that can draw people together which you do have a lot of people leaving the republican party you've got a lot of people leaving the democrat party right now you do it's a good scenario if you've got the right person that can do it trump probably could do it uh I just don't know how much he could pull away from the Democrat Party. I don't know who we could pull away from there. I know he'd pull enough from the Republican Party. Agreed. Agreed. And, and, and your final thoughts. I want to give you some final thoughts. Well, I think, as we always say, we're in total chaos. We've got someone in the as president right now that doesn't know what time of day it is. Uh, I've heard that they will not take – I heard they, they're not even talking to Russia – other foreign countries are not even talking to us. Saudi Arabia won't take our calls. North Korea won't take no. our call. They're not, they're just, they're just done. They're, they're, there's no interest. Well, why would you talk to someone that don't know what he's talking about? True. I meant, you know, he was in a news conference. Uh, Ducey brought something up and he said, I didn't say that. And he had said it. Uh, then you've got a vice president the same way. She's a laughing stock around the world. Nobody trusts her. I mean, leadership wise, we're in a mess right now. Yeah, we're in a mess because of what the news media and other people sold the people lies. I mean, now it's coming out that the laptop is true, the emails has been verified, all this stuff that that not only is Hunter Biden involved in it. One news agency reported today that they've got stuff that even Biden was got got some money on it. Right. So. We're in total chaos. I mean, your guests today were awesome. Thank you. People need to listen to the show. They'll get a lot out of it. They'll get a lot of insight of what's going on. I like listening to it, you know, which I'm a frequent guest on here, but I like listening to it uh, because you do get to hear people and you have people in different areas of the country. It's just not one place. Absolutely. And you have experts. Absolutely. And we're going to capitalize on independent media. This new network is yes. going to be huge. And I really plan to take all this to the next level and um, a lot in store. And as always, I love having you with us. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. You sure you want me to do that? I got a paper full here. Oh, you do? Of, of where? No, I'm talking about where, where they can get me. Uh, right. I've got so many stuff that I've started because stuff man, you've talked about uh, on truth and, and uh, getter and, uh, parlor it's rodney evans you can get me on that on twitter and truth for political things like i'm on your show it's go no farther uh on twitter and truth i've got a youtube channel i've started up for camping which i've told you about we've got stuff over on twitter and on truth we're on our way with the number two on facebook we're on our way with the letter two rodney evans ministries on youtube Told you had a list on YouTube. We're on our way, and also I'm taking "We're on our way," which is our camping video. I also putting it over on Rumble too, so you can get it both locations. And then I got real life discussion with Pastor Rodney Evans, which is my ministry stuff on YouTube, and I'll probably eventually take it over to Rumble too. I love so it. That's all my places. 
I love it. I love it, Pastor. Always a pleasure having you with us, man. We'll talk, we'll talk to you next time, my friend. Thank you. you Me bless, man. Stay safe. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, I'll tell you guys, it has been a fantastic show tonight. Um, so much established, so much addressed. I do want to mention to everybody to visit getyourappbuilt.com today for a free quote. Apps are the future. Technology is more evolved than ever, ever before. And we charge a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. You can check out a lot of our work online. We have worked with some big, big clients and um, definitely uh, will be excited to hear from you. And um, I also want to mention to everybody that uh, my store is back up now, but visit the Donald J. Trump store.com for all your customized, creative Trump apparel and merchandise products on there, like nowhere else. You know, we, we definitely put a lot of time in uh, for this store and just um, very proud of it. I um, also want to mention this, the new media company, it is coming. I know I've been promising it for a month or over a month, but we are working on the final touch-ups and uh, the final, you know, little ins and outs. And um, it's it's launching any day. And uh, I, I can't wait to share it with you. 24-7 breaking news coverage, articles, um, a wide variety of different shows, politicians, athletes, celebrities, best-selling authors, business moguls. The list goes on. So you definitely will love what you see. And I'm very passionate about this project. I forgot to mention, oh, well, first, before I say what I was going to say, uh, definitely follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, True Social. I am everywhere. But final, final thing, you know, I never said this earlier in the show, and I was, I don't know why I didn't talk about it. But I met, met Chris Rock about five or six years ago. And, and I just want to let everybody know, this doesn't justify what Will Smith did. But Chris Rock is a real asshole. He really is. He's a real, he's a real jerk off. Like I, I approached him very politely, very nicely. You know, uh, I was in downtown Phoenix. I asked for a selfie. And um, he basically, in so many words, said, get the fuck away from me. and just ditched and ran across the street and just, yeah, just very, very, um, insensitive, just very, just not genuine, not authentic. I mean, he's funny. I'll give him that. I'll give him that for sure. But, um, yeah, it was definitely, it was about a few minutes, but, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy scenario though. I, I tried, I, I, I gave him I gave him a business card and um, he basically threw it right back at me. He did. I, I, I didn't even know it was Chris Rock. He had his sunglasses on. He had a hat on. He had jeans on, regular t-shirt, looked like a regular guy. You know, I, I was running my app business and I was outside my office building and, you know, I, I give cards out often and just, he, he, he said to me, literally, is this literally what you do? You give out cards? just like a pompous Hollywood elite asshole, like literally like no respect for the work ethic, no respect for the hustle, just, just a guy that acted like he got handed everything. And, and in reality, I know Chris did not, Chris worked, you know, from the slums to get to where he is. So 
you know, I, maybe Chris has changed. Maybe Chris is, you know, I, I guess there are people that really like him. You know, there, there's a lot of well-respected comedians that are his friends like Sandler, David Spade. So maybe I just caught him on a bad day, but, um, yeah, I have no hard feelings. Just kind of wanted to share that story of, uh, you know, my, my encounter with Chris Rock, but everybody, it has been a fantastic show tonight. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I love you all. Um, I will see you all very soon until next time. I'm Rory Sodder. Cheers, everybody. Take care.